participation. Uh, I do want to let you know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 300 is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is giving new customers a shot to turn five buccarinos into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any UFC 300 bet. So uh, there's a lot of close fights. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira is a close one. Um, one that is of interest to me, Kayla Harrison, Holly Holm going the distance. Um, obviously, Zhang Wei Li is a big favorite. The biggest favorite on the card is actually Bo Nickel against Cody Brundage. That may not be a surprise to you. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things on this card. And the place to be for it all is DraftKings Sportsbook. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code Hour. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DMAR. The crown is yours. Gambling Pronco 100 Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resorts in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, cdkng.com slash MMA.com, yes. Uh, for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Obviously, it's UFC 300 week in Las Vegas. Friday, also in Las Vegas, it's the second PFL event of the season. Had a great start on Thursday. Uh, Dakota Cheva with a solid win. You had Moldovsky on there. You had a bunch of... Uh, former Bellator fighters Liz Carmouche getting a win as well in her PFL debut. And so I want to let you know that the PFL is back on April 12th with the lightweights and light heavyweights throwing it down. Last week it was the women's flyweights and the heavyweights. You've got names like Impa Kasangane, who of course uh, won the 2023 light heavyweight tournament. You also have Clay Collard and Bellator, former champ, one Patricky Pitbull is uh, is going to be on the card against Clay Collard. So if you're in Vegas for 300, go check him out. If you're at home, check him out over on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Uh, Plus. That is Friday, April 12th, live at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour is back in your life on this Monday, January 24th, 2022. Hello again, everyone. Hope you're doing well. Welcome back to the show. Hope you had a lovely weekend. Holy smokes, do we have a lot to discuss. We have a lot to discuss. A very eventful weekend, not only in the world of MMA, but for myself. Crazy weekend. Of course, we know about 270. You can put that off to the side for just a brief moment. 270 is going to give us a lot to discuss today. I can't wait to get into it. I am uh, chomping at the bit, as they say. I am really, really excited, especially you know when it pertains to the uh, the top two fights, the main event, the co-main event. Friday, uh, we're, we're putting dishes away. My wife puts a plate in the dishwasher, and I guess she just sort of like hit it the wrong way, and I guess there was a crack. Plate cracks slices her hand and now it's like a movie it's like sprinkler 
blood coming out of her hand, like to the to the ceiling. Sprinkler, like in the movies. This actually happens. Have to go to the hospital, stay there for three hours, stitch her up, has a whole thing on her hand. So that was quite eventful on Friday. And this was like late night, you know, 11 p.m. Um, so, yeah, that was that was something. Uh, and, of course, you know about 270. That was something. And, of course, today I come on the program with a broken heart. Uh, I know you don't want to hear me go on and on about my beloved Buffalo Bills, but it was a tough Sunday night. So, so close. Those 13 seconds, I can't stop thinking about them. Yes, I know it's an MMA show. And I'm actually very thankful, believe it or not, that I get to do this show, you know, 12 hours later because uh, it's going to allow me to think about something else and uh, just not replay those 13 seconds over and over and over and over again and scroll through Twitter. So I'm very thankful to be here. I'm not dreading it. I'm actually looking forward to it because we got a lot to discuss. I will say, though, to all the Bills fans out there, our time is coming. As long as number 17 is our guy, our time is coming, and we will look back on this moment, I have no doubt, as one of those Chicago Bulls, Detroit Pistons moments when we had to, you know, suffer a little bit to get to what we ultimately want. One day we will have our one. That's all I want. I want my one. That's it. One. I'm not asking for much. I just want my one. Um, so thank you to this show for giving me that escape. I am eternally grateful as I attempt to heal my broken heart. Um, as always, we are presented by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of not only the UFC, not only the NFL, but also the MMA Hour. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code the MMA Hour for a special offer when you sign up. Again, that's code the MMA Hour, only at DraftKings. Please support them because they support us. Okay. My word. Later in the show, we'll check in with New York Rick. We'll check in with GC. That's to come. Big bets, of course. A lot of stories to discuss. Three o'clock, my friends. The reigning, the defending UFC heavyweight champion, le predateur Francis Ngannou will join us. 3 o'clock, 3 Eastern, spread the word. Francis Ngannou is going to join us. A lot more on him in a second. 2.30, we're going to be joined by Tom Aspinall. It was officially announced today, actually, and reported last week that Tom Aspinall is going to be the one to headline the UFC's highly anticipated return to London. Everyone has been wondering, asking me, speculating, debating, all that stuff. Who is going to be the one and what is going to be the fight to headline the UFC's much-anticipated return to the UK? And it's going to be Tom Aspinall against Alexander Volkov. So we'll talk to uh, Tom, the undefeated UFC heavyweight. Two losses on his career, in, on his record, but only in the UFC. He's undefeated. Um, he has looked fantastic. He is a big-time star and a fighter who I suspect could be this year's surreal gun. You know, someone who's not in the title picture to start the year, but could end the year in the title picture. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, of course, much more in the heavyweight division to come as well. That's at 2.30. 2 o'clock, my old UFC Tonight friend, Kenny Florian, is going to stop by. One of the brightest minds in the sport. Been a while since I spoke to him. And in fact, last week, he popped up in the mentions when I brought up the fact that half of Francis Ngannou's purse is going to go or be converted into Bitcoin. Again, I know nothing about this stuff. And he suggested, hey, we need to talk because I admitted that I know nothing about this stuff. And so I said, you know what? It might be nice to have old Ken Flo on the program. I haven't talked to him in a while. He's doing big things. He's with BattleBots. He's with the PFL. He's got the Anna and Florian podcast. Um, let's have him on. 
I still think he's one of the best minds. I still think he should be doing UFC shows. I think he's, he's one of the best analysts. And remember, he was the first of the active fighters to actually, Couture popped up before him. So I take that back. Couture popped up. But then he, Couture was always used as the third man in the booth with Goldie and Rogan, Goldie, Rogan, Couture. And it was mainly for fights related to him, 205 heavyweight. Florian, I remember replacing Rogan, I believe first time was UFC 83 in Montreal, GSP versus Matt Serra 2. Rogan had some kind of scheduling conflict. Florian stepped in and did, I thought, a fantastic job and developed into one of the best guys in the game in terms of fighters turned analysts and active fighters turned analysts. So anyway, all that to say, uh, very excited to talk to him at 2 o'clock. Eric Nixick going to be joining us, the head man over at uh, Extreme Couture. He'll join us in about 25 minutes. We had him on the show on Wednesday to uh, preview the Francis Ngannou versus Cyril Gan fight. And now we'll have him on to talk about what happened on Saturday. And so let's talk a bit about what happened on Saturday night. Look, it was a great pay-per-view. It was an entertaining pay-per-view. I'm really curious to see what the buy rate is. Of course, they were going up against the... Um, the Green Bay Packers-San Francisco 49ers game, which was a tremendous game, but ended right about when the main car was going to start. So if you had a scenario where you had people over or something like that, if if you're doing that sort of thing, uh, I could see you buying the pay-per-view, and there weren't a lot of big names, but I'm curious if it got overshadowed and whatnot. That being said, a much maligned card, a card that lost two of its bigger names uh, on the Friday, Thursday, Friday before the card, Adolfo Vieira, and then, of course, Ilya Teporia, who we had on the show on uh, Wednesday, unfortunately had a weight-cutting mishap and was pulled from the, the fight card by the California Athletic Commission. That's a really tough blow for him, especially when he was on the show. He was talking about Movsar Evloev now having a loss on his record because he pulled out due to COVID. And now he pulls out due to that. I mean, I saw a lot of people now saying, all right, now you are, uh, you know, you are one to have a loss on your record as well. He is undefeated officially. So the card had a bunch of debutantes and stuff, but like everyone, I mean, there were no boring fights. Everyone stepped up. It was fun. Uh, Main card was fun. The early fights were good, but it was really all about those two fights, those two top fights. Co-main event, Davison Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno for the flyweight title. Figueredo wins. He regains the title, and then main event. And I'll talk about Figgy and and Moreno in a second. But let's just talk about this main event here for a second, my friends, because, I mean, as we talked about ad nauseum going into the, the, the card and the weekend, this was not only a tremendous matchup, this was not only the kind of fight that every promoter wants because it's involving two dynamic personalities, two incredibly talented fighters for the heavyweight championship of the world, the ultimate prize in combat sports, right? It's the most decorated division. Everyone loves talking about the heavyweights. Francis is the knockout king. Cyril is the up-and-coming stud. But it also had all those other storylines, right? It had the former teammates. It had former coach and pupil. It had the contract stuff. And so there was just a lot. And I was one. I, I kept going back and forth about the fight. I kept wondering historically, when you've got all that going on, when you're in Francis's shoes and you're battling the promotion and you're battling, you know, to get your contract, the one that you want, and you've got drama 
outside of the cage, historically, it doesn't bode well. And historically, when you do battle the UFC, as I've said, the house always seems to win. It always seems like the guys who try to challenge them. I think of Rory McDonald challenges them. Uh, Dan Henderson challenges them. Even guys like Lorenz Larkin. You challenge them, you go out there, the house always seems to win. Now, there are some exceptions here and there. You know, Bader tested free agency and he's been better off as a result of it. But the high-profile guys, it seems like the house wins. House being the UFC. And so there were a lot of... And of course, he's going up against his former coach who built him. He made that Frankenstein. Of course, he's going to know the kryptonite. And there was just so much going on. And so when you consider... All the drama with the contract. You consider the contract situation. I mean, the contract situation alone was enough to make someone crumble. Think about that. This guy betting on himself. Last fight of his deal. Going toe-to-toe with the powers that be. And not just going toe-to-toe privately, going toe-to-toe publicly as well. On The Daily Show. That Comedy Central show hosted by Trevor Noah, he's on a platform like that talking about his contract. Every interview he is doing is talking about his contract, how he has one fight left on his deal. That's his last fight. How his contract is going to be up with or without the belt around his waist come end of this year, 2022. Still, you know, several months to go. But this is a lot to deal with. You are, I mean, we talk about betting on yourself, gambling on yourself. Like this man was truly doing that. He was saying, I'm going to walk into this cage with one fight left. If I lose, my leverage is gone. My negotiating power is gone. And I'm essentially a free agent. Now, I still think, as I said, uh, there's, there's a lot of business to be had. If you, uh, you want to invest in, even off a loss, a loss to Cyril Gunn would have been nothing to scoff at. Now, of course, if he gets knocked out in 10 seconds, I mean, your, your, your power really diminishes. But he was willing to take that risk. And it was not, trust me, it was not a fun process. In fact, his agent, Markel Martin, Saturday morning, posted a screenshot of a text message that he received from a 702 number, I might add, giving us a little bit of insight into what these guys have been going through. That's just, from what I've heard, and I probably, I mean, I know I haven't heard all of it, probably 5% of the drama of the stress, of the pressure that they were dealing with. I mean, that text, who knows who it's from, where it came from. Of course, there are inferences to be made from the area code. No one deserves that. No one deserves that. This is business. This is sports. No one deserves that. And so there was just a lot going on in that regard. And then you consider he's going up against a former teammate a guy that he's trained before, a guy who when he trained with him for the first time was much younger in the game, was new to the sport. You can make a very strong case, a lot better now than he was back then, right? That was still a couple of years ago. So he's going against this guy who, I don't care what anyone says, it's awkward. They handled it pretty well. I mean, that press conference on Thursday was a joke. All these press conferences are jokes. I hate to call them even press conferences, just call them conferences at this point. For for media to, I mean, the fact that they allow these media members to go up there to try to make it on their 30-second Instagram reel and battle and argue and, and disrespect the freaking warriors that are sitting up there is an incredible embarrassment. It is 
truly an embarrassment to the sport and to the company. And, and certainly, it's embarrassing for the fighters to be subjected to that. The fact that they continue to allow this to happen, back in the day, here I am sounding like an old guy, those press conferences were raucous, they were intense, there, it was a Jerry Springer, but for the most part, for the most part, the questions were inbounds, respectful, for the most part, right? Of course, there were these, the, I mean, this is Jabroni Central. This is a joke. This is what someone who is writing a sketch on MMA media, this is someone like doing a parody of MMA media. Like it's that bad. It's like you're going that far on that side of the spectrum just to make fun of MMA media. And it's not even MMA media. Who knows what the F is going on over there? Everyone involved in these press conferences, everyone who advocates to continue to do this, everyone who is okay with this should be ashamed of themselves. That's not how athletes should be treated. Certainly not fighters should be treated going into a fight. I'm going on a tangent here, but they handled it pretty well. They handled it pretty well. It was pretty respectful. You could tell that those two guys respect each other. There's animosity and there's pride involved and there's ego involved. You could tell they respect each other. Now, that's one thing. The other thing is the former coach, the guy who, you know, helped make you into who you are today, the guy who, you know, took you under his wing. I know it broke, uh, you know, it, it, it probably broke Fernand's heart that, that Francis left after he built him up and I know it got very personal and we saw that on this show and leading up to the fight it got even more personal and it felt like it was Fernand versus Francis but in the back of your mind if you're Francis you're growing up against the guy who taught you a lot of these tricks made you into the fighter that you are today and so that's a lot to deal with in its own right and so he's dealing with that he's dealing with the former team he's dealing with the, the contract and then Saturday morning I get multiple text messages Francis is hurt and this isn't me, like, I don't care. Believe it or not, it doesn't, like, you could even look it up. People were tweeting about it. It was starting to become a thing in this sport. Francis has an injured knee. Now, I don't, at this point, Saturday morning, what are you going to do? You're going to call him up. You're going to call up his age. Like, no one's going to admit to it. And at this, it's like, it's one of those judgment calls. You just kind of let it lie. But I heard it from enough people to where I was like, damn, that's another thing to worry about now? This guy's got to worry about an injured knee. How's that going to affect his striking? How's that going to affect his grappling if he gets taken down? Golly, nothing's going Francis's way here. And then, of course, he walks out, and the broadcast is talking about it, and there's two knee braces on, one on each leg, and yeah, okay, there it is. The guy doesn't fight with knee braces. Now, of course, he has to wear two because he doesn't want to put a freaking bullseye on the injured knee, but now I'm like, oh, my God, this guy has to deal with that. All right. God bless. And then the fight starts. And he clearly lost the first two rounds. And he clearly did not look as powerful and as um, explosive as he had in the past. Certainly not against Stipe recently. And he clearly looked, to me, tired. He was breathing with his mouth open very early on. I want to say he was rattled or anything like that, but he lost those two rounds. And so now you're thinking, all right, uh, if he loses the third, he has to finish him in the fourth and fifth. Francis Ngannou has never won a fight past the third round. Remember Derek Lewis? That didn't go well. Remember Stipe Miocic? That didn't go well. So, you know, first two rounds are over. Like, that's when you say, oh, I watched this fight. I looked into my crystal ball. Francis Ngannou, you know, this fight ended in two minutes. Oh, uh, you know, in two rounds, uh, Francis winning. Easy. Now we're getting to the third. He's down two. And you're like, damn, he bet on himself and it didn't work. That's what I'm thinking. This seems rather elementary. Now, Cyril's not smoking him. He's not a master class, but he's winning those rounds. And I, I didn't see anyone really 
score those two rounds for Francis. And then what happens? He wins the third, and he starts to reinvent himself, and he starts to show off grappling, and he starts to show off some wrestling, and he starts to show off some jujitsu as well. I mean, the wrist control, taking the back, the scrambles, the takedowns. Cyril Ghan had never been taken down before in the UFC. had never been on his back. That's Francis Ngannou. Remember when Francis Ngannou fought Stipe Miocic in Boston, Massachusetts? And everyone was like, this guy's one-dimensional. This guy's a one-trick pony. He has no gas tank. He has no idea what he's doing on the ground. Look what he did. Now, I'm not talking... This is not like black belt stuff. But he freaking won this fight with his wrestling, with his grappling. Francis Ngannou, le predateur, won that fight with his wrestling. And so he wins the third, he wins the fourth, and it's it's going down to the fifth round. It's 2-2 now. He's gone, I mean, all the way back. He looks exhausted. His knee is probably killing him. His his coach, Eric Nixick, is giving him, you know, one of those classic, buddy, I love you, I believe in you, five more minutes, and everything is right. We win it all back. All the all the drama, all the pressure, all the the, the 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 I mean, all the crap that these guys had to deal with, dating back to the moment he won that fight in March, and they tried to pressure him to sign a new contract, and then the interim title debacle, and then thinking he was going to fight in September, and then having to wait till January, ten months later, to fight again. All that crap gets erased in five minutes. I mean, it was just chills going down my spine watching that. And what does he do? He pulls it out. He wins fair and square. And now Francis Ngannou is still the champion. And now, (laughs) buckle up. We're about to get an incredible 11-month stretch. And it may not last that long. Who knows what's going to happen? Now, the the, the one big X factor is the knee, right? If he needs surgery, and we're obviously going to ask him that question, now, okay, what happens? They may institute another interim belt. And that takes a little bit of his leverage away. Of course, I'm not naive. I saw people saying, like, what do you think? You think Francis is going to change? You think, you know, like he's going to change the system? You think he's going to get the fighters to unionize? Like, no, I'm not dumb enough to think that they can't literally decide. There is nothing stopping the UFC right now from saying, hey, Francis, we want you to turn around in March. Oh, I can't fight in March. Okay, we're going to strip you. There's nothing from stop. There's like, there's no checks and balances here. It's the Wild West. Remember, they did a, they booked an interim title fight. Less than three months after his win over Stipe Miocic. Less than three months. There's nothing stopping them from saying, oh, uh, we want you to fight in, uh, in May in Brazil. Can you do that for us? No. Okay, we're going to put an interim title. Or better yet, how about we just strip you? So don't think for a second that just because he won that fight, all of a sudden like he could just waltz into that office in, in Las Vegas and say, give me everything. Give me a $10 million contract. That's not how this works. But he is the champion right now, and there are a lot of people who are waiting to see how this plays out. Who want to see if they'll make it right. Francis Ngannou, I don't care if he made, officially it says 600, I don't care if it's, he is not getting what he deserves. When you look at what some of the boxing heavyweight contenders, let alone the champions are making, he is not getting what he deserves. And he should be getting it all because he is a promoter's dream. He is straight out of a Marvel comic. Everything, the story, the backstory, the way he looks, the way he fights, the way he conducts himself. Think about that guy winning that fight after everything that happened and Dana White doesn't put the belt around his waist. 
Forget about not showing up to the press conference because we have seen that in the past. He doesn't show up to all of them. Can't even put the belt around his waist? Really? And we've seen this before, by the way. Remember Tyron Woodley in Dallas? Same situation played out. This one different, though, because of the contract situation. Didn't put the belt around his waist. Didn't show up to the press conference. Now, you want to give the benefit of the doubt. Maybe something happened. But, I mean, what are the chances? Sitting there the whole time. Leaves before. Not in sight. Mick Maynard has to do it. I am reminded of the late, great Dennis Green when I see situations like this. I mentioned it before when talking about these people. I mentioned it again. They are who we thought they were. They are who we thought they were. (laughs) I mean, someone shows you who they are enough times, you shouldn't be surprised about situations like this. But if you're Francis Ngannou and you see all of a sudden that it's Mick Maynard putting the belt around your waist and then you find out at the press conference that no one from the UFC showed up, and you handle it with that kind of class and grace, much respect, man, because I don't know if a lot of people would do that. And of course, in the moment, he's only caring about, you know, the victory and what it all means and the journey and probably how he's feeling and all that stuff. But golly, this guy, when you consider everything that he had to overcome on Saturday, every single crap sandwich that this guy had to eat leading up to this fight, and the way he handled it all and coming out on top, it's one of the most impressive performances that I've ever seen in the UFC. And then you start seeing people be like, oh, but the grappling wasn't that impressive. Shut the F up. Think about all that went into that. That wasn't Sunday morning at Gracie Baja. That wasn't Thursday night at freaking AKA. That was the eyes of the world watching this man. Many people hoping that he fails. The promotion certainly hoping. And they could say whatever they want. But it's a lot less headaches if he ain't the champion. That's the truth. Witness the fact what happened afterwards. And he went in there and he won. Now, I hope for their sake they figured this out. The best place for Francis Ngannou is to be fighting in the UFC. The best place for him to make the most amount of money possible, even if it probably isn't what he deserves, is in the UFC. No one thinks otherwise. No one wants him to leave the UFC. I'm not advocating for him to leave the UFC. The best fights for him are in the UFC. The best platform for him is in the UFC. The biggest spotlight on him is in the UFC. It's all that. But you want the guy to get what he deserves and what he has earned, most importantly. And so we have never seen a situation like this before. We have seen champions, you know, butt heads. We have seen people in the early days. My guy, uh, Guilherme Cruz, wrote a great story on Murillo Bustamante, but never in this stage of the sports history with these kinds of eyeballs, with ESPN involved and these kinds of pay-per-view numbers and these kinds of gates. We've never seen this. We've never seen this. So this is going to be fascinating. I can't wait to see how it all plays out. And you hope he doesn't need the surgery. And if he does, he's not out for too long. And because that that clock is going to start ticking. Remember, end of the year, with or without the belt, he can walk away. And now we're talking about a real freaking dicey moment. Amazing. What theater? What a win. And by the way, don't think for a second, I see some people ragging on Surreal Gun. Don't think for a second that that guy isn't back in this spot very, very soon. Some of the best champions in UFC history have stumbled in their first title fight. I think of GSP against Matt Hughes. I think of Rose Namajunas against Carlos Sparza. I think of Francis Ngannou against Stipe Miocic back in Boston not that long ago. 
It is crazy. It's been four years. But the point remains. Cyril Gunn is an incredible athlete. He's only been doing this training for three and a half years and fighting. He's not a lifer. He's not a guy who's been doing this since he was, you know, four, six, 11. He's going to be back. Probably a demoralizing loss for him and his team, but he is going to be back. And I agree with him. I would love to see the rematch at some point. Win one or two here. Francis hopefully resigns six around. This would be great. This would be great. So I can't wait to talk to Francis in a bit. Can't wait to talk to his coach. And then in the co-main event, you have this incredible fight between Davis and Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. Moreno comes out with the massive pop. All you idiots out there who love to say that the flyweight should go away, just listen to that. It's not about 125 or 170 or 185 or 205. It's about personalities and stars and rivalries and, 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 and fighters that you care about, that you are emotionally invested in. And people, certainly in that part of the country, are emotionally invested in Brandon Moreno. Listen to that pop. That is equal to any other champion in the UFC right now that they are getting. I mean, put, pick, pick, a, pick a fighter, pick the best location for them. They're getting a pop like that. Not much better. They're getting that kind of pop. That was insane. That was for the flyweight champion of the world, the most maligned division in UFC history. The featherweights don't even get this kind of, the, the women's featherweights don't even get this kind of, you know, criticism. Unfortunately for Brandon Moreno, it didn't work out. Great game plan uh, by, a, by Team Cringe, Captain Eric, Henry Cejudo, my guys, Valid Ishmael. Great game plan from them. The leg kicks were huge. And I thought he won the fight, 48-47. And for the record, I would love to see a best of seven. I think a best of seven would be tremendous. But I also think it wouldn't be necessarily fair to the Kai Kyra Francis of the world, to the uh, Askar Askarovs of the world, to the Alexandre Pantojas of the world. I think the division needs to roll on. I, I don't think it's a crazy thing to say like, hey, Moreno wins one, is right back in there. These guys are magic together. Fight of the year contender, second best fight of the year in 2020, in my opinion, behind Zhang Weili and Yuan and Jacek, maybe the greatest female fight of all time. Tremendous drama, tremendous fight back in June in Arizona, and then this one. These guys are incredible. And when you saw Figueredo look the way he did and sort of act the way he did on the scale at the weigh-in on Friday, you had to think things are going to go well for this guy. Deutsch de Guerra. And not a lot of people, including myself, thought they should run it back right away. But they did. He gets the opportunity. He wins the belt back. Uh, and, and, it, and it's a tough blow for the UFC because they had a real star on their hands with Moreno. But he ain't going nowhere. He's still a star. Again, these losses, they don't hurt your star power as much as they maybe do in boxing for whatever reason. Shout out to Figueredo for saying, hey, I'll fight you in Mexico the next time. That would be incredible. That would be insane. Not a lot of people would say that. They would say, hey, May 7th, let's go to Rio alongside Glover Teixeira and Yuri Prochaska and maybe Charles Oliveira and Justin Gaethje. Let's do a triple header title fight scenario. I'll do that. He didn't say that. So, I mean, Figueredo, as much as he wants to play the heel, that was a baby face move if you ask me. Yeah, sure, buddy. I'll go to your home country and I'll defend my belt that I just beat you in a super close fight and we'll do it for a fourth time because these guys could easily do it for a fourth time. I don't think they should do it next. I certainly wouldn't hate it. But let's see what happens with these, some of these, you know, these new faces. Again, Kaikar France, Oscar Askarov, Alexander Punch. 125 is doing fine. 125 is in great hands. 
Thank God they didn't get rid of the division. They were that close to doing so. Two tremendous title fights. What a night. I couldn't go to sleep afterwards. It was like 4.30 a.m. Eastern. I was still buzzing because of all the permutations and all the buildup and all the drama. And I mean, just like the heart that we, we, we were, you know, exposed to by these four fighters, putting it on the line. Oh, it was amazing. All right. Uh, that's just a few thoughts. We're going to get way deeper into it throughout the show. Of course, like I said, New York Rick, GC, all that stuff. But uh, let's get into the interviews, shall we? Let's talk to some people here. You don't want to just hear from me. And let's talk to one of the people that I was just talking about. He was in Francis's corner. He is Francis's head coach. He's the head man over at Extreme Couture. I loved everything about you know what he did and how he acted and how he handled himself leading up to the fight and certainly in the fight, as I highlighted on my social media, that very short sort of speech, if you want to call it that, not the best, you know, just like the, the moment that they shared in the corner going into the fifth gives me goosebumps just talking about it. If you haven't seen it, I posted it on my Instagram, just incredible stuff. I love those in the foxhole bonding moments between a coach and a fighter where it's just them going back to, you know, toe-to-toe, face-to-face, talking to each other, connecting. It's uh, it's a beautiful thing, and I think it's what we love about this sport so much. He was on the show Wednesday, kind enough to join us now on the program. Let's go to the Zoom machine and say hello to Eric Nixick. There he is. Eric, can you even put What's into up, words? What's up, man? What it, like Monday, it's Monday morning still in Vegas. After an insane week, I presume, in South Cal- uh, Southern California, like how, how, how do you even put into words how you're feeling on this Monday? I, I feel great. I actually spent, uh, I'm here still. I stayed and oh. rented a house in Newport. So um, my, my wife and two of my kids uh, stayed out to hang out for a little bit to kind of decompress. And, you know, I got to get around some family and, you know, people that really uh, love and care about you. So they, they drove out from San Diego. Some live here. And it was just nice to kind of get the little group together and hang out and decompress for a few days. Uh, so, you know, after a big fight like that, how how much time do you give yourself to decompress? Because as we talked about on Wednesday, you've got a litany of other people waiting on you and they've got big fights. So do you take a mental break for a day or two? Well, usually for me, Ariel, I, I take Sunday off, but I'm back to work on Monday. I have a Monday practice that I run. But obviously with the circumstances of this camp and the magnitude of what we went through, uh, I, I decided to take a couple days off. And I told all the guys that I was going to do that. So Sean Strickland and Puna already know that I'm going to be here for about another day or two, and I'll, I'll be back to the gym by Wednesday. Uh, would you say, and and you're still, I think, uh, sort of like, and let me know if you disagree, sort of in the embryonic stages of your head coaching career. Hopefully you're going to do this for another 30, 40 years, right, and have many, many big fights. Was this the most stressful buildup to a, a big fight in your, in your young career? Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean – uh, it like when we talked on uh, Wednesday, I had I had so much relief and clarity because we we knew what our future was going to be when we got to to LA. We knew that we were going to fight, but everything was still up in the air, and we really didn't know what what we were going to do. And so once we got there, and we knew like okay, it's on, we're fighting. Um, everything kind of slowed down. So the anxiety and the and the what is and the this and that. I mean, it was it was a good three weeks of dealing with the knee injury, and then obviously you know, game planning for Surreal gone for the last five months, that man's giving me nightmares and trying to come up with a, a way to beat him. So man, it just was such a relief. And I think once the fight was over, it's funny. Cause like you were one of the first dudes I wanted to text. I'm like, Oh, it's probably late. I don't want to wake him up. And then me? you wrote me, you're like, 
yeah. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> but uh, it, it was just, it was just, man, it was just a relief to kind of get through everything and, and um, you know, to get through it together. Okay, so let's talk about the knee if we can. You guys did a great job of keeping it under wraps for the most part. Um, when did it first happen? Um, it was about three and a half weeks ago, I believe. It was uh, during sparring. And, um, you know, uh, Ali had a, had a big heavyweight come in town. He was a guy that was going to be on the contenders. We worked with him on Monday at a, more of a grappling day. He was a great training partner and a great look for Francis. And then on Tuesday... Uh, Francis was standing southpaw. Um, Francis was kind of piecing him up a little bit and I could tell the guy was getting anxious. So the guy shot a very, very low single. It wasn't like him trying to be mean or anything like that. It was just, you know, him taking a shot, but it was really low and, uh, went on to Francis's lead leg, which was his right leg being southpaw and, and with the shin pads and the knee pad on it, just his knee kind of buckled funny. Um, you know, and he, he, he cringed and grabbed it. And then got up and kind of moved around a little bit and then actually finished up the rounds. And then we went to the PI and got looked at the next day. He had an MRI and it was a full MCL tear. Um, and then he had damage to the ACL as well. So um, once we heard that, you know, in my mind, I was like, well, I don't know how you're going to be able to move around. So we just kind of took it one day at a time. He, he ended up getting some, some treatment done on the knee and really it was just, a one day at a time process for us, uh, kind of waiting for our fate and figuring out how the hell we're going to do things. But all during that time, Ariel, he never really lost sight of what he wanted to do. And that was the fight. How close was he to pulling out? I don't really think he was very close. And I, myself, um, Dewey, Markel, we all suggested that he should, wow. that we didn't think it was the right move to take this fight. But, you know, um, we had that like come to Jesus moment Friday before he left. And I was emotional, man. Like I just wanted to, I wanted him to understand like, dude, this isn't about um, us. This isn't about a paycheck. This isn't about anything other than the safety for your health and, your, and the rest of your career. And, and I, as your coach, I have to vocalize that. I can't just sit here and not say something, but if you tell me, because you know, your body, if you tell me that you can fight and you can make this happen, then I'm not going to mention this shit again. And we're going, we're going full steam ahead and I'm going to, you're going to have my support no matter what. But if something goes wrong, I wouldn't feel right about myself for not saying how I felt. It just wouldn't have been, it, I wouldn't have been able to sleep at night Ariel, if I didn't. So we had that kind of moment. I know um, I wouldn't say he was mad by any means. I can just tell it was just kind of a downing moment where it was right before we were supposed to start training and we get done. And he was like, well, training kind of sucks now. <laughs> you know, he was just like, I don't really want to be here, but, um, we actually got through the training. I, I, um, I had asked him cause he'd been wearing like this NFL style, like a offensive lineman knee brace. And I was like, bro, you know, you can't wear that. I, and I know why we wore it. We needed to keep the stability and get the workouts in and stuff. But I was like, listen, I want to see you move around without that knee brace on, because I think that thing's giving you a false sense of security. So let's do this practice without the knee brace. Let's see how you move around. You're on the canvas at the PI. I know it's a little slippery, but let's just try to get some movement in. And bro, I, I swear he looked great. Hmm. He looked great. So it was just, a, it was a little bit more and more to be promising and, and the outlook was starting to look a little bit better. But we agreed that when we got to LA, we would go to the doctor. The moment we landed, we didn't even get on the UFC, like uh, on, on the shuttle or the, or the car service. We got our own ride and we went to the, to the doctor and, um, 
you know, he came out of the office and I could just tell him when he walked out, I was like, Oh, we're fighting. <laughs> so it was, it was that. And I never brought it up again. I never asked how it was doing. I, I didn't, you know, look at it. I didn't make it any other way. I didn't want to put it on his mind. I just wanted to focus on the fight. That is wild to, to, to land. You guys landed on Tuesday. Yep. So up until that point, like you're taking off, you're landing and you're still kind of holding out hope that you guys are okay. What happens if that doctor comes out and is like, Hey, I don't think you guys should fight. I think he actually did say that. Oh, really? <laughs> I think so. Because he went into the doctors alone. And afterwards I said, what did he say? And he's like, well, uh, <laughs> you know? And uh, so I said, I said, all right, all right bro. I, I know, I know we're here and I know why we're here. Um, and I believe in your heart and I believe in your story. And this is going to make, this is going to make for a better, better story, to be honest with you. And I feel like we can pull this out. So let's go. Let's do it. Did you have to dramatically change the game plan as a result of the knee injury? Not necessarily the game plan, Ariel, as much, but it was more of the training. So, um, you know, we, we are a grappling heavy gym by pedigree alone. And uh, so, and, and with that grappling also, it improves your cardio. You, you have insane amount of cardio for the practices that we run. And that changed a lot. So um, that did worry me because he was, I mean, looking unbelievable in the room at what he was doing. And, and really it was his recovery that was impressive to me. So, you know, credit to the guys of the PI and then the, the training that he was getting, getting over at Extreme Couture. But then when you change that about three and a half weeks out, I mean, he couldn't really jump rope. He couldn't do a lot of things that we were doing to get the cardio. That was, that was a little bit worrisome, but um, you know, I, I know that we worked so hard on the skill set that you got to see on, on Saturday so I was hoping just kind of the autopilot thing would kick in. And it, it was it was always part of the game plan. But when it presented itself, then I wanted to stick to it. When we got the first takedown, I was like, uh, I walked in the cage. I think it was right after the third round. And I could see uh, Cyril walking back and peeling himself off the canvas and walking back to the corner. And I was looking at his body language. And, and Francis is walking back to the corner. And I was literally standing in the middle of the octagon. And I yelled at Francis and pointed at Gone. I go, look at this motherfucker. He's broke. Look at him. And I wanted to say it loud enough that Cyril heard me. And I wanted to say it loud enough to Francis hear me. And Francis looked back and I could see this grin on his face. <laughs> and I sit him down on the stool and I go, hey, we got ourselves something here, don't we? He goes, we sure do. And I go, let's get right back to it then. <laughs> wow, that is amazing, man. By the way, uh, UFC tried to reschedule the fight. I mean, they knew about it, right? You're at the PI. Did they weigh in or no? Or did they not know about it? They knew about it. Okay. Yeah, they knew about it. No, they're not going to do us any favors, bro. Not, <laughs> please, Come can on. we maybe do this on January 1st instead of January 22nd? Let's expedite this, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so, so, and just curious, before we, you know, I'm just trying to get the picture of the whole entire week. Uh, so I asked you sort of a variation of this question, but now that it's over, because you could be a lot more open, I, I totally respect that. At any point, in addition to the knee, and maybe when you mix the knee story into it all, were you worried about his mental state? Were you worried that this was just too much for him to handle? Not really. Not not really, to be honest with you. Um, and to be clear, man, I, I kind of he, he kind of calmed me down with his with his attitude and the way he was carrying himself. And um, you know, I talked to Jay Heron about it. And Jay Heron elaborated on some stories that, you know, him, him and, and throughout his career. And then I talked to Randy and Randy told me some of the stories that he went through while he was having his, his title run and some of the adversities that hit him. 
And um, both of them said, hey, bro, there's just something about certain fighters that no matter what's going on in their lives, the moment they get in the dressing room, they're able to just disconnect all that and go out there and be a fighter. And that's where they feel their best. And that's when they feel that they're at home. So you have to try to harness those things and, and make him feel like his team's behind him. So as much as I was nervous and I had this nervous energy, I didn't want that to feed off to him. I wanted to keep him focused on, on the task at hand. So, I mean, for, from what I saw out of him, he was just, he was just ice, ice water the whole time. Were you aware that come Saturday people were talking about this on Twitter and that it was starting to become a thing? I knew being a Vegas boy, I knew when I started to see the line move. Interesting. Because, yeah, I, I, I knew. Got, I knew. I got to tell you, like a ton of people hit me up, several people saying, this is the word around town of Vegas. Now, at that point, I'm not bothering. I didn't look at it as like, if it is, it is. God bless. But uh, it feels like there was someone kind of ratting him out or I don't know. I don't know how someone finds well, out about this. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's going to happen inherently, especially when, you know, to me, the UFC PI is kind of flawed by design. I mean, they're a great, they're a great facility. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong, but you know, it's a very, you know, the, the training room itself is, is glass, it's a gla- mm-hmm. you know, so you can, you can be working out, but you can also see Francis getting his knee taped mm-hmm. or getting treatment done any athlete that's in there. So if there's seven or eight athletes that happen to be in there and they're seeing this man get taped up or getting treatment done or something worked on on his knee, it's, it's bound to happen. It's just, it's just flawed by design. It's not them trying to be mean or anything like that, but there's enough eyes in there and enough people in there that eventually some stuff like that's going to happen. So um, we were aware of that and, and, you know, he's walking around with a knee brace on and so-and-so sees it They're you know, they're going to tell three people, yeah. And it, we had enough time in between where I think it was about three weeks where I figured it was going to get out enough. But I told my wife that I was like, I'm going to keep an eye on this betting line because once you see this line move, you're going to know it's out. Yeah, that is a that is a Vegas mind. Um, and so, OK, so we so we're starting to get to the fight. And I would imagine do you have to tell the commission this because you guys have to get the the knee um, the knee pads cleared, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I was a little bit ahead of the curve when um, I, there was a practice we had at the PI. It's probably about uh, a week and a half before the fight. I called Herzog and I say, Hey Jay, I, I need some help on some information. What do you guys allow for as far as um, knee braces go? And I knew they had knee braces you're allowed, but I didn't know like what the, what the um, descriptions were. And he's like neoprene knee brace. Those are allowed. Um, so I said to Francis that night, I said, Hey, I want you to buy like five different versions of these knee braces. Just, a bunch of them. We'll try them on. We'll see which ones we like. And we're going to bring all of them out, but I need a pair. I need one for each knee. So bring them all out to to California. So when we go to weigh-ins, when the commission's at weigh-ins, you need to get those checked and let them decide. Um, They didn't, they weren't there to be able to check knee braces or maybe he didn't bring them. So the night of the fight, which I did not want this to happen. I wanted this to be cleared before we got to the fight. Um, But we brought him in. And then uh, Herb Dean took him in the back. He took all the ones and came back and said, hey, these ones are approved. You can use these ones. And that's what we did. And it happened to be the one that he was most comfortable with. So oh, wow. we, we went with those. Yeah. Very smart to, to wear one on each knee. No bulls. Had to. Right? Yeah, that was, smart. Had to. that was smart. That was smart. And even on the broadcast they were talking about, I was like, oh, damn, these guys uh, got some inside information. Could I ask left or right? I was right. It was right. Okay. I was trying to – I was trying to – see if one was like more swollen or something like that but you know impossible i was surprised they were talking about it so openly on the broadcast because the rest of the world had no idea what was going on uh, but if you had been following the story that day 
uh, you, you kind of were prepared for it. So what are you thinking in the first and second round? What's going through your mind? Um, I kind of had an idea. So I'll, I'll always go and break ourselves down first. And before I start a game plan, I'll, I'll try to sit in the opposite corner and try to figure out what we're, what they're going to do to beat us. And, um, that was pretty much what I had expected from them was to, to sag heavy on Francis's arms, to make him pummel, to try to get lactic acid build up into his arms, to try to take some of the punching power away, um, and try to wear on his cardio. You know, but uh, the way we were style, we run our practices, we implement pummeling and cardio all throughout the grappling classes. So when you grapple, we have to get up, you have to pummel, you have to shadow box, you have to do all these things. So we were trying to stay ahead of the curve already just by our standard of what we do in our practices. So when I saw that, I was like, okay. And when we sat down on the stool, I was like, hey, we already knew what was coming. So let's make the adjustments to what we've seen. Um, and then a lot of our, our game plan was obviously cage control, um, you know, I wanted him to, to kind of aim for the center mass because Cyril did such, does such a good job of slipping punches and keeping his head offline. But that means his chest will always still kind of be in the same place. So if you can find his chest, we can always come back with the reload off the same side or to come back with the left hook, depending on which way he slips his head. So um, Cyril did such a great job and never really staying in one place. So we couldn't really find him where we wanted him. And that led us to kind of mixing a little bit of the game plan up as we went. But um, I didn't like the way I think round, round one, I thought was very close uh, in my head. I would have gave it to Cyril because that's kind of the way I would corner round two was, was definitely surreal. And then round three was like, I, we wanted, um, you know, my dad would always say in football, you know, get the band playing, get the band playing. We need mm. something to get the, get the, get everybody excited again. And that was the moment when he threw it, the, threw the kick and we caught it. And then uh, that changed the whole trajectory of the fight, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh my God. It was incredible. Cause I felt he was down two rounds to none and everything's on the line here at this point. And then slowly but surely, we started to see wrestler, grappler, Francis Ngannou, that we've never really seen before. This is incredible. How long have you been holding on to this? I mean, seeing Francis even do like little things, like wrist control and stuff like that, I was like, wow, this is great. I mean, going back to this first Stipe fight, the improvement there, how long have you been working you know, with him on this stuff? Uh, it's been, it's been for ages, you know, we've been, we've been doing this in the gym since he's been coming to a shrink couture. Uh, you know, obviously I had during the pandemic, I had Randy in there quite a bit. So, you know, we were picking Randy Couture's brain on a lot of the risk control stuff, the Greco stuff. Um, you know, obviously Dennis Davis and Nate Pettit run a great wrestling practice. And then my Monday practice is just hell. You know, I put guys in the worst, worst positions possible. We'll start half guard backside wrist ride with ground and pound going. So guys are starting in these shit spots and having to work their way out of them, or you're in a dominant position, you have to maintain it. So he's been, he's been going at this for a long, long time. I think he's always had a kind of a, you know, um, I wouldn't say a great jujitsu game, but you know, for a big guy and what he's able to do when he gets a hold of things, uh, he's actually very, very good at stalling the positions out and keeping guys kind of underneath them, which, which makes you get kind of almost suffocating. And then that's when the other things start to present themselves. So he's been working on this, these things for a long, long time. But fortunately for us, Eric, he hasn't really had to show it. He's been right. just going and knocking dudes out. So, you know, we were able to grow this, this, um, this ground game, I think, for the last few years. Were you ever worried about his cardio? I, I did notice early on he was breathing heavily out of his mouth. Were you worried about that? Um, no, I, I think that, like, I wouldn't say no, I wasn't worried about it, but um, – I knew that like, if we can get him in, we'll always say like, schedule your breaks. Where are you, when are you scheduling your breaks? So you have a big moment or you have something where 
Then when you have to take a second or two, I want you to make sure you're controlling your breathing. Or we'll talk about positional training where if you get them on the ground or you have them on the cage, those are your places of rest where you can breathe in those places, but you can remain active. Like, like Usman will do those foot stomps or he'll do shoulder pumps when he has an underhook or head position against the cage. So those are our areas where we say like, hey, when you get to this spot, I want you to take a second, take a deep breath. The onus is on the person that's underneath you to move. And I want you to settle your weight and just breathe. So those are kind of the things that we set up in the game plan where you know your pit stops and schedule your breaks to breathe. I knew he was fine in those positions. What were you thinking when it appeared as though uh, Cyril was going for that heel hook? <laughs> I was giggling. <laughs> I, was, I was like, man. So uh, so when we started camp or writing out the game plan and writing out some things, he says, he says to me, he says, that, hey, Bubba, they're going to go for heel hooks on me. I said, why? Why do you say that? And he goes, because the jujitsu coach or one of the coaches over there used to always make comments about my feet, how big my feet were, that those are perfect for heel hooks and leg locks. Wow. So he goes, I guarantee you they're going to go for my legs. And this is pre pre injury. This is us laying out the game plan for camp. So I said, okay, well, let's, let's go over some of those defenses that you like, or which ones do you feel most comfortable with? We don't want to, we don't need to add a bunch of new things. What's your go-tos? And he goes, I like to pull it, sit down on the, on the reap leg and, and sit there. And I go, okay, great. Let's get a let's get a, a far side underhook and start beating those guys because they got two hands occupied on one leg. We can we can use our hands to punch and use it to sit up. So um, once he went for the leg, I just thought it was kind of a fatal flaw, man. Because I I have guys in the gym that love to go for leg locks in practice and get the tap. And I tell them all the time, like, look, that's not going to happen in a fight. Most guys won't tap to that shit. So you guys are getting a false sense of reality when you guys think these leg locks work over and over and over. In a fight, guys will let their knees pop. They don't care. Half their paychecks on the line. So don't feel like that's a that's a thing to go for unless unless it's like a thirty second in the round. So when I saw him go back for that leg, I'm like, oh, dude, you just did us a favor, man. That was a fatal flaw, and we're gonna stay in this top side position. So I was very very happy when he went for that. Why does he call you Bubba? So I, I'm called Bubba by my family, ah. and. Uh, like my grandfather nicknamed me Bubba because I talked to everybody. He's like, I was a, I'm a friendly person. And, and, and where my grandpa grew up in the town, there was an old guy named Bubba. Ah. So he's like, that's you, you're Bubba. So, um, and it's, we call each other Bubba. It's kind of a, a term of endearment for, and he says it's brother. So, um, but yeah, we call each other Bubba. <laughs> I love it. Uh, were you surprised that they didn't try to attack his knee more? Oblique kicks, all that stuff. Um, well, that's a lot of the reasons why we stayed in, in orthodox. We didn't move too much over into southpaw because we didn't want to expose the right leg to the front side. Um, and it's also why we didn't kick a whole lot either. So initially the game plan was um, because of his stance switches in motion, surreal, I wanted to flatten the tires. And that would have consisted of every time he was orthodox and he'd move over to southpaw going away from us to our rear side, um, we would attack the inside low kick with the right leg to his and um, that kind of took that out of the game plan because we couldn't do that. And that was a lot of our, our game plan for round one, Ariel, was to flatten his tires. And that was like kind of a tough, tough situation to be in because we, we were leaning heavy on, on, our, on our kicks. And that's something he's very, really, really improved on. You saw that in the Stipe fight was the, the catch counters with the rear hand parry to the calf kick and things like that. So, um, you know, it wasn't like, oh, man, now what are we going to do? We're screwed. It was just situational solving that was really it how do we how do we do the same thing but um you know without that right leg 
It was a brief 10-second moment, but man, I love that moment going into the fifth between you guys. You just telling him, I believe in you. We've been through so much. Can you describe like what is going on in your mind in that moment? Because that's that's what I was talking to you about on Wednesday. Like I love coaching. I love that bond that you guys have when it's just that loyalty. And I'm so glad that we were, you know, subjected to it. And I hate the fact that people are like, well, look what Fernand said to Sorrell. Fernand's a great coach. And you we we it's almost presumptuous of us that we get to pop into your moment with your fighter for 10 seconds and then cast this whole narrative on your relationship with the fighter. It's on it's honestly unfair and it bothers me. We caught you in a beautiful moment there. Can you describe yeah. what that moment was like for you? Uh, I think it's I think it's sweat equity. And that's the best thing I can as describe it is because it's the time we spend with each other, you know? Um, it's the moments of, of vulnerability where we can talk and be real and I can understand your, your, your deepest fears and your, your biggest um, goals and everything that you've worked for. I believe in it. And, and, I, and, and when I grab him by his face and look at him in the eyes, it's because it's true. I, I believe in it. I believe in everything that you've, that you've done and, and to get to this position today. And um, I just wanted to remind him of that, man. Like this is, this is, this is his story, Ariel. He's, he's gets turned back numerous times. You know, this man had to cross the Sahara desert, had to cross the ocean 11 tries in my mind. I'm like, bro, this is only five minutes. This ain't shit for you. You know, this is, this is a, this is a walk in the park when it comes to Francis Naganu's story. But sometimes I just wanted to make eye contact with him, let him know that we're here, me, Dewey, the team, all of us, we believe in you and, and we're going to have our moment. And, um, that was really it, man. It was, it was definitely, um, it was, there, there was nothing else around me. I just felt like I was in a bubble and it was just me and him and the pressure wasn't there. There was nothing there. It was just clarity. And I knew he was going to go out and get it done. Man, you're giving me chills. Um, so he wins the fight. It's amazing. Uh, the story ends, at least for now. And we find out, obviously, you know, we, we wait with bated breath to see what happens. The big question is, though, the knee. Do you think he'll need surgery? So he's going to go, um, he's still here. He's out here in Cali too with us. Um, he's going to go uh, tomorrow to the dock and, and, and get, a, get, a, get an idea of what the next step is. Um, I don't know how MCLs really work as far as like if, if, if it can heal or if it, it, it's, it's fully torn. So I would just suggest to get it done. I, I think just so it doesn't cause you more problems throughout your career. And I don't know what the timeline would be on that, but he's going to find that out tomorrow when he goes to the doctor. Okay. What what do you want to see happen with Francis in the UFC if if you had it your way? I know you're not the business guy, right? You're just the coach, but uh, you are yeah. very invested in this story. What do you want to see happen? I want to stay with the UFC. I, I do because I, I want to compete against the best. And, you know, I, I don't agree with a lot of the things that the promotion has done, but I understand that they're a business as well and, and they're trying to do what's right for them. But um, at the end of the day, like, I think that we can, we as a, we as a team, UFC and 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 the and, the, and team Naganu can do a lot of great things together. I, I really do, but I think that um, you know, with the, with the competition they have and the and the and the promotion that they are, I want to stay there. To be quite fair, uh, just a couple more things, and then I'll let you go. What what did you think when you saw that Dana White didn't put the belt around his waist? Uh, honestly, I, I I didn't really think too much about it until afterwards, and and. The moment I saw Mick in there, I, I just wanted to stay stay present in the moment and, and not think about much other than how happy I was and proud I was as, as, of Francis. But as the as the night went on, you know, 
I wish I wish you he would have taken the high road and just went in and done it and just been a part of that. Because the last couple of weeks, I felt like Dana and Francis had been mending things. I felt like they've been, those those two have been trying to become better and heal that relationship. So for him to not be there again, I don't know his reasons why. I don't know if he got, you know, all of a sudden he had a stomach issue, you know, mm-hmm. something. But um, for him not to be there, you know, I just thought I just thought it was just kind of a weak move. Afterwards, beautiful moment between you and Fernand Lopez. He posted it on his Instagram. Could could you share what you guys said to each other? Um, you know, I, I just gave him a big hug, man. And and as a coach who's been in this sport for 15 years now, I understand the energy and the time and the effort it takes. I understand what it does to your family. I understand what the absence of the of of your you know your the the dad not being around at home and. You know, I, I just felt that, man. And I've been on the other side of that, you know. So um, I just wanted him to understand that, like, look, I have no issue with you. Um, your, 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 your situation with Francis is something completely different. But I respect, I respect you. Um, I respect your grind. I respect what you're doing over at the MMA factory. I think you should be heralded as, as one of the best coaches in the world for, for what you've done with your fighters. Uh, I wish them safe travels home. And just gave him a big hug. And, and you know, I, I wanted him to know that, like, I, I care, I guess. I, I do care. I care about your time and I care about your your energy that you spent on this fight. And um, I also just know that I've been in that position before, so I definitely empathize with him. Do you think John Jones really wants to fight this guy, Francis Ngannou? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I hope so. I really do. I, I hope so. And, uh I, I definitely want to. I definitely want to crack at him, you know. <laughs> so I think for us too, Ariel, like we spent so much time like thinking that that was the fight we were gonna make, and when it didn't happen, it was just like, why are we wasting our time with this guy? Mm-hmm. If it was up to you, safe to assume that that would be. I mean, obviously he has to resign and all that, but if you had the perfect next guy, would it be John? One hundred percent. Yeah, definitely one hundred percent. Not Tyson Fury. Well, if they want to go boxing out first, right, right, they can right. they definitely go go secure the bag and then we'll come back. But that, and that's kind of the, been the then the thought been the thought process is like, hey, you know what? Uh, John Jones is on our timetable now. So if we decide to go box or do do something else in between, uh, obviously there there has to be some things worked out between the UFC and and, uh, and Francis. But uh, you know, I'm down for whatever the hell they want to do, man. I'm mm-hmm. a competitor, so I want to try to get it get get it the best. Well, like I said, uh, you really represented yourself really well. I mean, unbelievably well. Even, you know, you guys doing that, you know, the media day on Wednesday, which I know is rare, and that that whole drama with him and Fernand. And the two moments that really stood out to me, number one, the moment between you and, and Francis going into the fifth, and shout out to Dewey and the rest of the team as well, who all did a great job. And also the hug that you gave Fernand, like you, you can't fake that, and, and that was real. And you can tell how much you cared, uh, I think says a lot about you, so... Congrats, Eric. Congrats to you and the entire team. A beautiful fight, a beautiful moment. What a story coming back down, you know, 0-2 and to deal with everything that he dealt with and to win like that. I'm just, I'm actually in awe of the man right now. It's it's one of the gutsiest performances that I've ever seen watching this sport. So I hope you get to enjoy it for a little bit. And uh, I believe you're right back at it with Sean Strickland in, uh, in a couple <laughs> yeah. of weeks. So good luck with that fight yeah. and everything else going on. That crazy ass guy. Yeah. Thank you, Ariel. I appreciate I, I appreciate you having me on, man. And all your support too, bro. I mean, we feel that stuff as well. So thank you. Thank you, Eric. Talk to you soon. All the best to you. Yes, the sir. Team. There he is, one of the very best coaches in the game, Coach Eric 
Nixick of Extreme Couture. Uh, how could you not be a fan of that guy, right? How could you not be a fan of that guy and, and, and what he represents and how he conducts himself? It's uh, uh, I do want to let you know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 300 is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is giving new customers a shot to turn five buccarinos into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any UFC 300 bet. So uh, there's a lot of close fights. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira is a close one. Um, one that is of interest to me, Kayla Harrison, Holly Holm going the distance. Um, obviously, Zhang Wei Li is a big favorite. The biggest favorite on the card is actually Bo Nickel against Cody Brundage. That may not be a surprise to you. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things on this card. And the place to be for it all is DraftKings Sportsbook. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code Hour. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DMAR. The crown is yours. Gambling Pronco 100 Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resorts in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after issuance, cdkng.com slash MMA.com, yes. Uh, for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing, this sport. Personalities like that are why I love doing this show because of these moments. Post-pay-per-view Monday, nothing like it with all the emotion and all the intrigue and all the drama the aftermath is just as much fun. It's like this this crescendo comes Saturday night and everything happens. And you're like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's gonna... And then it happens and it explodes. And then we get to go right back here in this chair in front of this microphone and, and talk to the players involved. So I can't wait to talk to uh, Francis in a bit about uh, everything that happened. And I really appreciate Eric. Again, like these coaches and Fernan, hopefully we're going to talk to him later in the week as well. Uh, hopefully on Wednesday, that is the plan uh, they they are fascinating people, and the ones who do it right, and the ones who aren't out there, you know, as uh, who was it? Suge Knight once said, "All up in the videos, dancing." You know, same goes with the managers as well. The ones who do it right, like Eric, and I would argue he does it as good, if not better, than anyone in the game right now. Uh, they are a true joy to talk to and to follow and to cover and to watch and to admire from afar. So congrats to him and the team. All right. Uh, as I said at the top of the show, I'm very excited about our next guest. It has been a while since I had the opportunity to talk to him. And as I said at the top of the show, I think he's one of the very best analysts in this game. I don't know why, but I think it's a travesty. He's not a part of the UFC roster, but their loss is the PFL's gain because he's in their broadcast booth. And I Hopefully, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that we get to see him in this upcoming season, which is starting uh, later this year. He's uh, one half of the Anik and Florian podcast. He's the uh, the analyst for BattleBots as well. Like I said, a brilliant mind when it comes to MMA. And my former UFC Tonight teammate in a different lifetime. Ten years ago, that show launched. He is, of course, the one and only Ken Flo on the program. Kenny Florian, where have you been? There he is, Kenny. Long time. 
What's up, dude? It's been way wow. too long. How you been? You just talking to me like that is like putting me back in a different time, like 2012. <laughs> you sitting next to I should be asking you for some kind of report. Right, <laughs> know, right, right. So Let's should... go inside the octagon with Aria. Oh my God, where's Todd Harris when you need him? Um, gosh, <laughs> exactly. Kenny, that is crazy. How, everything good? Long time. I don't even know the everything last time is... I spoke to you. I can't even remember. I know it's been a while, dude. I. Everything is great, thankfully. Everything is awesome. Uh, and uh, it's great to hear your voice. Good to see you. And yeah, I guess what? It's probably been, I don't know, four or five years since we last yes. talked on, on your show. So yeah, man. Well, I'm so happy that you're back and I'm happy that everything is going well. Could I ask, by the way, and, and I'm going to get into why you're here because you sent me a, a tweet uh, last week and I was like, <laughs> yes. you know what? I A, would like to take you up on that, but B, I'd love to have you back on the show. Um why don't why don't we see you on those UFC broadcasts, Kenny? This is a travesty. What you know, I was going to get yeah. right into it. What is going on here? You're one of the very best. I don't get it. Thank you, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Um, I guess um, my understanding, and I don't know. You know, this is what's been told to me from people. You know, I guess inside the company. But I guess I said no to um, being a coach on. Um, one of the ultimate I was I was asked to be a coach I think it was ultimate fighter Latin America one of the early ones from really? back in the day I never knew that and yeah and, and I, I wasn't able to do it I mean it was like travel and all that stuff and I you know I was doing UFC tonight I was doing you know commentary work and um you know just had a lot of stuff going on at home so I just wasn't able uh to really do it um and it, it just kind of didn't make sense and apparently because I said no uh I started kind of slowly being removed from uh, stuff. That that's that's my understanding. Uh, that's what's been told to me. Um, you know, not not directly, but people within the company, I guess, who who are close to the source. Um, so I guess that that's how it went down. Um, and yeah, uh, you know, so I stopped doing that. And um, I guess last year uh, started doing stuff for for the PFL, which has been awesome. Been great to call fights again and, and be in that energy and, and right up uh, close to the cage again. So um, that's, that's been a lot of fun, but uh, of course, you know, I watch everything. I, I watch all the fights. I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, all the big fights that they have and all the different organizations. And I try to stay uh, as close to the action as possible. And, and um, you know, still, still doing my thing with John Anik, of course, on the Anik and Florian podcast. And uh, yeah. Do you regret that decision? Like, do you wish you could do it over? I, you know, I, I think if someone called me directly and was like, hey, please, can you can you just do this? And, and I, I, I probably would have done it. You know, I, I've I've always done my best to, you know, keep keep the people who are employing me as happy as possible. And and, um, you know, it. I, 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 I don't have any regrets. You know, I try I try not <laughs> to uh, look back on things and say, ah, I wish uh, you know, things, things happen for the best. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy where I am right now. So, um, things are good. Things are good. Why did it take so long for another organization to sign you or, or was that your call? Um, I don't know. I, I guess I kind of, uh, was laying low for a little bit. Um, yeah. I, I, luckily I was in, at the standpoint where I, I would have preferred to be working, but I guess I was at a point where, you know, I had my other business, um, I had a jujitsu business in, in Los Angeles for, for a time. And, um, was doing that and, and kind of just getting into other things. So luckily I, I wasn't in a spot where I had had to work. I would have preferred to, but um, yeah, I, I kind of just 
waited and, and was kind of was seeing what was going to happen with the transition and everything. And when that seemed like that wasn't coming to fruition, um, I decided to, well, let's, let's go into other things. And, you know, the PFL contacted me, um, I guess in 2019 and, um, and we ended up, you know, making it happen. Obviously things were kind of delayed a little bit with COVID, right. but then we, 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 we had a chance to make it happen uh, last year. Safe to assume you'll be back this season with PFL. Yes. Yeah, I will. Okay. I will. We, yeah, we, and we get things started uh, in February, middle of February, um, you know, with the challenger series, which, which should be pretty cool. And then, uh, and then the regular season starts in April. So yeah, we'll get getting ready to get uh, ramped up here. Okay, great. Um, I want to ask you yeah. a few things, and you have your your podcast with John Anik, which you guys have been yes. doing now for, I mean, almost a decade as well. How long have you been doing yeah. that show? Together, yeah, so, right? geez, uh, I guess six years now. Wow. Six, okay. seven years, yeah, um, yeah. And I would presume that comes out today as well, too, right? To, it does, it does, yeah, yeah. Okay. Obviously, a, a lot to talk about yes. from this weekend. <laughs> uh, I, I see, you know, you're, you're always very active on Fight Night, and I appreciate that about you, because I think some people actually might be a little, uh, I don't know, jaded, you know, things kind of go sour, you... Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe there was a point where you were not watching the sport or taking a break from the sport. I, I wouldn't blame you, honestly. Was there a point where you took a break or you still you're not, still not really? No, not really. I mean, I, I'm not. Maybe there was a time where I wasn't um, as vocal on social media about it. Yeah. But um, you know, I cert- certainly was watching uh, and paying attention. You know, I, I am. Uh, I still try to practice martial arts as much as possible. I still try to learn as much as possible and enjoy watching, uh, obviously high level, uh, fighting. So I try to watch as much as I can, as much as I can consume and learn as much as I can. So, uh, probably more for selfish reasons than anything else, but, uh, still, still watching. Yeah. Never, never really stopped. The, the great thing about this sport is I, I think MMA, as much as I love it, of all the major sports out there, including combat sports, uh, does probably the worst job of, honoring its legends, its its forefathers, of reminding people who was who in this sport, right? And I even see you on Twitter. Like, there's people, Joe Blow in his basement, questioning your thoughts on this game. Like, and I'm wondering, does this guy even know who Kenny Florian is? Like, does he even remember who the F this guy was, right? That's got to drive you nuts. I saw you going back and forth and something like, yeah, dude, okay, uh, you're probably right. Like, uh, I think it was about the grappling in, in the heavyweight. Like, yeah, yeah. Does that not drive yeah. you insane? <laughs> it's funny well we live in insane times yes, you know that is true. uh so <laughs> everything's backwards but uh yeah you know it, it's it's funny I, I i honestly i i laugh a lot more about it than i, I probably did when i was younger uh, i think uh i i would take it more seriously now you know i i think people um don't know what they don't know. And, and I think um, it, it seems like the people that don't really know much are, are kind of uh, the most vocal on social media yeah, and true. talking about this and criticizing this and that. So having seen that, I, uh, I kind of just laugh about it uh, now. And there, there, there's a lot of them out there, man. Jesus. It's hard. I, you know, the, my, my friend has been the block button over the years. I just like, you know, after a while, it's like, eh, just enough. Block. It's, it's just like easier. Yeah. So I, I do want to pick your professional brain, if I can, for a second. Uh, about the heavyweight uh, title fight, Francis Ngannou Sirogan, Yeah, you tweeted this. If we could put this uh, tweet up here about this fight, which I, I wanted to get your take as to why. You said two dangerous heavyweights in the main event, but this grappling and decision-making on the ground is cringy. So what was cringy <laughs> about it? So I would say this. So, there was a lot of mistakes back and forth. You know, I think the, the, the cringiest, if, you know... Um, 
if I could use that word, I guess, was Cyril gone going for that leg lock, which mm-hmm. was really unwarranted. You know, like it's funny. And, and listen, I, I've certainly been there, right, where it's like you do one stupid thing. and You're like, man, that that may have shifted the fight completely. And it came down to that fifth and final round, you know, on, on two out of the three judges scorecards anyway, where it was even gone was on top. And instead of, you know, staying on top, chipping away with ground and pound or looking for, you know, better position uh, from the top, he decided to go for that leg lock, which allowed Francis to get on top. And it was kind of like, you know, a lot of, you know, poor decision-making, I think. Um, And, you know, just some mismanaged positioning uh, by both men there. And listen, both guys are not known for their grappling skills. And, um, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do to get the win. So many times in combat, it isn't pretty and it isn't beautiful. Both those guys are absolute savages when it comes to the striking. Um, and the fact that it wasn't decided on on the feet um, was a little, little bit surprising, I think, to a lot of people, myself included. And I think that, um, you know, yeah, sure, Francis, we've seen some takedowns and stuff like that maybe in the past, not a whole lot. But to say that, you know, if I told you before the fight that he was going to utilize his grappling um, and and ground game to win the fight, I think a lot of people would say, well, you're crazy. Uh, But I I think it almost makes that impressive as well. So while I was a little critical of some of the techniques or maybe some of the execution, it's still impressive that Francis, who is known for his power and his striking, was able to get it done. And I think once he saw that, he could expose the lack of grappling skills from gone and get that top position. He just kept hammering that home, which is really what he should have done. So um, while I was critical of that, I'm, I'm still praising the fact that he, he brought a skill that we haven't really seen from him to win the fight. And that was really cool. And when you compound that with the pressure, the contract dispute, you know, the badly injured knee, all that stuff, it's like, man, he's a savage. Um, so Props to Nganu for getting it done. Tech, I know he's not a black belt or anything like that. Far from it. But yeah. technically, on the ground, was there anything that Francis did that you were actually like, all right, good job, big man? Yeah, you know, I, well, you know, obviously there was the takedowns that I was impressed with. But I think, you know, the fact that he was staying composed uh, down there and, and he was keeping his head in the right spot, keeping gone as pinned as he could uh, from that back position. Um, almost got the back a couple times. I like that transition, how fast he was trying to get to the back, wasn't able to complete it. Um, but you know, physically he's, that's never been a problem. He still moves extremely well. He's like a cat out there. Um, but he'll get better, you know, and, and he's working on it. That was clear. And, um, you know, no matter where you are in your mixed martial arts career, there's always going to be some weaknesses. I mean, the game is just, there's so much to learn. It is so vast. Um, but I think once, you know, those weaknesses are filled in over time, Francis is just going to be that much better. What do you think happens with this whole contract thing? I mean, this is as someone, you know, you've been in there, you know what it's like. You were there when the sport exploded with the ultimate fighter. This is so rare, right? To see the, the champion, especially the heavyweight champion go into this territory, last fight of his deal. Now he wins. He has the belt. He has the leverage. Mm. Of course, we know they could just take the belt away from him, right? I mean, it's theirs. They could just be like, boop, we're going to do a a vacant title fight. How do you think this plays out? Sure. Gosh, you know, uh, listen, I I think that uh, for Francis, he did everything possible for the most part um, to get the the contract that he wants or to to have the negotiation 
negotiations go his way. So he does have some leverage, obviously getting a win than he would have if he got the loss. Now, the other side of it, right, is the business side of things. It's like, from what I hear, I don't know if it was the biggest pay-per-view in the world. So, you know, there's going to be the two conflicting things. It's like, how many pay-per-view buys did he bring in um, versus, you know, his performance in there defending the belt. What I think you need to take into consideration again is the fact that, I mean, how many champions would have, would have continued uh, with that fight who would have followed through and actually fought with, you know, potential what I'm hearing, you know, uh, maybe, a, a, you know, an injured ACL or, or a torn ACL, MCL, whatever it is, and still fought, you know, there was a lot on the line. He continued to do it um, and, and fought, you know, the best that he could. So I think that, that bodes well for him. Um, and I, I think a lot of people still want to see him fight. Uh, and, and I hope the pay-per-view buys, um, you know, are as good as possible for Francis sake. I think as far as getting a guy who's humble, who, who is exciting, who has had a lot of great knockouts, who will probably continue to get a lot of great knockouts and improve as a fighter. I think he's a guy that that should be re-signed and should be paid what he deserves. Um, and, and Cyril Gaunt certainly has that potential as well. So, uh, I, I hope they resign him. I, I hope it works out for Francis. Um, and if not, maybe he comes over to the PFL. Yes, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> Can Francis Ngannou at 100% healthy, no knee issues? Can he hang with Tyson Fury in a boxing match, in your opinion? You know, as far as boxing skill, Tyson Fury is one of the best heavyweight boxers I've seen uh, fight and compete. You know, he moves so well. He's so light on his feet. He's so experienced. He's got a chin from hell. Um, that that would be a really tough fight for Francis Ngannou, obviously, and, and not to mention Tyson's size. You know, it, there, there's big people out there, and Ngannou is extremely powerful and is capable of probably knocking out any human on the planet. But Tyson has shown uh, the ability to withstand punishment and evade uh, strikes really well. For such a large guy, he moves so well. Um, I, I think it would be a really tough fight for him. Now, as far as a payday, like that could be a one-and-done payday where Francis goes in there, he fights once, and maybe we don't see him again. Uh, so I, I don't know. It, it, I guess it really depends on what his motivation is. Is he trying to make the most amount of money? Um, you know, he's 35 years old. You know, how many more years does he have left? Or is he trying to build, you know, the best MMA legacy that he can? Um, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's mutually, mutually exclusive. Maybe it is. I don't know. But um, I, I guess that's for him and his team to figure out, um, you know, going out as, as champion also, not a not a bad way to go out if he chooses to do so. It was a short career. I would love to see him fight uh, more. But, um, you know, I, I think as fighters, as businessmen as well, we're trying to optimize the amount of energy that we're putting into things to get the most amount of value, right? And as we talk about Bitcoin later, hopefully we could talk a little bit more about that. But it's like, if I'm going to compete for a set amount of time, and I am sacrificing my mind and body to do so. I want to make sure that I'm making the most amount of money that I can. I need to preserve that for my future, for my family, for my kids, et cetera, et cetera. So 
Um, I, I think, uh, you know, for, it's for Francis to decide on, on what's going to be the best approach here as he moves forward. I, I think it's a great situation that Tyson Fury is actually out there yeah. calling for that fight. So I think it, it's going to help him in whatever negotiation, um, you know, he decides whatever direction he decides to head in as far as negotiation, whether it's boxing or MMA. Uh, last thing before the Bitcoin uh, conversation, uh, our old friend DC texted me after the fight and he said, and you know how hard it is for him to admit this. He said, John Jones beats Francis. I couldn't disagree more. I don't, I don't think, I mean, you have to remember the knee. He wasn't at 100%. What do you think? John Jones at heavyweight. We've never seen him at heavyweight against big Francis. Yeah. Who wins? Well, listen, I, I think that was, uh, I would agree with DC, uh, Ariel, to be honest. I think that, you know, given the skill set, given the experience that John Jones has, you know, the, all the different ways that he has won in the past. Now, we haven't seen him at heavyweight. And, mm. you know, the, the power of Francis Ngannou is a real thing. That is something to be feared and something to res- to be respected. But I just think John Jones is the more skillful guy. Um, and I, I think that... Ha- him being in all of those big fights and him also being motivated by great challenges. I always think that's when we see the best John Jones. I, uh, I, I fully agree with DC. Um, I, I do think that John Jones could go in there and, and become the heavyweight champion in his very next fight. If that's the direction right. that they head. So yeah, John Jones is a problem, man. And he's especially a problem when he feels, um, like he's got a big challenge in front of him. I think that's when he rises to the occasion. And while we haven't seen him in a long time uh, and he's had his issues outside of the octagon, I, until proven otherwise, you know, John Jones is still the, the greatest uh, or if not one of the greatest to, to do it out there. And he's had some lackadaisical, you know, performances, but they're wins nonetheless. Uh, I just think he, he really wasn't motivated fighting at 205 pounds anymore. Um, but I think at heavyweight, he does feel that, that that sense of um, I, I guess that challenge again. So uh, early last week, I report that Francis is going to convert half his purse into Bitcoin. When you say Bitcoin to me, I have no idea. Like I see it everywhere. <laughs> I see you tweeting. I see Ben Askren yes. tweeting, and I like please. I don't even. It's too much for my feeble brain to understand. And yet, it seems like the Bitcoin uh, believers are just so passionate about this and 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 like and they love talking and i give you guys respect why is this a smart thing for francis (laughs) to do because by the way amazingly last night i want to mention this to you i saw this on uh on the ticker if you will odell beckham jr announced he would receive seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars of his Rams salary when he signed with the la rams in bitcoin back in november according to this source this is from darren ravel he tweeted if Odell cashed out his Bitcoin position today, he would net 35703 after taxes due to the Bitcoin dip. How is this a good idea? Mm. <laughs> right. Well, here's the thing. There's a lot to this, Ariel. And you do not have a feeble mind. I know you're a smart guy. And, and, and it, it does take time to wrap your head around Bitcoin. It really does. And it, it has taken me a long time. I've been in this space, I guess, since like 2016, 2017. But... Um, I learn more every single day. You know, it's kind of like mixed martial arts. There's so much to it. But all right. So, you know, I think it comes down to, um, you know, value. Like, what is your perceived value? And what is the long term, um, you know, potential of that value? When, When you look at Bitcoin, Bitcoin basically is this decentralized network of value. Um, and, People have been putting their money into this network because uh, 
you know, it's the decentralization that gives it value. You know, right now, our money is tied to the Fed. It's tied to the government. Right now, we've been uh, printing an insane amount of money. And if you could wrap your head around this a little bit, um, I think in the last 22 months, last two years, uh, the United States, for example, has printed um, 80% of all dollars in existence. So, that's, you know, we've gone from, I guess, a $4 trillion debt in January 2020 to a $20 trillion debt in October 21. So what is a trillion dollars? If you spent $1 million a day, you would have to get to 2,800 years to spend $1 trillion. Wow. So as you're, as you're printing that money, what happens is the value of your money goes down. So if you're you know, working your, your ass off in whatever job it is, football, MMA, you know, uh, podcasting, announcing, whatever it is, you know, that value that you made last year is way less than it is this year. And if you notice, everything is going up in price, gas, food, you know, I know you have kids like clothing, everything is, get, everything is getting more expensive. Now with Bitcoin, there is volatility. Absolutely. There's been a big dip, um, uh, lately, Bitcoin is kind of known for these dips. And I guess the best way I could equate it to is that when you get a new life form, when you get this new uh, type of money, there's always going to be volatility. It's like Amazon in the early years or Google in the early years. I was like, what is this internet thing? What is, is the internet even going to be a thing? Well, it is. And Bitcoin was one of those ways that was designed to deliver value over the internet and for it to not be uh, messed with by other people, right? So there's no CEO of Bitcoin. There's no marketing department of Bitcoin. It's like this decentralized network all over the world, which means like there's node operators all over the world. There's miners. Uh, and uh, people are finding that because the government has been, I guess, entrenched in printing more money, um, that they feel like this is a network it is the first time that we've created money that is separate from state. Mm. Um, and the cool thing about it is that it can be sent instantaneously. Now there, there's a, a layer above the Bitcoin network called the lightning network where I can send you, you know, millions of dollars in, you know, a second um, without interruption. Whereas, you know, I had a, I had a jujitsu, uh, you know, I have a jujitsu Academy and, you know, I have to contact, you know, the factory in Pakistan and then wire money from my bank. So, there's the whole approval from the bank. The bank will charge me for uh, that wire fee. I need to ask for permission. And a week later, they wire the money and I'm finally able to get that business transaction going. Bitcoin operates so quickly and so efficiently. And that's just the way things head to. Everything trends towards um, operations being done or executed more efficiently and more quickly. And when you see it now, we could say, well, right now it's dipping. Well, what happens when everyone starts adopting this? What happens when everyone really starts getting on board? And we're seeing huge businesses, I mean, huge financial um, companies like Fidelity, uh, Mass Mutual, um, you know, JP Morgan, even all these banks all over the world now are adopting Bitcoin. Uh, Visa, MasterCard are getting on board. So when you're seeing this early adoption, there's going to be volatility. But long term, I think if you're looking for ways to 
preserve your value uh, as opposed to going in and, and maybe gambling in the stock market or whatever. Um, you know, I, I think this is something that is going to be worthwhile for a lot of people. You know, you see Tom Brady talking about it, Odell Beckham, like you mentioned, Russell Okong. I mean, there's so many guys that are all about it. Um, I, I think that it's only a matter of time. And uh, I, I think it's something that is truly going to change the world. And, you know, Francis Ngannou, um, being from Africa, you know, there's a lot of countries where, you know, their currencies have been manipulated and been inflated like thousands of percent. So imagine, you know, going in with literally a duffel bag of money to go buy milk and eggs. Like it, that's what's happening. And you look at it in countries like Argentina and Venezuela, I have cousins in Venezuela where things are getting inflated so much where the money that they had before isn't worth what it used to be. And, you know, I guess the, the recent inflation rate that was just reported in the United States was 7% this month. I believe it probably double that. But anyways, it, it, it was you know reported that the inflation rate, it keeps going up and up and up. Um, and we're in a tough situation right now. You know, obviously the pandemic was kind of this perfect storm where the government had to step in, but the government stepping in has only kind of made uh, things worse. So um, Bitcoin for me is kind of that thing that is going to change a lot about how businesses are run, how people perceive value. Um, and uh, I think there's going to be a, lo- a lot of long-term benefits uh, for individuals, businesses, and countries. Wow. Okay. I love again. I love the passion. Um, would you advocate for more fighters? Um, and we you know we talk about fighter pay; they don't get what they deserve. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. Would you advocate for more fighters to do what Francis did? I think so, especially now. Like you know, um, you buy when there's a lot of fear, and and you and you know when people are all about it, like when they see the price going up and it's at their highest, that's when people are like, all right, I got to buy in. That's almost the wrong right. time to do it. When it's really low is the time to buy, right? And uh, we've seen these you know huge dips in Bitcoin before, only to like rise a hundred x from there. So yeah, I do. I think here's the way I, I always tell people about Bitcoin: view it as your savings account. Don't view it as like, oh, this is my time to like cash out in a year or six months or three months. Like that, you don't want to be a day trader. That's too difficult and and too, you know, hard to do. Um, See it as long term savings. And if you are, you know, I, I know so many fighters, Ariel, that like, you know, they don't have retirement plans. They don't have anything to fall back on. They're only thinking about the now. They're they're fighting. And spending all their money and just doing it again and again and again, you know, in, in search of, you know, nice cars or homes and that stuff's fine. But most fighters, you know, myself included early in my career, I didn't know how the hell to manage my money. And I had to learn the hard way. And um, I, I think it's a great way for you to put away money uh, long term for something that I think in the future is going to be worth a lot of money. Man, it would be nice. You know, they, they were doing those... Um fighter summits and stuff like that. They don't really do them anymore. Like if there were people who would talk to the yeah. UFC fighters, the Bellator fighters, the PFL fighters about this stuff, uh, certainly would be nice to have a pension, right? I mean, I, I would love that for yeah. the fighters. You you put six years in the game, seven years in the organization, you get X amount, just like any other sport. Uh, but this, sure. is, uh, this is fascinating stuff. And Francis made some big news. There are some other guys who dabble with it. I know Olivier Aubin-Mercier does as well. Yes. Um, and uh, now I sort of... I, I sort of get it. By the way, last thing before I let you go, where do you like yes. where where would I go get Bitcoin from? I know this may sound stupid, but like where yeah. do I actually get no. this? No, not at all. And that's kind of been the confusing thing. So there's a bunch of different platforms, whether it's a Gemini, 
Coinbase is a big one, but they oh. kind of charge a lot of fees. The one that I, I would recommend people go to is, is Swan Bitcoin. Uh, they have kind of the, the cheapest fees and they have the best deal. So I, I always go to swanbitcoin.com, but there are a bunch of different people out there or, or platforms out there where you can go and uh, and buy Bitcoin. And, you know, it's like if you have $50, $100 a week, whatever it is, a week that you feel you could put aside, like that's what I do. I just kind of do a, a weekly buy and, and um, you know, I've been accumulating little by little. And I think there's no better time than now uh, to do so. And I think, you know, you look a year, five years down the line, I, I think you may be surprised by, by what you've been able to save and, and, and put away. This was so great, man. Honestly, this put me back in a whole different era. Uh, so great to talk to you. So great to see you. Happy, thrilled that you are back calling fights. Can't wait for PFL. In fact, as we were talking earlier, they announced some of those uh, fights for February 18th of their Challenger series. So we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, keep it up, man. And uh, the Anakin Florian podcast is still going strong. BattleBot's still going strong. You're still going strong, yes. Kenny. And, and I love to see it. So thank you for coming on here and educating us. And I urge everyone out there to check out the Anakin Florian podcast. That You guys do a great job. Your friendship, your relationship is great as well. So um, much respect to both of you. Thank you so much for doing this, Kenny. I really appreciate it. Ariel, I appreciate it, man. And for anyone out there who, who wants to check out some jiu-jitsu, uh, check out KennyFlorianMartialArts.com. I just released an instructional oh. uh, where, I, where I talk about jiu-jitsu. And hopefully for those who are practitioners, um, you guys can get kind of give you a, a good roadmap uh, for, for your practice. So uh, I love check that. that out. Okay. Sorry. I didn't know about that. And you still have, the, <laughs> no, the, no worries. You still have the schools, right? One in Massachusetts. I, I do. I have one. I have one in Massachusetts, with my brother, Keith, and, yep. and, and that's it as of right now. All right. Yeah. Much respect, Kenny. All the best to you. Thanks, and let's brother. not wait six years to do this again. All right. Let's do it again, man. Right. Always game. All Thank right. you. Thank you, Kenny. There he is. The great Kenny Florian. What a great guy. Wow. It has been so long. UFC tonight. The last time, uh, you know, we were doing a show together for all those years. One of the good guys in this game, truly one of the good guys, one of my favorite people over the years uh, who I got to talk to and cover and interact with and be on the road with, uh, the, the legend, Kenny Florian. And yes, I was going through his, uh, his Twitter yesterday, as I like to do before someone comes on the program. And I'm looking at him interact with people, and I'm like... Do these people not know who Kenny Florian is? Like you are, you are questioning the knowledge, and in one case, the credentials of one of the all-time great fighters in UFC history. Kenny Florian, by the way, I know he never won a UFC title, but that man is a UFC Hall of Famer. I don't care what any of you say. First season of The Ultimate Fighter, fighting for a belt in multiple weight classes, 55-45, Unfortunately, never got over, you know, the hump, so to speak, but ran into the likes of, you know, BJ Penn, ran into the likes of Jose Aldo. In some respects, reminds me a little bit of my Buffalo Bills where, you know, they made it to the four straight Super Bowls, but unfortunately couldn't get over the hump. That's a legendary team. That's a legendary fighter. That's a Hall of Fame fighter. And so good on the PFL for including him on their broadcast. I'm happy to hear that he's going to be doing the season um, this year that starts next month. And uh, he's doing great stuff. And, and thank you to him for uh, educating me, enlightening us about all this. Of course, we know about Crypto.com, right, on the, uh, the jerseys, which I'm sure the fighters are making a lot of money off of that. But alas, uh, let us move on. And some official news came through earlier today. It is going down March 19th, 02, 
UK, London, the return, the highly anticipated, the much anticipated return to the UFC to the UK. It was, uh, by the time this event happens, almost two years exactly to the day, that event, Woodley, Edwards, shutdown, pandemic, crazy times. And so it feels somewhat symbolic that they are coming back almost exactly two years later. And everyone was wondering, who's going to headline? Who's going to headline? Who's going to headline? Well, we found out officially this morning, it is going to be Tom Aspinall against Alexander Volkov. Big time fight in the heavyweight division. And as I said at the top of the show, Tom Aspinall could very well be the surreal guy of 2022, a guy who's maybe not in the title picture right now. End of the year, though, is in the title picture. Without further ado, let us say hello to Big Tom Aspinall, who I'm still not quite sure if he likes me or doesn't like me. We kind of go back and forth. I'm not sure. Maybe he can clear it up. Do you like me, Tom, or do you not like me? I, what, you? You? Yes, yes. I'm still not sure. I love you. Yeah, don't. Of course I like you. Of course I do. What, what makes you think otherwise? Well, I mean, it's a lot of banter. You know, it's a lot of taking the piss, as you guys like to say. And I think that, uh, you know, my old friend Pizzi told me to make a joke with you about something. And and I think you may have taken it the wrong way. And it kind of got us on the wrong foot. And I don't Of know. course not. <laughs> Do you know if somebody uh, so if somebody if somebody takes the piss out of me, that's my kind of uh, that's my like way of affection. Oh, so, okay. No, I absolutely love you, Ariel. And okay, okay. Look at this. Look at this. Yes. Zoom in on that. Zoom in on that. Yes. What is that? I'm not familiar. I've never seen that before. That's that's the UK flag. Uh, We're I, coming to the UK, man. That's right. I do believe it's called the Union Jack, Tom. Is it not? It is. It is. It is. It is. is. Um, All right. Well, this is big. Congratulations. You're the headliner. Everyone was wondering. Everyone was debating. Everyone was trying to figure it out. Who's going to headline this big return? And uh, the answer is you. What was your reaction when you found out that you are going to headline the UFC's big return to the UK? Well... On the card, I was supposed to fight um, Shamil Abdurakimov. Well, obviously, I still am on the card. Yes. <laughs> but um, they decided to switch over the opponent and make me fight Alexander Volkov. And man, those opportunities, they don't come around every day. So I always wanted to, you know, kind of take this thing slow because I see a lot of people rise up quickly. But do you know what? These opportunities don't come around all the time. And... I just feel like I'm ready, man. I just feel like this is my time and I just want to go in there and just show everybody just what I can really do because everybody thinks they know what I'm good at and what I'm not good at, but nobody really knows. The only person who knows are the people who are around me and hey, I'm going to be up there and I'm going to be flying the flag and I'm, I'm, going to, uh, I'm going to take over this shit. Man, you know, I actually thought of that when I found out that you were going to headline because I remember you telling me not that long ago, you're in no rush. You want to take this slow. And now you're not fighting for a belt per se, but you're going to be the main attraction. You're the headliner. And so was there some reservation on your part? Like, hey, eh, you know, I'd, I'd rather be in the shadows for this one. Did you think about that? Yeah, I did think about it because like on every interview that I've ever done, basically, <laughs> I say that I want to take it slow <laughs> yeah. and that I want to take my time and all that. And then I'm just like doing a 180 on everybody. And I understand like people, uh, you know, they might find that a little bit confusing. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on in, uh, in my personal life and stuff. 
And a few a few close people recently have passed away. Not not so much close people, but people that have like grown up with and stuff. And I just kind of realised, you know what? You get to live this life one time. And I've got a. I've been a fan of Alexander Volkov since he was in Bellator, since he was Bellator champ. And you know, mate, you don't get these opportunities every day. So I was supposed to fight. I've never fought in front of a UFC crowd before. I was supposed to fight in London two years ago when the first show got cancelled. And I just feel like it's it's like it's meant to be. It's come full circle. They offered it me and I just jumped at it, man. I just won it. And they, they offered me a new contract as well, which obviously is very, very nice. So mm. good shit, good shit moving forward. I'm ready to I'm ready to show everyone what I'm all about. I've never um I've never been as motivated and as happy for a fight in my life. I'm sorry to hear about the the recent losses that that you experienced. Um, it, it certainly obviously makes sense that you would want to take this opportunity. And even with that explanation, it makes even more sense. Curious, why did they make the switch from Shamil to Volkov? Was it because now that you're in the main event, they, they wanted a bigger name? Yeah, I think they wanted a bigger name. They didn't say that, but I think uh, I would imagine that's what happened. And when I say that people close to me have passed away, I don't mean anybody like, these are like people that I've grown up with. Yeah. Um, not, not like, they're not like really close friends. They're just like kind of people from my area, my age. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they've passed away recently and, you know, a lot of people with this whole pandemic thing, a lot of people are struggling with like depression and mental health issues. And I'm over here with this massive opportunity and I just don't want to let that shit pass me by. You know, I feel like I'm, and I've got what it takes to be heavyweight champion. I know it. Like I know it. And the people around me know it. I'm spent, like I'm a special fighter. I'm a special person. and I'm ready to show everyone like what I'm all about now. I get it. It gives you perspective and, and you want to appreciate the big opportunities that come your way and not, uh, you know, kick them down the road because tomorrow is not guaranteed for any of us. So it totally makes sense. Um, and I can't even imagine like the, the I don't think tickets are on sale yet. I think tickets are probably going to sell out in like 14 seconds for this event because the fans are just jonesing to have you back. But the attention that's going to be placed on you is going to be incredible because you're the headliner. There's big names on the card, but you're the headliner. Are you are you looking forward to that attention? Because I feel like, you know, the interviews and all this stuff, like this is one part of the game that maybe as great as you are and as personable as you are, you can maybe do without. Mate, do you know what? I'm a low-key, low-key kind of guy. I'm a humble kind of guy, but I was born for this stuff, you know. I was born for it. Like, this is what, this is my dream. This is what I've always wanted to do. This is, uh, this is what this is what I believe I was put on this earth for. So I'm more than comfortable. I am more than comfortable to be fighting in front of 30,000 people and getting all the attention. And like you say, mate, when this fight got announced officially, my phone actually crashed. I got so many notifications, <laughs> my phone crashed. It really? Went off. It went off for like two hours. Yeah, yeah. It went off for like two hours. My phone was that busy. Wow. It was just like phone call after call, notifications on Instagram, WhatsApp messages, texts, everything. It just went absolutely bananas. So... Yeah, the attention is uh, definitely on me, but like I say, I'm mate, I'm born for this stuff. This is what this is what this is what I was put on this earth to do. Uh, the early rumor was your your good friend and, and teammate Darren Till was being you know, and he told us this you know in, in in sort of the mix to headline. Did you give him a thank you? Maybe oh, thanks for not taking this headliner so that I can be the headliner. No, th- there was no thank you there. <laughs> there was absolutely no thanks. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, if Till was on the card, he I'm not like. Stupid. Like I know that Till's a much bigger draw. I'm not. I know that Till's a much bigger draw than I am. Um, so if he would have been on the card, if Leon Edwards would have been on the card, any anybody like that, obviously they would have got it before me. But 
like I say, you know, there's some stuff that I believe in. Like um, I was supposed to fight like near enough two years ago to the exact day. Mm. And I feel like that maybe that was postponed like for a reason or some shit like that, some weird stuff. Like, and now it's just my time. And I just believe that it's just my time. Does this change your plans for 2022? Because you go from headlining this card, all goes well. It's going to explode for you. The crowd's going to go nuts. Do you feel like, okay, now I have to change my expectations? Because I, I really do believe this time, you know, next year, end of 2022, we're talking about you as one of those new top contenders, sort of like how we were talking about Cyril, right, going into this fight. I feel like this is your year to make that leap. As a result of getting this opportunity, are you no longer on the slow path? Like, okay, after this one, then we're going to the next one, and then maybe by the end of the year, I'm in that discussion? Ariel, I'm going to I'm gonna have to give you a very vanilla and oh, boring answer. Oh, come on, answer. Tom. I'm Why? So, I'm, I'm sorry about this. I'm sorry. I'm not but, looking past them. That's what you're going to say. Let me tell, let me give you a bit of backstory on this. Okay. Let me give you a little bit of backstory. Alexander Volkov is a very, very serious opponent, and he will be treated that way. I've never trained, like, in the last week and a half since I got the news that I am fighting Alexander Volkov, I haven't stopped thinking about fighting this man. Like, it keeps me, it keeps me awake at night. I just want to go and train constantly. I can't stop thinking about different things that I can do, ways that I can improve, ways that I can improve my diet, my recovery, everything. This fight is everything for me. Like, I need to school this guy in front of 30,000 people. And I, I know the seriousness of that. I absolutely, I'm completely aware of the seriousness of that. And I can't look past that. Like, there's there's not a chance that I can look past that. This is my, uh, like I say, this is my dream. Fighting it, fight, fighting at home in front of a London crowd sold out at the O2 Arena. This is my fucking dream, man. And uh, I, I ain't going to let it pass me by by thinking about what I'm going to do next. Like, I'm going to, my focus is on this guy and I'm going to go in there and take him out. Okay, that's actually a really good answer. I, I don't think that's vanilla. If you would have just said like, oh, you know, I'm not, you know, you gave us a little color there. So I appreciate the answer. I appreciate the preface, but I appreciate the answer as well. Uh, how hard is it to find people to emulate him? Super tall guy, super long guy. Do you have sparring partners that are able to give you the same kind of looks that he's going to give you? Very tough. It, he has a very like niche style for a guy of his size. He kicks a lot. He's quite mobile, actually, for a guy of that size as well. Um, yeah, so I've got a, a guy I'm going to spar tomorrow. He's like 6'6", six, 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 though, so he's not quite as big. Um, but he's like a Thai boxing world champion. Um, I might have to go abroad a little bit even to do a little bit of training with a few different guys. I'm looking about going, maybe going over to Holland to do a little bit of kickboxing, sparring and, and stuff like that. So uh, I've got good good connections over there, Ariel. I'm not going to name anybody, but I do. And, uh, you know, my gym, uh, they're going to bring a couple of big guys in as well. And that's going to start this week. So, yeah, I'm going to get a good mix up of big, solid bodies, hopefully. Have you ever gone? And if, if they can't come to... If you can't come to the UK, I'm going to go, you know, and find it myself because, like I say, I understand the experience of this fight. Yeah. And the answer is no, I've never, I've been to Holland before. Um, I've never been to Holland to train before. Oh. So um, this will be, I don't know, I don't know if that's definitely going to happen yet. I okay. don't know. But uh, if I can't get it in the UK, like I say, I understand the seriousness of this fight. Like everything, rare. for me, this is my, this is, this is the breakout fight for me. This is yeah. what makes me, like at the moment, I feel like 
Oh. And we, we, okay. I don't want to know anymore. I want to break, I want to break through my... Oh, we, Hello? Lost, we lost you there for a second. You were about to say something great. Uh, the internet has been a little spotty over there. Where are you, by the way? Are you in your house? Yeah, I'm in, I'm in my house, but I'm actually... Um, I'm in between house moves at the moment. Oh. So I, I've bought a house. I bought another house. So this is a rental. I've rented this this house for like six years. And I've just um I just bought a new place. So we're like in between houses at the okay. moment. So it's kind of difficult. But yeah, what I was saying was I can't remember what I was saying. Well, you were saying this is your breakout, this is your breakout fight, and then we lost you. Yeah, this is this is uh this is my like I feel like at the moment I'm only really known by like hardcore fans kind of thing. And this is the fight between being known by fans like more household names, like a must-win, must-pawn fight for me. And like I said, my respect for Volkov is like off the charts. I respect him so much. He's a kind of, kind of like when I fought Arlovsky, like I've been watching the guy forever. I really enjoy his style and I'm a big fan, but as soon as that cage door closes, mate, there's no respect anymore. Mm. Um, can I ask? Did you watch the uh, the main event on on Saturday? Because of course that's your division. I'm assuming you were very interested in it. Did you watch it? No, I was asleep. Oh, what about the net? I mean, what about Sunday? You don't get <laughs> no. So I'll be like one of them guys who says that they don't watch MMA yeah. when everybody blatantly watches. Everyone blatantly watches MMA. Come, Come on. on, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I watched it the next. I watched it the next day. I watched it the next day. What'd you think? What'd you think? Amazing fight, amazing fight, great fight from both guys. Amazing fight. Surprised by how it went? To a degree, to a degree. See, the thing with Ngai, he's kind of in a position to where I'm at. Well, obviously, he's way further on than me. But I mean, nobody really seen a lot of um, Ngai's game before. So everybody just automatically thinks because he's not used his wrestling in a fight that he can't wrestle. And that's just not that's just not the case. I know there's a million things with my game that I've just not had the opportunity to show yet. And I feel like obviously Ngannou is exactly the same. He, he did some brilliant takedowns, some brilliant top control that he showed in his fight. And um, yeah, I mean now obviously everybody knows that he has that in his locker as well. Who do you think wins, Ngannou or Jones? Ngannou. No, uh, I mean. It seems like you were pretty confident when you said that. Any reservations with that pick or, or fairly? I was just talking to Kenny Florian. He says he thinks Jones. DC told me Jones. I think Nganu. So I agree with you. I think uh, the other two guys don't really know what they're talking about too much. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, what are they done? No, I'm joking. No, <laughs> no disrespect. No hey, disrespect. I'm sorry, guys. Sorry. Where are those jokes? Especially the DC. Don't. It, DC doing that. People. Me on my face. I don't want them. Uh, I think it's the big bump between carrying an extra 30, 40, 50 pounds, whatever he's put on. That's very difficult, man. That's difficult. Like, that's a lot. That's a lot of weight to carry around with you that you're not used to before. And then you've got to fight a guy who's naturally that weight. So I think it's going to be a lot more difficult than a lot of people think. Although, obviously, Jones is much more skilled. Than Ngannou, so I don't know, but I think Ngannou just looks unstoppable to me at the moment. I saw a video that you posted on your Instagram. It was like a side by side of Ngannou hitting mitts 
a week out from his fight and you hitting mitts, uh, it's obviously several weeks out from his fight. What were you trying to, or, or I think it was your gym that posted it. You reposted it on your story. What were you trying to tell us by posting that? Why, why do you just stalk my stories but not follow me? Do I not? Do I not follow you? I don't think so. This is like some kind of weird ex. Are you like a weird ex? Yeah. Well, I've been called worse. What's going on? Well, I. You know what? I always look up my opponent. Uh, my no, opponent, uh, my guests when they come on. Oh yeah, I don't follow you. But guess what? You don't follow me either. Was that sort of like a a thing where you didn't want to? I mean. Can I get you some better Wi-Fi over there in the rental? I mean, this is like 1997 AOLs. Did you have AOL over there? Right. What, one second. I've right. actually just got a message off uh, Pizzi. One sec. Is he telling you that your Wi-Fi is dog shite? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. He's telling me that it's shite. One second. Come on. Let me just been all. I'm, I'm just going to turn the Wi-Fi off and just use oh, the... Oh, um... I thought we always tell people to do How's that. How's that? Let's see. How's that? Um... I think you have to come back on. I can, Let's see. Right, I can see you. Can you see me? Yeah, I see you. I see you. This is better. We should have done okay. this earlier. Um, Nobody told you. I dropped some absolute gems. I dropped some absolute gems in that last bit, and no one knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, I haven't, heard, I haven't heard a thing that you said in the last 15 minutes, if I'm being honest. Oh, my goodness. Me. <laughs> Restart this shit. Restart. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. What would you say about DC, though? You said he's going to throw you on your head? Yeah, you know that that throw thing that he does. Come yeah, on, I'm course. from the UK. We don't know nothing. We don't know nothing <laughs> about wrestling. Come on, that thing. He, he grabs the leg That's under great. like the under the under the groin. You fall forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. thing. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You know I've, what I'm talking about. I know. But by the way, yeah. I've rectified the issue with the Instagram. But I think it's actually quite telling that a you knew this and b you don't follow me. So it was almost like a spite unfollow on your part. You're like, oh, this guy's not following me. I'm not going to follow him. Is that accurate? Yeah, because I think I'm so big time at the moment. Now I'm the main event. I'm just like, yeah, if you're not following me, I ain't following back. Yeah, None yeah. of that stuff. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So that's why you gave me kind of the cold shoulder when I reached out yesterday. You're like, no. oh, look who Come comes crawling on. back. You're so touchy. It's unbelievable. <laughs> you're like a woman. Stop. Stop it. I'm very sensitive. Um Okay, but now you're wow. now you're. What, what did you try to uh, say? I think we have the clip right over here. What were you trying to tell us with the side by side mitt thing that you guys had going on? I wasn't saying I, I wasn't saying nothing. That was that was my uh, that was my coach doing that stuff. Um, well, obviously, I was trying to I was trying to emulate the champ's combination, weren't I? I, re <laughs> I have respect for the champ. I have respect for the champ. I was doing the, the same combination, and uh, yeah, that's it. That's okay. it, basically. I mean, yours was faster. I was just doing the challenge. I'm a fast man. I'm, I'm physically blessed with speed. Have you seen how fast I am? I've seen it. I'm so fast. Look at that. I'm, I'm so, oh, man. I'm I could the one who just said, any, any sport. end of this year, Tom Aspinall's in the heavyweight title picture. I said that on the record. Okay. Okay. You figure, I, I'm, not, I'm not bothered, by the way, if I'm in the title picture or not at the end of the year. I, I just want, people just need to start respecting I think they people respect are going to know. People, you no, know, people are going to know. Is what I mean. These casuals are going to know. All right. I mean, I think a lot of people respect because, you. Also, you also told me yeah, last time just, we spoke uh, that you didn't want to be fast tracked, and now you're headlining, you know, O2. So I mean, oh my god, I'm such a liar. Stop <laughs> it. Look, 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 look. Listen to this. 
Yes. If someone offers you your dream fight, if someone offers you your, your dream job, you're going to take it or not? Of course. You had to take this. this well, exactly. Is, by the way, I didn't even exactly. agree. I didn't agree with the slow track thing that you were saying to me last time. I think you should be fast tracked. You're that good. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, you also posted something about you around eight years ago, high in the nosebleeds at a UFC event. Which event was that? Uh, that was. I'll tell you when that event was. It was in Manchester, and it was Machida against. Um, Oh, Mark Munoz, it was. Wow, that was a long-ass time ago. Yep, yeah, I was right in the nosebleeds. And you know, that picture, believe it or not, uh, it was like, I think it was like after the main event, so people had started to leave. And uh, me and my friend said, come on, let's let's go let's go a bit closer and we'll take a picture so it looks like we sat closer than we are. No way, <laughs> there it is, wow. Yeah, yeah, for, for real, yeah. So you were really up there. Oh, we was right up in the nose. Basically, every every UFC event that I've ever been to to watch, I've been in the nosebleeds every time, every time. Was that your first? Uh, no, I've been going to the UFC for years. Um, since I was a child, really. Since sure. uh, Terry Etim used to fight. Yeah, Terry Etim, uh, he's like a... You know, you know Terry Etim? Yeah, of course. What, you, were you just about to explain to me who Terry Etim is? Is that what was about to happen? No, no, okay. no. You, you were just looking at. I, wa- I wasn't sure if the Wi-Fi went again. Oh, you were just looking, I was looking at the. No, I was face. trying I to think. I wasn't sure. I was trying to think. First Manchester event was that UFC seventy? Was that Rampage against? Yeah, uh, so the, Dan Henderson. I can tell you the first event that I've been to, and I told you this last time. You, yeah, yeah, yeah but nothing you know, that I say is important. No, no, no it's just nothing that people, I say is important. Now your main event. People, you know, are paying attention to you a little yeah. more. No, um, the first event that I went to was. Um, Bisping fought Elvis Sinisic. Oh yeah, that's good stuff. Arlovsky fought on the card, and that and that fi- was the day fighting him. Yeah, yes, that was the day that when I realized that MMA is for me by seeing Arlovsky on that scale. Would for you real. have ever believed? No joke. Headlining? Would you have ever believed that kid in the nosebleeds over there? Would you have believed it if I told you? Um. Do you want me to be really honest? Yes. I, mean, I presume you want me to be honest. Yes. Yeah, I would have believed it. Really? I would have believed it. Well, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I'm kind of, see, I, I keep getting in trouble for saying this. I keep getting in trouble like, not, from not local here. people and stuff. But yeah, thanks. Thanks. Don't get me in trouble. But <laughs> I'm from a place where basically, um, see, in, in the UK, especially in like northwest smaller towns, not, not a lot of people have like, burning ambition like i i just have this ambition man that i'm going to just beat everybody and that i'm going to be the ufc champion and that i'm going to be one of the best fighters in history like that's what i honestly believe but in the place where um i'm from it's almost like people are told not maybe not told in so many words but it's basically put on you early that you're not going to really achieve much mm-hmm. and that you should settle for a regular job or working in a factory or, you know, blue collar stuff, which is, which is fine. Um, but I've always just had the belief that I, I'm just, I just believe that I wanted to be someone and do something with my life and, and do something that I can look back when I'm an old guy and my family can be proud of and all that kind of stuff. I didn't want to just settle for working in a factory or being a mechanic or being a drug dealer or all, all the other stuff that people uh, basically do from where I'm from. I didn't, I didn't want to be in the 
the pub every weekend, having a scrap, getting arrested, going to work on a Monday on a building site until Friday, then going to the pub, having a fight, sniffing cocaine every weekend. Like that's what people, not everybody does it from where I'm from, but it's mm-hmm. common. You know what I mean? It's really common. Um, that's what a lot, a lot of young people do from where I'm from. And I didn't want to be that. I always seen something more for myself, more for my family. And that's what I mean. When opportunities like this come around to headline the old two in London, the biggest arena in the UK, 30,000 people. Um, of course, I'm going to fucking jump at the chance, man. I'm pumped. Like I've not been able to sleep since I'm nonstop thinking about how I'm going to perform and how well I'm going to perform. And just seeing this in my mind over and over before it even happens. And man, I'm just so pumped up for this stuff, man. And it's going to be an absolute performance. How do you win? I've not decided yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is a scenario playing out in your mind? No. Of course. Of course. You know what? When I, uh, when I go in there and enjoy myself and have fun and let my, let my skills and my training take over, that's when I do, that's when I do my best work. So if I don't, I, I don't want to force the issue. You know what I mean? I don't want to force, I don't want to force what I'm doing and, I just need to get in there and flow and just relax and, and let it let it come. So I will win um, however it comes, however it's supposed to come. Well, I can't wait. I think this is a lot of fun. We also found out today, by the way, Arnold Allen against uh, Dan Hooker at 145 has been added. You've got uh, Mohamed Mokhayev making his debut, Patty Pimblett on the card, of course, Molly McCann on the card. I mean, it's a really UK versus the world type of card, which I like very much. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. What a scene it's going to be. Just do me this one favor if you can, uh, because I presume, I mean, you're really, this is really kind of kicking off the build in terms of media. Very smart of you to come on this program first. Whoever set that up is a very smart man. Um, a, if you're going to do it in this in this environment, in this uh, little office of yours, just don't use the Wi-Fi, okay? Go go to LTE. Just go straight to LTE. Don't do the Wi-Fi f- first and then LTE. Just go straight because we don't want to lose out on anything. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be a lot of the same stuff you said here, and it's going to be tremendous. And especially that answer about like envisioning it and dreaming it, that was – they should use that on the countdown show. I'm going to tell them they could clip that off for free because it was tremendous. But just go LTE first if you don't mind or 4G, 5G, whatever you have. Okay. I apologize. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not very professional in this stuff. You know, I'm an amateur. This is this is amateur. This should be called amateur hour, not MMA hour. But yeah, when I uh, when I when I move over there, when I move to the new gaff, to the new place, um, I'm going to get a proper. I'm, I've actually got. I've got four bedrooms. Oh wow! But five of us. There's five of us. Oh, I've got me and the wife. So that's one room. An older son. So that's another room. And then I've got twins. That's another room. So that's only three rooms that are used. The other room, set it up, and it's going to be a uh, next time you have. I'm going to be all bougie, mate. I'm going to be bougie. Wait. I'm going to have the. I'm going to have the Gucci headphones in. I love it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have the gold teeth probably by then. I love um, it. What else? Yeah, that, that's probably it. Yeah, There's that's gold fine. teeth and the head, I mean, headphones. It would look great on you. I can't wait. Uh, I can't wait for that. I can't wait for the fight. March 19th, O2 Arena. Tickets are going to go on sale soon and sell out in 14 seconds. Tom, congrats on the opportunity. Good luck in training. Good luck in the fight. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it very much. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. All right, there he is, the one and only Tom Aspinall. Get excited. That's going to be fun. March 19th. What do they have officially for that uh, card they've got? 
Dan Hooker just announced against uh, Arnold Allen. Big Tom on the card against Alexander Volkov. Mike Grundy against Makwan Amir Khani. Jack Shore against Timur Valiev. That's great. Jack Shore, 15-0. Patty Pimblett against Rodrigo Vargas. Not Jared Gordon, like uh, Dana White announced last week. Arnold Allen against Dan Hooker. Gunnar Nelson on the card against Claudio Silva. Molly McCann against Luana Carolina. Mohamed Mokhaev against Cody Durden. Golly, Corey McKenna on the card. Jake Hadley. Dang. That's fun. All right. Uh, buckle up, my friends. Matter of seconds. This is very exciting. What a great privilege this is. What a great honor this is. Uh, he was the talk of the sport. He was the talk of the weekend. He was the star of UFC 270. It's always an honor. It's always a privilege. It's always a great experience anytime we get to talk to the reigning, defending heavyweight champion of the world, the baddest man on the planet, the baddest man in combat sports. And as I laid out for 30 minutes at the top of this program, he had so much going into that fight on his mind, on his shoulders, on his plate, more than we even knew. Because we find out come Saturday, in addition to all the drama, the contract stuff, former coach, former training partner, the belt, last fight on the deal. In addition to all of that, serious knee injury. And what happens? Down 0-2, digs down deep in one of the gutsiest performances that you'll ever witness in MMA history, in UFC history. He ends up winning the next three rounds, retains the title, and now he's sitting pretty of course, we're talking about Le Predateur himself, the reigning defending UFC heavyweight champion. There he is, Francis Ngannou. Let me just stand up right here for Francis. My guy, Francis. My guy. What a win, Francis. What a freaking win. Félicitations, mon ami. Merci beaucoup, merci. Wow. Can you even put into words? What does it feel like to go through all of that and be here on Monday as still the champion? Oh man, it feels so great. Um, you know, basically after like um, what's happened in the past three weeks, you know, I I just feel like a different person. You know, I disco not like I discover a other side of me, and uh, going but going into this fight, I was just about to prove myself that man, I'm a warrior. I'm gonna do this. I get this regardless, and um, yeah. Very, very, very tough uh, past three weeks, you know. So, but after that, the the feeling of it is pretty different, you know. You feel very uh, courageous and proud, happy of taking that decision, even though it was very risky, you know, not very smart. But <laughs> it adds to the story. So, could we go back uh, to the to the night that you injured your knee? What happened? Tell us the story. He was at a sparring. He was Tuesday, uh, the 25th. No, the 28th. Yes, I think, I believe. So exactly 25 days uh, before the fight. So uh, we, we were sparring. Uh, then the guy uh, grabbed my leg and then my toes get stuck on the canvas. Then I was turning. So my knee twist and I heard the crack. Uh, and uh, the next day, I went to, I did the MRI, and the report came out really, really bad, really bad. Like, uh, they told me I had a grade three MCL, 
I have a, uh, I had a, uh, um, MPFL damage and I have a, uh, a ACL damage oh. as well. So they were just waiting for me to call out the fight. Then, uh, obviously I didn't know that I would fight, but I didn't want to call out the fight and then find myself two weeks after a feeling a little, uh, feeling a little better feeling feeling better so i'm like we are i'm wholly done into this until like the last minute so yeah <laughs> how much pain were you in? oh oh very painful like i need to uh i need braces in the first uh two weeks i was wearing braces until one week before the fight and then uh you know I was in a, it was very painful. Like the uh, MCL, the MCL uh, that was torn was very painful. Even like moving my leg uh, tonight, I couldn't really train at all. But uh, we managed like, uh, even when I taped it to hit, hit and meet, like just moving my leg was so, so bad. But, you know, uh, we get used to it, find a way, uh, my team and I, we find a way to adjust our training. Uh, didn't do anything that can uh, uh, re-injure it anymore. Uh, so just take on like a little bit or like striking. The good thing is that uh, by that time, I was really in a good shape. I was already at 265, uh, cutting down to 265 at that time. So I, I was really in a good shape. So I knew that uh, as far as conditioning and everything, I had, uh, I had everything ready at that point. So I just need to be good uh, and go, you know. How close were you to actually saying, I can't, there's too much on the line. I can't risk this. My health, the contract, all that stuff. Let's delay the fight. How close was that to happening? Well, the, the, uh, the only, I think the only reason why I didn't uh, uh, cancel, cancel this fight was because there was just too much into it. And I was coming here to make a statement. Uh, and by that time, you know, uh, your ego, your pride speaks a little bit. I'm like, I'm not giving any chance to anybody to say anything. And uh, that's the same fire that uh, carries me into a fight because I didn't want to, I, I was thinking about it and that was kind of like my, my strain. Like, man, I make it this far. Um, and anybody won't take anything from me, you know, I, I can prove it. Uh, listen, at the end of the day, it's not the first time that I have to deal with, um, I have to face odds, you know, uh, I have to challenge all those stuff. So I knew that um, I have the, uh, the uh, ability to go out there and do something. He, he, wouldn't, he, wasn't, he, he wasn't going to be easy uh, at all. Um, that he was possible. I feel like this is a stupid question to ask someone who has overcome so much in his <laughs> life, but I'm going to ask you anyway. At any point in this process, did you feel like, man, this is just a lot like this? There was a lot of pressure on your shoulders. No one has really bet on themselves like this in uh, recent UFC history. And then you add the injury and you add Fernand and you add Cyril and all the stuff with the UFC. At any point, did it feel just like a lot going into the fight, pressure-wise? Honestly, he was a lot. Like, uh, I felt a lot of pressure, you know. Uh, but as I said, a lot of, pe a lot of people uh, 
goes go through a lot of things and they overcome and that's that's why me being a fighter means uh, not only in the octagon in the life you know uh, people go through uh, a lot of drama in their own uh, in their own life so I mean but that's the those uh, that's still not a uh, good excuse enough to give up. You know, um, I think the only moment that you lose is the moment that you give up. But if you keep fighting, that's not losing, regardless the outcome. So I was going to do everything possible. And I really know, uh, I knew that uh, losing was an option. But at the end of the day, listen, I was very, uh, I was in peace with myself, with what I've done, with the work that, work that I'm putting. I'm like, I'm going to give my best. And if at the end of the day, the best, my best, uh, doesn't provide me the result, that I'm check and make sure that I get, give, I give everything. I'm okay with that. You know, I, I don't care. And I know that I will, uh, uh, overcome and come back from anything that could possibly happen at this time. You know, I'm not, I'm not afraid of challenges anymore at this point. Did the UFC try to fix the situation to give you a better deal before the fight so that you didn't go in on the last fight? Did any talks happen in the in the weeks leading up to it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but uh, by that time he wasn't. I didn't want to uh, put that uh, get that as an additional uh, pressure or something. I didn't even want to hear about it. I was so like I have too much in my plate. Like I can't control my plate is even small to carry everything to carry everything that I have going on right now. So I don't want to deal with that. You know, just, I just want to get uh, past this and uh, rethink about my life. Was it a good deal, or did it not even get to that point? Uh, it's good deal is very relative. Mm, good point. You know, good deal for you. Good deal. No, no good deal for me. Um, uh, more money, but no. Uh, he didn't carry. He didn't carry any of the uh, claim that I have. Um, no, really, not at all. So, no, yeah, and the, the money was temp tempting, it was good, but, you know, this is not just about money. By this moment, I think it's a lot more than money. Like, just the money cannot fix this situation, I do believe that. Dana White mentioned last week a bunch of times that he saw you at dinner, he was sitting next to you, it was just a coincidence, and you guys were able to talk. What is your take on that story? Is that true? Did you guys see each other at a no, dinner randomly? He, yes. Yeah? Yes. He was, he was true. We, um, we met at dinner uh, and he was like uh, a coincidence. And uh, we, uh, we, had a good, we had a good talk, you know, like personal wise. We didn't get any business uh, involved because uh, we both know that our business situation is not really good. We just talk personally, respectfully, you know, and that was it. Was it awkward last week in the hotel, in the buildup? You're there, you're doing media stuff. You're talking about, you know, UFC finances. People don't talk about this stuff. You're doing The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, and you're putting a spotlight on stuff that people aren't really aware of outside of the MMA world. You're seeing maybe Fernand and Cyril. Like, there was a lot going on for you, Francis, last week. I don't know if you know this, but it was a lot. Was it awkward at all for you? Was it uncomfortable for you? There was a lot going on, and I knew that a long time ago. Uh, you know, I've been 
preparing my mind. I've been uh, visualizing the situation. And I was like, okay, maybe it is going to even be like uh, something like what happened in Madison Square Garden. Maybe they're going to like make me go somewhere and film it and mm. get us both into each other, all those stuff. But uh, at the end of the day, that doesn't matter because right here, the only thing that matters is the fight. You win this fight, it solves solve all your problems. You know, so I really get focused into that. I didn't want to let any of that get into my mind because I, I, I know like most of this stuff was all about strategy to distract me. Mm. Like, I mean, uh, they are no fool. They know that like if Francis, uh, good in his mind is a potential danger of everybody out there, you know, even, uh, the evolution of the MMA, as they said, Francis is a danger for everyone. So, they want to take your mind out of it, uh, out of the uh, most important stuff and like distract you with all this thing. I'm like, you're not getting into me with this. Like, and by the five week, I wasn't even uh, frustrated or thinking about all those stuff anymore. I was very relaxed. I was very chill. You know, I'm like, listen, at this point, you don't have to fix anything. You just have to do what you have to do and move on. Um, you know, it works pretty good. It worked pretty good for me. Yes, and I, and I'm building up to the fight here. There's just so much to ask you about. What's up? Can I just ask? What's up with this French media, Francis? Why are they disrespecting you like this? I see at the press conference these guys. What, what's up with that? Why they don't they don't accept you as one of the, what's happening over there? Oh, uh, because I'm I was fighting a French guy. So yeah, but uh, you you now, called France home too. I mean, you're you're you know you you've always represented France, I think. Oh no, no, that's how it happened in France. In France, when you lost, you're Af- you're Cameroonian. When you uh, win, you're French Cameroonian or French. Gotcha. And this time, I was fighting a real French guy. So, the build of the story of the villain and the uh, and the good guy. I mean, it's just media. And after the fight, uh, a lot of them they just changed their mind. Some people just wrote back an article, like a French Cameroonian retain his entry, uh, his title, you know, all those stuff. It's media. You can control that. But regardless of that, I know, I know that I have a huge fan base in France. I have people in France who love, who love me. And uh, that's all that matters. That's all people that I represent when, uh, when I, uh, in France, you know. My fans, my uh, friends, who, those who even uh, became my family, you know, that's why I re- I'm happy about friends. It's not about me. Were, were, were you aware that come Saturday, a lot of people, Francis, started to hit me up. It was on Twitter. Oh, Francis might be hurt. Knee is messed up, all this stuff. Were you aware that it was starting to get out? And were you worried? I was aware. Were, uh, were you worried that he was going to find out and try to attack? Oh, him? I know. I no, I I know he knew oh. by that time. Oh, he knew really? for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. How do you know he knew? He knew. Uh, I knew. You think someone told him? <laughs> of course. Do you think the UFC told him? I don't know who told him, but I knew he knew. Okay. And so, were you worried about this? Your confidence. How did you feel? Well, I still feel good because, uh, like, I saw a doctor on a Tuesday. The last time I saw a doctor out here in LA on Tuesday, and um, he recommended me once, one, one more time to uh, not to fight. But at the end of, and he also said at the end of the day, it's my call. 
you know, uh, anything can happen, but nothing uh, might not happen as well. So I'm like, I'm getting this side, you know, because like, it's been a lot of things going into this fight, uh, and I didn't want get, want to give an, an excuse for anybody to like take this stuff anywhere longer. I was just tired of it, and I wanted to shut this down, and I was able to do everything. He was definitely like very stupid of thinking how I was thinking, but I'm like, listen, if I even have that irre irreversible damage that you guys are talking about, but I make, I win this fight, I'll be okay with it. Wow. That's how going into this fight, it was in my mind. Like that was the situation. So just to be clear, to repeat on the Tuesday before the fight, six days ago, you go to a doctor in LA and he says, my medical opinion is you should not take this fight in six days. Yes, Doctor Andrash. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Four, 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 four days. days. Yeah, four days. Yeah, fight. four yeah. days. My math sucks. And, yeah. and you were like, "Yeah, okay, I'm still gonna do it." Yeah. Wow. I was ready. I mean, in my mind, I was ready. My body didn't wasn't really good. I was ready. I was in shape. You know, I trust my conditioning. Um, and. Uh, by the way, I have to like shout out to uh, Kyle Larimay at the USCPI. He's been working on my conditioning in the past two years, and uh, if it's not three years, and I know that I'm gonna get into five rounds if I have to get there. Regardless, I know that I can. So I was confident about that. The work that he's been put putting in to get my conditioning and all the stuff, and I know that the uh, they count they, they are counting me out on that that one. So I'm like, I get you. I, I had a lot of trick in my pocket. So and I have all this stuff based on my little experience. I know he's won't, he won't be easy, but he will be possible. What's going on in the first two rounds? In my opinion, you won three rounds to two. You won three, four, and five. No question about it. First two rounds, it was looking a little bit dicey, dicey. What did what did you think? What's going on in your mind in those first two rounds? Oh, the first two rounds, I was thinking about my knee all the time, uh, like moving forward, like one switch guard, want to do this. So I'm like, oh, the canvas is slippery, or oh, this, you know, like couldn't really move, and he was moving a lot, and I couldn't really move laterally uh, without thinking about my knee. I'm like, man, this, that. It wasn't very stable and, uh, you know, uh, but the part of the strategy uh, as well, and that was what, uh, like, Usman was there for, he was like, just put this guy pressure. We know that I, I didn't have a, uh, uh, all the ability to, like, stand there and knock him out, so put him in pressure. We know that this fight can go to the fifth round, but if, I, if he go to the fifth, if I put him the pressure in the two rounds, Obviously, I'm gonna take. I definitely gonna take some damage, basically on my front leg, but I'm gonna get him to the point that he's tired as well and stop moving a lot and stop doing all those stuff. So by the second round, I'm like, man, I'm losing this fight. And then uh, came back in the third round, uh, handled it pretty good. And at the end of the third round, oh, you back? I hear you now. I think. Can you say something? Can you hear me? Yeah, now I can hear you. The audio went out for just a quick second there. But I can hear you. You cannot hear me? No. Nope. You lost me. 
You hear me? Hello, hello? Do you hear me? Yep, good. All right. I, I can hear you now. That was weird. I don't know what happened. So you, we lost you there for just a second. You said third round is when I think you started to gain that confidence, when you started to start to feel like you, you, you can turn this around. No, by the end of 10 round, I look at him. I saw me when I first tipped it the first time. I'm like, this guy is done. Wow. Yeah. And he wasn't even able to listen to his coach. I was listening to his corner talk to him and he wasn't reacting. I'm like, he's done. This is exactly me uh, when I first wow. tipped it the first time. That's the moment that I knew that I won the fight. What by a the visual. end of the third round. That is incredible. That's when you started, because you, you felt like you broke him with the takedowns? Oh, yes, he was broken. I could have tell. Like, I look him in his eye, I'm like, this is a done deal. Wow. How was your cardio at that point? Oh, I was good. I mean, I was definitely tired, but I knew, like, in my, I was able to control my mind and to feel everything, but I knew, like, he wasn't able to do that anymore. He wasn't listening even. Wow. And you can obviously <laughs> hear what they're saying, right? I mean, you understand what they're yeah. saying. Yeah. And, 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 and what are you thinking when he goes for that leg lock in the fourth round? What's going through your mind? Oh, that was pretty, yeah, that was pretty good for me because <laughs> he, was, he was on my good leg. And I know that. And I was also tired too. So I was kind of like trying to like uh, uh, use the position, win on the time. And when he get that leg lock, I'm like, because he didn't have it. I was just making sure that he doesn't lock my hips. And as soon as my hips... Uh, as long as my hips is not locked, he couldn't uh, lock my knee. He couldn't get a knee lock or something. So he was squeezing arm, arm like get good, keep going, like keep going. This is how you lose energy. I was very like relaxing because he's gonna get him more tired. He's gonna give me more position. He's gonna lose all. Basically, like when you have something like that, you think you have something, and then you finally lose it. You're like. Damn, fuck, what the hell is this? And that was exactly the same thing. I was very happy at that moment. <laughs> like, <laughs> So then it's 2-2 going into the fifth, and I, lo- I, 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 I posted this, and I spoke to Eric, your coach, about it. I love when he said, I believe in you, MFR. I believe in you. We've been through so much. Like It was just such a great moment, and you freaking dug down deep and did it. Can you just, Could you even remember that fifth round? I mean, that was clutch, man. Uh, oh, I, I, remember, I, I remember everything, even the f- uh, fourth round. I remember. Like, uh, he, he was there talking and said, Dewey, do you have something? And Dewey would say, yes, this. Everything that they were saying, I was able, I mean, it's the first time that I was able to really understand, like, what my corner was saying all the time. Even during the fight, I was able to listen to, to, listen to, the, to both corner and very uh, lucid about everything, right. you know. Like, they was talking, Usman was behind me, uh, talking, and I could have listened to him. Like, everybody was telling me, because before we go there, everybody has his own role, what he has to keep reminding me. And... Uh, Usman was there talking about like the timing, uh, the pressure, the this, you know, Dewey uh, was there, Eric was there, everybody was talking. So, and all that made me feel like, okay, we are doing this right. And I, even at the, uh, going to the fifth round, they say, okay, this is 2-2, two, 2-2 two, uh, two, two now, go, t- go take the win. I mean, by that time, I wasn't thinking about my knee anymore. Like, I was like, we get this done, you know. Since the third round, I was like, this is a done deal. Like, let's go finish, you know. Obviously, I feel the fatigue, but I'm like, 
I just had to control this, uh, take position, you know, very good enough by that time. You have had massive wins in your career. I mean, your last one was as big as it gets over Stipe, but would you say that moment when they announced that you had won, when Bruce Buffer said you'd won, is that the greatest moment of your professional career? You mean this uh, the, uh, this weekend? Yeah. <laughs> yes, um, with everything going on, yeah, because this wasn't just a fight. This, this was, I was, I was just not fighting uh, in the octagon, this was like everything that I, I was fighting for everything that I uh, stand for, you know, he was way more uh, beyond the fight, he was for my principle he was for things that I believe I believe into, you know so that was the reason why I was fighting, I mean like, even when they're trying to reach out for a deal they came out with a good amount of money, I'm like at this point that doesn't matter, I let all that down on on the table like i don't even care i'm taking my six hundred thousand. i'm going there i'm doing this and i'm winning everything is that number accurate the number that came out you made 600 for that fight yeah wow i did could you tell us what they offered you dare i ask i let i let a lot more on the table yeah how much overall yeah I've been letting a lot of money on the table, Ariel, even since the stupid fight. By now, I <laughs> I might be down uh, at least seven million wow. that I let on the table. So you said, but I'm so happy. I'm so happy with my six on with my six hundred because I I still fight for what I go for. And this is the thing: like there is two things. Freedom doesn't work with money. You give up one for one. Whether you want a freedom, whether you want money, you give up one to get to gain more. Right. So does that mean when you say freedom, does that mean you want to be free that you don't want to fight for the UFC anymore? You can be free and fight for the UFC. How? I just want to be free. How can you huh? be free and fight for the UFC in your opinion? I mean, so we are supposedly an independent contractor. Mm-hmm. Independent contractor technically is a free person. Sure. But you know how it is, so right? The contracts are very restrictive, right? You can't go box. You can't do this. And, that, and that's the reason why they, uh, they need some adjustment in that contract. That's what I'd be fighting for. So when you say it's not just about the money, you said that, right? It's not just about – could you say to yeah. the, wor- the world, what, what do you want? What is it about then? Freedom is – but like what are you looking for? Is there anything specific that you can share? I know you don't have to go through your whole entire like you know life goal here, but – what is it that's really bugging you about what they're offering and what maybe they're not offering? The term of the contract, everything that they put into, they hold you like in captivity, like you can't do anything, you have no right. The contract is one-sided. Although you still don't have nothing, you don't even have a health insurance while you're doing this, uh, putting your body in the line, on the line uh, to provide, to put on the show risking everything there's a lot of things man we have no no insurance nothing like no guarantee which i understand for independent contractor but treat me as such then if i am i mean whether i'm going to be employer or independent contractor but make it very clear in the contract it's very mixed up and so to be clear your, now that you're still champion, your deal is done at the end of the year, regardless of if you're a champion or not, right? 
Yeah, and that was the case even before this fight. I took this fight just to make a point. And you said you're not fighting anymore. Uh, when I get when I get when I get injured, uh, everybody, uh, my team, though, I'm like, what are you going to gain into this fight? You're not getting money. You're not getting nothing. If you sit down, it's the same situation. Like, yes, we understand that we you want to fight, you want to be active, but uh, be smart. I'm like, yeah, but some point be smart is just being dumb you know just like just being dumb is also being smart like i'm doing this you know for the principle that's the reason why i took this fight because i saw that what happened after the stipe fight i was doing this behind the the scene and nobody really know what was going on and the ufc went out there they're trying to like really damage my brain like I didn't like that part. And then I think that exactly like, that's probably the thing that I hated the most about this, like how the whole or the card, the power to like, just destroy you. As soon as you don't say yes for the, uh, for the acclaim, uh, they just take you down. Like, and I, I don't know, there's something, there's something wrong with me with those kind of things that I can't, I can't just take it. Does that go back to maybe when you were a kid? Is there something like, I was just about to ask you that is seems like it's something ingrained in you. This is very, it's a very sensitive subject for you. It's a very personal thing. Does that date back to how you were treated as a kid? Is this, is this relating to something else that you went through in your life? I don't know. I just know that I love freedom and I'm in uh, America, which is a, country of freedom so i should have that do you still want to fight for the ufc good question do the ufc still want me to fight there do you think they do oh you should ask them (laughs) they should be the one answering that question (laughs) but what about you do you want to fight for them if they make things right, yes. But you are That's willing. That's all what I've been saying. Are you are you willing to walk away if necessary? I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get what I want. I, listen, as I said, bef- even before this fight, I walked into the, into this fight. No, I could have I could have lost this fight. But I review. I reviewed everything. I reviewed everything. But in me, I'm like, if this is it, if this is the end, let it be on my way. It's going to be on my way. I'm going to make the call how he ends. You know, he won't end on somebody's rules. He will end on my own rules, you know. And if this, this is the end, man, I'm happy. From where I came from, I have done a lot. Man. Some people might not see that, but I have done it, and I'm very happy about that. I'm proud of myself, man. Like, that might be my ego, but I'm proud of myself, of what I have achieved, and it's nothing, uh, you know. So, but I don't want, I don't want all this to, like, take what I have or to change me, to change my principle. My principle is still the same as day one. Uh, and uh, with that, with my principle, 
I will never be poor. But I can still have the money being poor because I gave up all those stuff. Then I won't have any identity anymore. Did you notice that it wasn't Dana who put the belt around your waist when it happened? Yeah, I noticed it was. Yeah, I, I turned around and it was me. How did you feel when you saw that? Oh, bro, I don't care about that. What's yeah. the difference? I make my point. Yeah. They could have, they could have even don't print that belt. You would have be, I would have be okay with. Like, listen, I'm, I'm not here to like go after a little thing. This happened, that happened. I'm happy. That's all what matters. So even him not showing I'm up to happy. the press conference, all that, that the, everyone's going crazy over this. It didn't bother you. I didn't even notice that he didn't show up in the press conference. Right. I mean, I don't make the call, uh, and that doesn't bother me at all. I did what I supposed to do. I do my best to do it right and to do it in the best way. And uh, that's all I know. Do you need surgery? I think so. I'm going to see a doctor today uh, to clarify that. But they say my MCL can get uh, can. Uh, be reattached on his own, basically, after the stem cell. But my ACL would definitely need a surgery. Wow. So I want to see if or if not. But, um, yeah, I, I, I do need a surgery. That's for sure. But would I, do I want to do it now? Um, I will see. Why wouldn't you want to do it? I don't know. He's a lot, man. It's going to be a lot of months for recovery. Is it? Maybe I'm going to take, I don't know. I want to do it. But right now, um, that's the question. Maybe after one month or something. Mm-hmm. How yeah. does it feel? But I definitely, I definitely need a surgery. How does it feel? Like after the fight, because the- it said irreversible damage you can do. So like, how, how did it end up? Does it feel worse? No, no, no. A little bit, but not too bad. It feels like maybe he was one week and a half ago, uh, but not even as he was in the beginning. So I I didn't take any damage on it. Um, not a big deal, you know? So, yeah. But uh, they said that the ACL doesn't hurt. Like the ACL won't cause pain. Uh, the but uh, the only thing that caused pain would be the MCL. So um, after the MCL, I'm going to be fine. I mean, if I have to hold on to an injury, to a surgery. I know how sometimes these things go. Someone gets a big win. They try to make a deal that night. Anything come up after the fight? Locker room, anyone come up to you? We're going to figure this out. We're going to make it right. What do you think? Anything happen after the fight? You mean after leaving the arena without yeah. putting the band on my waist and don't show up in the press conference? Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe Hunter. What do you think? Hunter maybe, I don't know. No. No. No, no, no. I think the, the only, no, nothing happened after the fight. Couple of things happened before the fight, but nothing happened after the fight. On the start of the morning, my manager received an anonymous message who was very weird. Like, we didn't know from who was that, but that message was very weird, very racist, um, insulting. Yeah, but... And, uh, 
I don't know if, yeah, yeah, going into this fight, going into the arena, like uh, I dress up, I put my suit and I walked on my, uh, to the room, to go, uh, waiting for my manager and my coach. And uh, they was like, wow. And I'm like, what's going on? They tell me that they just received an email from the UFC, say they're going to sue him from um, talking with the, this guy, Nikisa. Yeah. Huh. And I'm like, who is Nikisa? Nikisa. I'm like, they, were, they was telling me, I don't know him pretty much, but somebody from Jake Paul team. And I'm like, is it a promoter or something? Then I'm like, no. But once again, I don't know. So it doesn't it doesn't look like they want to talk to me anymore. What wait. First of all, the text message that you just <laughs> Francis, this is crazy stuff here. I'm gonna let you go, I promise. But he, he he's been he's been a crazy stuff dude. since Markel yeah. Martin is your Hello. is your is your manager slash agent. Uh he yes. posted the screen grab of this disgusting text message yeah. this absolutely racist. Oh, you saw it. oh he posted it on his instagram i don't know if you saw that yeah but just yeah like, yeah yeah that's what i'm talking about disgusting racist horrible and it seemed like they knew who he was right because they referenced something maybe about like a previous job that he had or whatever and it was from a 702 number which of course is las vegas yeah 702 las vegas yeah what do you think about that i don't know i think somebody is very pissed off which means we have been doing writing. Mm. Do you have any guesses as to who it may be? <laughs> no, okay. I don't have any guess since I have any proof. And then as you're leaving to the arena, you guys get a letter that you're going to get sued? The email. Email, sorry. The email. Email that you're going to get yeah. sued because you were talking to Nikisa Bedarian, who's Jake Paul's business partner. Nikisa, you said, right? Yeah. The, for, the former About CFO. About boxing. About boxing? Yeah. Is that yeah, true? That's what this. That, what? Have you been talking to him about boxing? I don't know who the hell is this guy. <laughs> first of all, you never and met secondly, him. Secondly, he's not a. And second, I don't know him. I what? can't recognize him if you put him in front of me. And secondly, like, he's not a promoter. Hmm. I mean, and it's not like we can. I can have a dialogue with people about boxing. I talk about boxing all the time. <laughs> But uh, I mean, Man. yeah. So, given all this, 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 does this change your stance even more? Does this make you feel like you can't be in business with these people? You know, you never know what's happening in business. As I said, if they came up right, I mean, okay. But they have to really do some effort. You understand the power you have now, right? You understand the leverage that you have. I mean, this is unlike any situation that we've ever seen. The heavyweight champion of the world, Francis, has all this going for him right now. You, you have all of this. How do you think this all plays out? What do you think? What does your feeling say right now? Man, I don't know. I just know uh, what I want. And I know at some point or one way or another, I always have what I want. <laughs> because I fight for do you think you fight again this year? If I fight again this year? Probably. It's possible. I can't tell. You know, uh, in the past three years, I've been fighting one once a year, mm. even though I wanted to fight more. So 
I can't really tell about that. I have no control and on that. You can't talk to anyone because you still have that one-year champions clause, right? Like it's not like you can talk to other promotions, organizations till the end of the year, correct? Yeah, but I still have yeah, I still have until December. Right. And are you and, and you are gonna stick with that because you said recently you're gonna you're not fighting again for this money, so you're gonna wait it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I think my due is paid fully paid yes. or uh, overpaid, I've paid my due. Whatever was in this contract, I pay it. I pay him a lot by miles away. Are, so, you, are you worried they will take the belt away from you? They can't. No, I'm not worried about that because at the end of the day, it's just a belt, you know. And as soon as they take the belt away, I'm a free agent. Oh, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> Francis, you're I mean, you're a smart guy, Francis. I don't care. I mean, you, this is amazing. This is an unbelievable situation. But I end the belt. I end the belt, though. Uh, the, it's not that belt will make me be a champion. With it or without it, I'm still a champion. So of course. let's be clear about that. Nothing will change my status of being a champion. And and before I let you go, I think the Tyson Fury thing, I've said, because you're, you know, let's say you stay with the UFC, he's with top rank, ESPN, I feel like ESPN can make this fight very easily. Do you feel like there's, a, you saw his tweet, right, to you? Do you feel like there's a real possibility yeah. that this can happen? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Listen, Tyson Fury and I, we, we, be, we, have, we have been going back and forth for over uh, two years now, and I do believe that uh, this fight will happen. And... Uh, we, we thought this would be something uh, that the USA can make it big because this is an option, that uh, an opportunity that I have, and they, they could have, like, get involved and make it happen, you know. But uh, I think it seems like it's not their concern. Your impression was they weren't interested in it? Yeah. I mean, uh, regarding what is going on, doesn't look like they care about. Would you like to see Francis, because you have all this, uh, you know, this power, but also because you've lived through it? The fight, you know, we've talked a lot I about. Have, don't get it wrong. I have no power. We are talking about uh, ten billions company. Uh, we are talking about. I know. I have no power, man. You do have power. I have no power. You do have power because a lot of a lot of fighters <laughs> no, are listening no. to you right now, and they've been through what you've been through, and they give you a lot of credit for speaking up and for not being afraid when you have this big spotlight on you. And so I'm wondering, do you think there will come a time? Do you want there to come a time where the fighters have more of a collective voice, where there is an association, a union, where you guys have health insurance and pensions and all these things that would help, and maybe not the kind of contracts that you're talking about that are so one sided, right? Do you think this has to happen? I, I, yeah, I definitely believe, uh, think that something like that will happen. But uh, you have to understand, like, uh, fighter right here, we don't have power at all. The UFC, uh, the company is so big. And uh, even though we are hundreds, hundreds of fighters, like, uh, we are divided and they treat everyone individually. And uh, uh, nobody uh, can stand against them. So, like... When people talk about union, like, oh, fighters should do union, I'm like, you guys don't understand nothing. Like, there are people here who still fight for uh, 10,000, for 15,000. And by the time that they have, by the time that they have to fight again, you know, uh, 
they, they have loans, they, they, like they owe money, they have debts. So, uh, and you can't tell those guys, like, even though they could fight for more, even though they deserve more, you can't tell them, like, oh, don't fight, just do union. No, they need to provide to their family, you know. So it's going to be a very tough situation. And for those who, like, uh, uh, disobeyed and uh, tried something, they get caught right away. The USA has the power to cut them at any time. So unless, like, for some reason, uh, the UFC uh, show a good faith and help to, like, do a union to prove that, okay, we are willing to do things right for fighters, uh, something like that can happen because fighter has no power, you know? Somebody has to, with a real power, has to show up and come support fighter on this one. Many hundreds of fighters out there, they are just waiting for their next, next, next fight to get a check, to be able to pay their bills. Because even though uh, they might be there for years, they, might, they, they give they give themselves up for this uh, every day, but they don't have, they can't even sustain their uh, daily basis life. Some people still have to get a, uh, a side job. So how do you gonna ask this guy to sit down for a union or for this, you know? And, and you can blame him because the city is forced to do that. He doesn't have any choice. He doesn't have any power. He doesn't have any option and pay his contract. And that's what has to be fixed. Did you see John Jones's tweets? Uh, I think John Jones's tweet is passing by like a car on the boulevard, so it's really hard to follow. <laughs> you, you don't think he really wants to fight you? I don't know. At this point, I don't know. And even though I, I would like to have that fight, like at this time, I don't want anything to be like a string attached. You know, as long as I want anything, everything, I don't want anything to hold me into my principle to like get me out. Um, yes, to like take me off my position of what I want, you know. Yes, the John John fight, but at what 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 cost? Right. What is the price that I have to pay for that fight? That's the problem. And you're not even like someone. I saw someone ask you at the press conference. Oh, the money is like even if it's ten million, it doesn't matter for you if it's ten, twenty million. There's the other things that are bothering you, right? It's not just about that anymore. Yeah, yeah. Right. No, no, it's not about that. He hasn't be about that right anymore. Like I've been in this position, they put me in this position and I feel, I feel, uh, I felt powerless for so long. And I realized that uh, this uh, shouldn't happen. This is not right. And it shouldn't be happening. You know, uh, uh, even before they judging you after the GTS fight, they wanted me to sign a contract and I didn't want to sign a contract by that time. And they just started to freeze me. Like put you down for 10 months, 11 months, get you go out of money. Uh, they know you're going to go out of money because they know exactly how much you're making and they know that you can't go so f uh, very far with that money. And they will just like, oh, a new deal, you know, kind of like a way of forcing you to sign a new deal, the, the way that they operate, which is something that I can uh, comply to. Is that when you started to realize that this was... Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Okay, that was As the I turning said, point. This bit that's been going this been going on for over two years wow hmm. 
Last question for you, Francis. Thank you so much for the time. Really, you've given us too much time here, and I really appreciate it. Ultimately, could you tell the world, can you tell anyone who's listening, what does... What does Francis want to happen in the next year? What, what, if you could paint the perfect picture, what would it be? The, perf- the perfect picture, I think is the, you mean for me or yeah, for what you. do you mean? For you. I think it's the, be- the better uh, contrast structure. Mm-hmm. Structure. That's the key word. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get a parade back home in Cameroon again? That's unavoidable. They, <laughs> they have been calling me already. <laughs> That's right. When are you going back? Yeah. I don't know yet. It depends on what the doctor will say on my knee. Uh, okay, so you'll find out today. Everything depends on that. Yes, otherwise I would be, I would have been in the airport by now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Amazing. Francis, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm in awe of you, my friend, honestly. And I, and I hope it doesn't come across like I'm just fawning over you here. I am in awe of you because I don't think people understand just how difficult it is what you pulled off this past week. It's a concoction that we've never seen with the stuff with Fernand, with the stuff with the UFC, with the knee, all that stuff coming together. I'm really in awe of you and how you conduct yourself and the class and grace that you exemplify. Uh, I mean, my friend, you are you are the best that MMA has to offer, in my opinion. You You have all of that, and I hope that you get everything that you are owed and that you have earned and that you've deserved for the longest time. So I just want to congratulate you on how you conduct yourself and how you are as a human being. And I hope, by the way, I hope you, I don't know if you want this, but maybe hopefully one day you and Fernand can bury the hatchet. I don't know. Did that happen? Is there any chance of that? No? No. Uh, no chance. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't. He didn't come up to you no, afterwards? I, I mean, why well, he came to shake my hand. Did you shake it? Yeah, we shake hands. He was inside the octagon. He was like, "Spoily, I shake his hand for a uh, serial as a as serial coach, the guy that uh, I just fought, the guy that who just gave me opportunity." Yeah, so uh, I think uh, as a uh, athlete, I have to shake the hand of his coaches. But that's it. That's it. Okay. Oh, that's it. Respect. Mm-hmm. Mon ami. Thank you, Arya. You're the man. You really are. And I hope that the, uh, the appointment goes well. You don't need surgery. Speedy recovery. And uh, keep fighting the good I need, fight. No, I need surgery. That's okay. not questionable. How bad it is. <laughs> I was trying to put but, out the good vibes. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. No, that's clear. Like, that's unavoidable. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, that just makes the whole uh, yeah. story even crazier. Uh, well, I hope you have a speedy recovery. All the best to you. Enjoy the victory. Enjoy the time off. And good luck. with the, Now the new fight starts. Now it's a whole different fight that starts for you and continues, I should say. And I hope it all goes well for you. Thank you, Aria. I appreciate you. All right. I appreciate Always. you. Always. Same here. I appreciate you to all my friends out there. Thank you for all the support that I've been receiving. You know, this uh, past few months uh, shows me like, the real value of my fans, like the real one who really supported me, you know, they really stood by my side. And that's also the reason why I was able to overcome this, like just feel too much support from all around the world and basically from my country. And going into the fight, I was just thinking about like what I've been receiving from my country, even from a national, uh, from the national uh, soccer team. I'm like, man, I won't let these people down. Like then if I, 
don't do this, I'm letting them down. And that's not something that uh, I'm willing to do. You know, all, all the support and they are playing tonight. I wish them all the best. And uh, yeah, thank you for everyone for the that support. That's beautiful. Well done. You represented, my friend. Thank you so much, Francis. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you. Talk soon, Aria. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. There he is. Bon courage à Francis. Unbelievable. I am in awe of that guy. I mean, again, not to uh, not to beat a, a, a dead horse here, but I am truly in awe. I, I don't know. You know, I'm happy New York Rick is here. And I'm not trying to be a prisoner of the moment. But that might be one of the most important interviews that we've ever done in the history of this show. I hope you guys recognize that. I hope you recognize just how hard it is to do what that man did. Not sit here and answer these questions. That was the easiest part of what he just had to do. Deal with all of that. Mental, like I'm getting anxiety just thinking about all the stuff that he had to deal with. I hope you guys realize what that man is all about who that man is, what's in his DNA, what he believes in, what he stands for, what he represents. And I know someone will sit here and be like, oh, here's this. I will always want the fighters to make as much as they can and to get what they are owed and what they deserve. I will always advocate for that because I would advocate for any human being to get as much as they can, what they are owed, what they deserve. But there's a reason why a lot of people don't talk about it in this walk of life or any walk of life publicly, there's fear of repercussion. And let's be honest, there's a lot of fear in this board, and I get it. I understand it. I'm not sitting in front of this microphone and complaining about my salary. You do that behind closed doors. And so to do that publicly after saying to yourself, enough is enough, I'm going to speak out because let's be honest, as he just said, it ain't about the money. Seven million already? about changing, and I've talked about it ad nauseum, those contracts are one-sided. The opportunities are great, and the platform is great, and the spotlight is great, but it is one-sided. You sign a seven-fight deal, an eight-fight deal, you lose one fight, you're out. There's no guarantee. Show win, that's, that's 2003. There should be guarantees. There should be insurance. There should be pension. There should be collective bargaining. You sign a deal with The Rock, which was a brilliant move on their part, not Under Armour The Rock, because everyone loves The Rock and respects The Rock, and he's the man of the people. So hopefully you won't get the same kind of heat that the Reebok deal brought upon everyone. Brilliant. But what do they get from that, other than the shoes? What do they get from Crypto.com? What do they get from Venom? 40K? Come on, guys, open your eyes. If you love this sport, if you love this sport, if you truly love this sport, and you don't just care about Saturday night and your friends and, 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 and hanging out and DraftKings and pizza and beer, if you really love this sport and you love people like Kenny Florian and what they brought to the table, and you love people like Francis, and you believe in people like Tom Aspinall, if you really love this sport, I mean, we had it all here on today's show. We had the legend, the champ, and the future champ. That's the spectrum right there. If you love this sport, you will care about these things. You will support these things. You will believe in these things. Because I can assure you, your favorite football player that played this weekend in all those great games, they have those things. They have those things already. These men and women don't. These men and women don't. 
And it ain't just a UFC issue. It's an MMA issue. They don't have it. They don't have these things. They need these things. They deserve these things. They need that protection. They give us so much, so much entertainment. We don't realize the sweat equity, the blood, the pain that they go through to get through these fights. And it's 15 minutes. And most of us couldn't even last 30 seconds in there. And so I'll always support those people. I'll always support them and hope for the best for them. And hopefully there comes a time where this sport evolves from the leather helmet days and they get that protection and they get that insurance and that reassurance. I hope you guys realize and appreciate what Francis is doing, has done, did do. Freaking, it's wild. It blows my mind. Blows my mind to have that kind of courage. But if you know this man, and if you've read about his story, it shouldn't surprise you because this is honestly a walk in the park considering what he's overcome throughout his life. Walk in the park. Maybe it was this guy from Cameroon that could be the guy to at least really start that conversation. Really start. It's one thing for someone to say it and then get the fight and then drop it. This man has said it, got the fights, and is continuing to say it. Respect. Incredible. What a sport. What a guy. What a weekend. Uh, we're going to check in with GC, see how he did with the, the bets. We're going to check in with uh, New York Rick. I just looked down at the YouTube for a second. It said two people were watching. I was like, what? Two people? Someone cut our uh, stream, but uh, no, now it, it went back. That is wild. Before we get to GC, a quick word from our good friends over at... Uh, Oh, look at that. Look at that support for the champ from G-City. Wow. Look at that support. And still, baby. Wow. How come you're so tall today? Oh, there you go. <laughs> I was yeah, I had to move up so you oh, could for see the, shirt. the shirt. Okay, okay. Wow. You got that shirt, huh? I've had this shirt for a while, man. Oh, yeah. wow. From yeah, the game night days? Back from the game night days, man. Yeah, I told You've you You've been that. a fan? Uh, he's been one of my favorite fighters since the uh, the Overeem knockout. Wow, okay, yeah, look, been, at you, look at you. Going yeah, I told you that one time, books. you couldn't believe it. Yeah, I know. I mean, listen. Yeah, I didn't want to show my biases mm -hmm. pre-fight. Wanted to, uh, you know, let people know what I thought beforehand. But yeah, I was definitely cheering for Francis on Saturday. What about that interview? Unbelievable. Yeah, how mad are people right now? They just get an hour with Francis and Ghana, and now they get a guy in a Francis and Ghana shirt. Like, <laughs> Guys, you know, this is really the main event a, of the show. We really made a jump down here, but I mean... Unbelievable stuff from him. Wow. Like, unbelievable. I'm in awe. I mean, he delivered. I told you he was going to get you hyped up. He did, oh my uh, God, he did he a lot did. more he than is. that. Yes. Yeah, well, the best thing he gave me was uh, just, you know, a bit of a mental break from uh, the pain of uh, of last night. But yes, I, I mean, what a story. This is the story of the year to see how... Now, the, the, the injury throws a bit of a wrinkle and everything and a bit of a wrench and things could delay things, but could be a blessing in disguise as well for him uh, to, to buy him some time. Um Wow, I can't wait to see how it all plays out. Now, how did you do? So, I've never felt like such a winner while losing. I lost wow. a unit. Okay. But the way it finished with Figueredo and Francis Ngannou, I called both the underdog upsets. You did. It felt like I was winning. Um, so, yeah, we can, we can start here, go, go over it. We'll start with the singles. Um, we, go one, we go three and one. We do well in the singles this week. Uh, Trevin Giles is the only one that we got wrong. He... He just didn't really show up. But we do get Figueredo. We do get Ngannou. 
unbelievable co-main and main event. Um, so we did well on the singles. Where we messed up mm-hmm. was the parlays. We kind of got a little bit greedy. We've been hitting parlays recently. We go 0 for 3 this week. Uh, miss one I feel one like the leg. parlays have been a bit of a thorn in your side. I but I mean, they're, they're the hardest ones to hit, right? Yeah, it's like a smart better knows that it's like the thorn in their side. But they're always just, right. just tempting to put together. Uh, yeah, Honey Barcelos, I mean, Victor Henry showed up. Like, it was just, that was an impressive showing for Victor Henry. Uh, Cody Stamen. I loved the over one and a half in this one. He did me no favors this weekend, getting choked out in 47 seconds. And then I did the DraftKings League, and I had Cody Stamen on my team, and he got me Dang. .7 points. Don't love for Nurmagomedov, huh? So I liked Nurmagomedov. I just thought it was going to go over one and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Saeed showed up in a, in a mean, big way. What was it, like, what was it, 40 seconds, I think? 47 seconds, yeah. yeah. 47 seconds. Choked him right up. Um, and then the final recap here, uh, we can see it. Finished down 1.14 units, so... We're still waiting for that make-or-break week, like a big week of loss or a big week of win. We're kind of just treading water right now. So, did good on the singles, did bad on the parlays. Yeah. It's what it is. It's not and. bad. By the way, were you uh, – I saw. I actually saw more people than I expected tweeting about the knee. Yes. You so, okay. <laughs> I actually was just talking with Frank about this. So, I saw it on Saturday, and mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I'm just not even going to buy into this. I'm just going to ignore this. There's no, like, confirmed reports of it. Right. And then when he gets in the octagon yeah. and he's got the knee braces on, I got super nervous. I was yeah. like, oh, God. And so I started talking to Frank about it. Like, if I could go, if we could go back to Friday and I could talk to you and I was just like, hey, we know everything that's going on around it. We know all the, the storylines and everything. But I could tell you, Francis Ngannou has a torn MCL, a hurt ACL, and the fight is going to go to a decision. Oh, yeah. Like how much are you putting on Ciro Gane at yeah, minus yeah. one forty? Like I'm I'm breaking it's the over. bank on that. If I knew if if I didn't know the outcome, but those are the facts that I knew about it. Francis just, by decision like was speaks. plus twelve hundred. What I yes. saw. Yes, plus yeah, twelve hundred. Plus twelve hundred. It just speaks to how incredible it was. Like that's it was, the thing. Oh like my he God. did it with wrestling. I I did like a watch party at my house, and like like my mind was blown when he's doing these like transitions and like yeah. these sweeps and everything. And everyone I'm watching it with is like, oh, I thought this was like the heavyweight title. This yeah, is yeah, kind of yeah, boring. Yeah. And I'm like, the fact that he's doing this is insanity. Like, I'm like jumping up and down, going crazy. I'm like, especially as they're showing like the live odds and you're starting to believe that like he's actually going to pull this off. Like, it was just, it was just so crazy. It's, uh, it's a great point. Like, I saw Jake Paul tweet, and, you know, I, I, I know he's a fan and everything, but like, it's a boring fight. I'm like, I couldn't, I couldn't stop looking at the screen, like I couldn't, I was afraid to blink because what he was doing, first of all, you know about the injury, you know about the power, and then you start doing the wrestling, you're like, holy shit, this is the greatest theater in the world. Like the guy's down 0-2 and his stock will drop so far down if you lose this. Plus, who knows how badly his knee is injured, so he's going to be, a, like the guy who had everything riding on it, and then he pulls out this bag of tricks and the wrestling, I was like, what the F is going on? And of course, if you can't, like... If if you don't watch the sport and you don't know who Francis is and you don't know his history, you don't know his skill set, you're like, yeah, okay, what's so great about this? But if you know all that stuff, you're like, what? I mean, MMA fans worldwide were probably losing their minds. No one saw this coming. No one could have predicted. Yes, no, like literally, no way. one saw this this coming. I mean, people were when I gave out Francis, people were like, why aren't you just taking him by KO? Like that's like the only way he's gonna win. Like there's just there's no way he's gonna do this by decision. Like it's it's unbelievable. Like I just. I can't get over like the way that he did it. It was just so crazy. I would love to know what the live so so if he was plus twelve hundred by decision, like going into the fifth, what was it? 
I, I know it's hard. I, going I, into the going into the fifth, it was probably lower. Going yeah. into the third, imagine if you oh could have gotten by decision <laughs> yes. going into third. Because like he oh looked God, yes, like yes, yes, yes. he looked lost in yeah, the first two yeah. rounds. Like I was like, oh, this is like everybody said this was going to happen. Yes. Like this is how Sirogan's going to win. He's just going to dance around him. He's going to dodge him. He's going to piece him up, and he's going to win by decision. And that's a, looked like exactly what was happening. And then the you know the script just flipped in the last three rounds. It was insane. Man, you know what's the other kind of low key, super impressive thing about Francis? English isn't his first language. And the fact that he has come this far and being able to express himself and express the way he feels about the like that I mean He's improved a ton. The guy is just so damn I mean, golly. Imagine imagine I like I could talking about this complex stuff in a secondary language, right? If I like I speak French. I mean, the idea of sitting down with someone for X amount of time to talk about something personal and like intricate and, you know, complex like business. The guy is just so incredibly impressive. He's so, I mean, he's brilliant. He is brilliant. I mean, like uh, at the press conferences when he was going at the reporter and like yeah, that was, he's doing it in front of all those people, and he, but he's doing it in English, yeah. like to a French reporter. That was, I mean, what, that was a, what, a, what a hack job that was. That was embarrassing. No, that was um, bad. Yeah, that was really bad. All right, so it wasn't too bad. It, you know, it was whatever. The, wor- the worst part is uh, I did the DraftKings League this week and oh, yeah. I finished in fourth, one, oh. one spot out of the money. Uh, How many people showed up? A hundred. We hit it easy. We hit a hundred on Friday cap, night. Right? Yeah. Well, you can go bigger, but I was I was nervous. Right, right. I didn't you know were, if we were yeah, yeah. I did an overflow league, and we filled that one up too. Wow. I did a, a twenty person overflow league. So yeah, people are uh, people are enjoying that. We do have a uh, we do have a couple big hitters. Okay. Let's um, see. Let's you know, see. I remember yeah. you were talking about the Hall of Fame not being filled up. It's tough to fill these up. I think we got spoiled the first couple of weeks. It, 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 we remain with a few spots open. We don't we don't fill it this week, but. I Can we also just acknowledge for a second, I was wondering what you were doing, UFC off week. Not only is there a Bellator Bader versus Maldowski poster back there, there's a freaking Eagle FC poster. Show some respect. <laughs> Show some respect. We're down in South Florida this weekend, baby. We're going to have bets on each of them. Wow. Uh, Are there lines for Eagle? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. They're already out. I'm already, I'm already looking at them. Man, we're going to have um, a lot of Eagle FC interviews on uh, Wednesday show. You're serious? No, I'm joking. I was I about mean, to say. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, Not my talk, call. We talk about lack of creativity with the posters. I, yeah. I don't want to go with Bellator too hard, but... No, they're not great. I mean, it's, it's quite literally just... Is that the poster? Just, is that the official this, poster? Yeah, this is the official poster. Golly. I mean, it's quite literally two guys just on their names. <laughs> with, so that's it. With two different colors. Yeah, and the colors are just like dark red and white. It's, yeah. yeah. I mean, we got to... We gotta step that up. Important fight for Bader, but yes, I mean even the Very eagle one. Fight, eagle yeah. ones is better, right? Oh yeah, Eagles is definitely better. Turner Rashad Evans. Yeah, Sugar. I'll be I'll be tuned in. All right, so who's the big hitter? Yes, this week it's Twisted TKO. Great name by him. Wow. Um, five legs plus plus fifty eight hundred turns twenty dollars into twelve hundred. Francis Ngannou, Saeed, uh, Michael Morales, Figueredo, and Jasmine. Uh, three underdogs on that hits that pretty nicely. So, shout out to Twisted TKO. Love the name, by the way. I, I like myself a Twisted T, so I really yeah. respect that. Uh, and then we got we got some interesting honorable mentions this week. Okay, um, we'll go with MMA Lexicon, one of the very few who calls Francis Ngannou by decision at twelve to one. Wow! Uh, yep, threw twenty dollars on that. I wow. mean, wow. So wait, what do you get? I'm bad at math. Uh, twenty dollars turns into two hundred and forty. So, uh, yeah, his name is Big Daddy Gifts on Twitter. Don't know his real name, but shout out to MMA Lexicon. Uh, a staple of the show, MMA woman, Sarah Rose. She gets a main card sweep, plus 2,800, turns $10 into 208. Um, calls, calls every fight on the main card pretty impressive. 
Uh, and then the last one, Dalton Saberhagen. He hit me up about this uh, a couple weeks ago. Dana White gave a, uh, did like a giveaway on social, and he gave away a box of the Immaculate Collection UFC cards. And as he's going through it, he pulls an autograph patch Khabib card. There's only eight made in in production, and uh, one recently sold on eBay for over fifteen thousand dollars. So uh, it's not betting, but I, I would say that's a big hitter. What's patch mean? Like there's like if you look at the picture, there's like a patch from like a UFC glove, and it's autographed by. Khabib. Oh, I see. I yeah. always wonder. Like, I guess. I guess. I mean, you take their word for it. But like, how do you know that that's legit? The glove that he wore. Oh, I. Yeah, there's no telling, and it's like perfectly white too. There's right. Like really yeah. No yeah. Telling. Yeah. Like, I always wonder. They could about just that. be throwing just like anything in there. Or when they say it's like um, from the mat, right? Yeah. How I do mean, you know it's from like, the mat? <laughs> Who's <laughs> keeping the mats? And like, where do they have these things that yeah. now they can start cutting them up? Yeah, and they can just like get so many different little squares yeah. for different little cards. Yeah. It's like my plot know. of land in uh, Aberdeenshire, Scotland. Yeah, well, you're going to go visit that one day and there's going to be like 17 other people exactly. visiting the same <laughs> plot of land. <laughs> it's like, wait, I bought I own yeah. this. Uh, and you're all calling each other's lords. Too. Right, right, right. Um, uh, DraftKings, though, out of 100. Yes. Our man... 5 a.m. Riot, I believe the name is. 5 a.m. Um, Riot. Yeah, the DraftKings this week. Unfortunately, no picture for him. I believe we uh, we have the animation as well to signify him. Please, please. Uh, I'm we got a new, oh, we got a new jingle this week. Wow. Yeah, no picture for him, though. Uh, we also got him a new crown. We're always evolving here. Okay, a little late there with the uh, animation music there, Frank. I mean, really. Could we get that again? This is what happens when he doesn't consult me. Oh, well, you went rogue? Yeah, he did. Wait, I, I thought we I, did this last week. I didn't make the thing big enough either, so it doesn't look like it's coming down from the top of the screen. <laughs> it's like coming down Wait, halfway but down. Can I just ask a question? Is that just like a generic avatar pick? Yeah, he doesn't have a picture. That's whack. He, I didn't, mean, he didn't tweet at me or anything. It wasn't like, I won. Listen, you joined this. Okay, wait, can we do that again one more time? Sorry. I like <laughs> the, uh, I, um, Ewan wasn't here last time. You're going to have to replay this at least 15 more times just for the record. Yeah, Frank loves it when you play it as many times why, as Why, why, why? Why does he not like it? There it is. <laughs> yeah, 5 a.m. Riot, if you're watching right now, man, congratulations, $225. One more time, one more time. There it is. There it is. Great name, but I, I actually do think that there should be, I don't know, there should be some rule that you have to have a picture so that if you win, we can have your picture up there, 5 a.m. Yeah. Riot. Yeah, I was really hoping you'd have a picture. I looked if you up sign on up, you have so. to have a picture, okay? Can you have a profile pic? Yeah, I have a profile picture. No, not you, but I, can, can that be a requirement? No, I know. I'm saying yes. You, oh, okay, well, yeah, no, yeah. that cannot be a requirement. Like, <laughs> Why I can't not? set that rule. Why not? There's no, hey. way, there's no way I can set that rule. All right. Um. Well, that was uh, that was good. So, so who's uh, the guy last week? He was mad at me. Let me get his name right. Uh, um, Yerkowitz. Yeah, that was wasn't DraftKings though. That was just like a big hitter. Oh, yeah, okay. Yerkowitz. He was. I uh, that up. Yeah. All right. Great bad. guy, Yerkowitz. Yeah, though. Never met him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this week uh, we've got Bellator and we've got. Uh, Eagle FC, you know, if you, if, you, if you want to do a little sprinkle on the Royal Rumble on, on Saturday, you know, that's always a fun one. I do just, they offer lines on that? Someone does. I've like, seen, I feel like that's betting on like a TV show. Yeah, but Royal Rumble is a, is a fun one. You know what Royal Rumble is, right? No. You don't know what Royal Rumble is? 
I've I've heard it, but I like it. You don't know I, like what I'm the co- assuming what, there's what special means? rules. There's a spe- it's a it's a thirty man match where uh, uh it starts with two contestants at the same time, and every it changes. I think it's ninety seconds, two minutes. A new contestant comes in, and in order to <laughs> It's, it's like a king of the hill type thing. Sort of. And then in order to eliminate someone, you have to throw them over the ropes and their two feet have to hit the ground. So there have been instances where one foot swept the ground. Shawn Michaels back in the day. There have been instances where Kofi Kingston, for example, jumps onto the announce table, is on some pancakes, jumps back into the ring. Ultimately, two feet hit the ground. You're eliminated, and so it goes all the way until there's uh, one man standing. And sometimes we've seen a guy go from number one to uh, the end, an hour in the ring. So, all right. Well, are there? Oh yeah, I've I've, I've located <laughs> some lines. Uh, Wait, Brock, legit? Brock Lesnar is the favorite at plus two fifty to win the men's Royal Rumble. Wow. Is there? A, there's a women's one as well. Okay, so, I'm so that's interesting because Brock Lesnar is actually going up against Bobby Lashley. Um, in one of the most anticipated matches in recent... Yeah, he's, he's minus 200 in that. Wait, you can actually bet on the matches too? Yeah. Roman Reigns is minus 275 against Seth Rollins. Wow. Wait, is this a legit book? My word. Becky Lynch is minus 1,000 against uh, Dewdrop. Dewdrop, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, is this a legit book? Yeah, yeah. Is this uh, DraftKings? It's not DraftKings, oh, okay. unfortunately. No. I wonder if DraftKings does it. I'm checking right now, yeah. Wow. I mean, this is, yeah, they, so. so they have Royal Rumble odds. Because I don't know if Lesnar is in it, because Lesnar's the champ. I don't think Lesnar is actually in the Rumble. Hmm. Champs Listen, usually I, aren't in the Rumble. I'm intrigued at this, like, this giant competition. Like, you're going to get someone at plus odds. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I could maybe... When is it? Saturday night? It's Saturday night, St. Louis, Missouri. I'm going to go two TVs. Um, I'm going to uh, be there. Oh, really? Wow. Mm-hmm. I'll be there. The Show Me State. Yeah, nothing on. I haven't uh, been to St. Louis since December of 2010. I was there for Strike Force Heavy Artillery, one of the all-time <laughs> I love the name. Violent the cards numbers. in uh in MMA history. That was a uh, Moro Ronaldo saying, "Who wants a KO for Christmas?" It was uh Paul Daly and Scott Smith and Robbie Lawler, Matt Linland. Um, Dan Henderson, Babalu, Bigfoot Silva. It was just wow. That's a great memory. Okay, yeah, okay. So I've actually found it. on a real book that that I can place bets on. Uh, Big E is the favorite, plus three fifty. Brock Lesnar's plus three seventy five. Roman really? Reigns plus eight hundred. Interesting. Yeah. Big E. Okay, so Big E I get, but Brock Lesnar is the champ. Unless unless there's something going on that I haven't. Uh... I'm gonna have to do some research on this. All right. Did you bet on the Bills? You bet on the Chiefs? Yeah. <laughs> Get out of listen, here. Listen, listen, I was trying I was trying to do you a service. I bet on the Pats to and go, the and the Bills yeah. rolled, so I was actually trying to help you out. I can't uh, even get a thank you for what that. Well, you got what'd you do? Uh money line or with the spread? Yeah, money line was minus twenty five, so I just took that. Yeah, I actually went six and zero on NFL bets this uh this weekend. Six that's impressive with all yeah. those underdogs winning. Yeah, did it. I got every spread right and then I parlayed each day. I parlayed the two spreads. That's how I hit all those. Yeah, it was uh. a, a successful NFL. Old CA though, corporate Alex actually pointed something out at lunch because oh, yeah. I, I was eating my <laughs> leftovers. I okay. uh uh I whipped up some some bison steaks yesterday, so I'm really just pouring the salt in the wounds on the oh, on the Jesus bills losing. Yeah. I haven't felt this kind of pain about a game. I haven't felt this. Listen. Honestly, there's two games in my life that like hit me in the heart because of the the sheer shock yeah. that I felt. 
Yeah. One is 1995 Knicks Pacers. My favorite athlete of all time, Patrick Ewing, misses a finger roll yeah, at the oh, buzzer, yeah. game Off seven. The back iron. Yep. Um, my brother <sighs> took a Kleenex box on there, forget and whipped it at my head and say, go cry. And it really, really pissed me off. <laughs> uh, I was in the eighth grade at the time. And um, number two, in terms of sheer shock, like I've had heartbreak, obviously. I mean, all my yeah. teams. Sheer shock, mu- Music City Miracle, oh, 1999. Yeah. Forward yeah. pass. It was not a lateral. It was a forward. I will... Always believe that, and um, and yesterday, and uh, honestly, yesterday hurts more than the Music City Miracle because I really believe in my heart. In my heart, they would have won the Super Bowl if they beat the Chiefs. Especially looking in hindsight, Titans go down, Packers. Oh, it's not go even down, hindsight. It's it's, Bucks it's go down. It's the weekend played out perfectly. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like we you, needed the Bengals to win so that we can host AFT. And and respect to the Bengals, they're a great young team. I just think the Bills are better, and. Um, you know, Brady's done, fantastic. That witch is dead. Packers are done. I was worried about them in the Super Bowl. And uh, that's yeah, what hurts, I mean, man. That's what ha- hurts. You have to think the Bills would be favored, too. And I, you know, I know I'm the richest man at the present moment when it comes to championships, yes, but yes. I know your pain. The 28 to 3 Super Bowl, 17 yeah. nothing NFC Championship, uh, Georgia leading in, go, losing in overtime in the national championship. You want to know pain. In in a 365 day window, both the Falcons <laughs> lost the Super Bowl yeah. and Georgia lost the national championship, and they trailed for a combined zero seconds because wow. they both lost on walk off overtime plays. That is pain. Yeah. Uh, so you just you just have to believe one day. Yeah, I one believe. Day the, unlike the, the you, I just want one. I just want one. I'm with you, man. I just want, like, I'm good now. People are yeah. telling me about, like, Georgia getting all these recruits and doing this. I'm like, nah, nah, nah. Just give me that we one. We got our one. Like, we got our one. I'm, I'm cool for now. And I, honestly, I wasn't feeling great yesterday. And then the game started as it did. Two fourth down conversions. I was like, freaking Josh Allen. I would go to war for that guy. If anyone wants to disparage that guy's name, I will go to war for that guy. Yeah. And uh, then I wasn't feeling great. And then halftime, they missed the field goal. I'm like, all right, fine. Third quarter, I did not feel great. Beginning of fourth, I started to feel really good. And then the Gabriel Davis 75-yard bomb, and then I'm like, whoa, something is happening here. And even when they were down and they score and it's a minute 52, I'm like, nah, there's too much time. Something's going to happen. The, 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 the tackling was atrocious. They gave too many chances, blah, blah, blah. And then, but when they scored that, so when they scored the 152, I legit like started to feel like I was hyperventilating. And the best part was my young son, Walter, came down in his Stefan Diggs jersey out of bed and was like, I mean, I'm going to cry just talking about it and just sitting with him. And then they want, and then they score. And then, and then the Mahomes comes back and I'm like, good, score quickly, right? Score quickly. I want us to get the ball back. And then Josh to freaking. Gabriel, and then 13 seconds, and you look at their faces on the sideline. I was like, holy shit, he did it. Josh, Josh Allen's did. crying. He's, he's yeah. hugging the team. And it's the the bleakness of the Bills situation. It was like fourth and 13 yes, or something. Fourth and 13. Scored. Yeah. Fourth and 13. Yeah. And, I, and I was like, oh my God, he did it. <sighs> and I really thought, that, and then of course, they kick it to the end zone, the big play to Hill, the big play to Kelsey, and then the freaking coin toss. I don't want to be that guy who complains about the overtime and all that, but. Golly, that hurt. That, I, I did not you, move off the couch for an hour. I, I couldn't move. And, I don't blame and, you. And can I, I just say you. something? And I'll tie it back to MMA now. Mark yeah. Henry is one, of the, uh, <laughs> is one of the best coaches in MMA, Mark Henry. Um, you know, he coaches the likes of Frankie Edgar and, and uh, K1 
Caitlin Chukagian and uh, Cody Garbrandt. The list goes on and on. Eddie Alvarez. I mean, it's just an amazing um, stable. Zabit. Uh, a couple of years ago, Mark 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 Henry is the biggest Bills fan that I've ever met. He turns his house into a shrine. Shrine. Like every game, he brings out all the artifacts. He's been a Bills fan his entire life. Like this man is a bigger Bills fan than I am, honestly. I have no problem saying that. And a couple of years ago, uh, he included me with his son, Pino, who's a great, great kid who's now out of college and is just a lovely kid who's been around the fight game for a while. And we text 45 million times throughout Bills games, and especially this week and during the game. And uh, yeah, so we were texting, and then he just disappeared uh, at the end of the game. And I, I, I feel horrible for Mark Henry. He's older than me. I, yeah, I know how much he wants. So you know, it's just fun to have those relationships and those interactions. And I believe one day we will have our moment, unfortunately. Hopefully this was Josh Allen. Yeah. This is Josh Allen, Gabriel Davis, and, you know, obviously the fans of Buffalo. I just, I'm, it, it's terrible. Like, I just feel so bad. What about me? You're you're a fan of Buffalo. Oh, okay, fine. You're, fine. you're included. All right, sorry, sorry. I was thinking of you when they were losing. I was like, ah, I feel. Yeah, you're like, oh, I feel bad for Ariel. I mean, he saved me from gay night, but I'm still going to bet against his team. It's fine. I'm doing. I was doing you a yeah. service. It almost worked out. It almost worked out for you. Wait till you talk to uh, you know to Rick about it. Yeah, yeah, we'll event. talk to you. Kenny Florian, great today. That smile is contagious. Yeah, it is a great smile. It was a great show. It was a great show. Yeah. And uh, we got one more thing to do. I think he's here. I mean, sometimes he's here, sometimes he's not. Thank you, GC. Appreciate you. Uh, time now for everyone's favorite segment of the week. That sometimes happens and sometimes doesn't. Let's find out. Uh, you can hit the music, guys. I was riding now high, it's time to and now I'm like, why, why did we do that? Why did we do that to ourselves? Why did we talk about this? Rick's picks. Rick's I'm going to go cry myself. Rick's picks are lots of fun, and his hair is in a bun. You already know what it is. Rick's Picks. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's the moment you've all been waiting for. It's the new craze taking the world by storm. Live from the Vox Studios in beautiful New York City, it's time for... Rick's Picks. That's right, that's right. What's happening? Hello. Hello, Mr. New York Rick. Uh, how are you? I'm okay. I just want to let you know, um, I was going to start this with a different tone. Um, but because I don't appreciate you knowing why I wasn't here and leaning into that, I'm just going to start by letting you know that I had money on the Kansas City Chiefs. Wow. Um, and I'm dining out on that uh, tonight. So that's how we'll start this on this one. I don't believe you for one second. Listen, I can, I can show you the, like, we, we can have Connor take a look at my uh, DraftKings. But anyway, um, that's, how, that's how we're going to start. So how are you? I'm okay. Uh, I just got a weird text message. What do we got? I mean, I don't want to say it just yet. Hmm. It's the weekend of weird text messages. What what realm of weird are we talking about? I feel like this is um this needs to be explored. No, no, no. Uh Okay, maybe not. Oh god. Um well, I mean, we were just talking about weird text messages. Uh, so so that kind of weird. Uh, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, how are you? Yeah, it's where good. do we go from where do we go from here? Um, I'm good. Uh, I'm doing good. Um, and I'm happy to be here uh, after not being here last week. Um, what a everything show, okay? Huh? Yeah, yeah, everything is okay. Um, everything is wonderful now. As, down, down, as Francis Ngannou said, I don't care about that, bro. I'm happy. 
that, that's that's my vibe. That was a great. Uh, that was a, right here I right mean, now. Would you say, you know, that was one of the more important, impactful? I don't know. We've done we've done well, a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to go back through a decade plus of time and and um, compare it to every single thing that's happened. But I would say it will be. It ha- it is significant now. It is very significant now um, because uh, nobody has spoken like that or, or spoken as freely as that in, in that position before. Um, it has the potential, depending on the outcome of this, to to be infinitely more significant and and one of the most significant things that's happened in the sport mm-hmm. potentially. Um, if Francis Ngannou, uh, if Francis Ngannou leverages all the uh, power that he has right now. And make something uh, monumental happen. This this will be uh, a significant milestone, a significant marker along that journey. So, um, yeah, very very significant, very important, um, and speaks to some of my picks this week. Oh, what do we got? Great! Well, what a segue! Jeez. I mean, is there any other place? And it feels a little bit redundant to start with Francis Ngannou. Is is you know Francis Ngannou be my first pick for this week? All the things you've already discussed, so I'm not going to rehash every single thing, but gambling on himself and winning. Oh, yeah. Continuing to be out in front. Frankly, I will admit, when I started hearing the rumblings of the knee injury, um, my assessment of that was the same as his assessment, which is, it's this is stupid. Um, but yet he persevered through that and got the job done. Um I was personally very confident in Francis's chances against Cyril. I, I, I was backing Francis uh, when this matchup was announced. I've, I've always thought that, technic- breakdown-wise, I thought that Cyril didn't have the tools to keep Francis away from him, and, and that power would eventually just land. Um, with the injured knee, I was a lot less confident in that. Like GC mentioned, when I was started hearing that, um, I, I, I started leaning towards Cyril. I started thinking that that the mobility was going to be a problem, but Francis showed a new wrinkle to his game. So, a lot of credit f- on all fronts. Uh, his he tenated the French media um, and uh, showed off the the. Oh, I want to get this right. Actually, I don't know who said it. Whoever coined it, but I want to do shout out who whoever coined Nganu Madoff. Um, what what a nickname! Oh my god, um, yeah, those um, the pictures, the memes, yeah, 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 of Inganu Madoff. Um, I I, I wasn't able to kind of like track down the the originator because so many people were using it. But uh, just shout out to to Francis Inganu. Uh, you you did 15 minutes of it uh, at the top and and laid it out a lot better than I was going to. Uh, so Francis I mean, Inganu, you have Rick, to you Rick's have to be you week. have to be redundant. And I would say probably the best thing he accomplished this week, the greatest honor, was landing first on Rick's picks. <laughs> you know and 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 it wasn't a small bet on the chiefs either it, it, was, uh, it was a nice one it is was that a nice true sized one yeah oh you, yeah i mean that's that's a no-brainer what a what an asshole really <laughs> oh yeah you and gc anyone i mean i could that's i guess that shows the difference between me and and other people i would never do that to my friends if oh, i stop. knew if i knew that this Guaranteed was something money that, what guaranteed money? That was not guaranteed money. You were 13 seconds away from <laughs> the losing line was, that bet. The Linus was minus one and a half, and they and they won by a touchdown. I mean, that's it's not guaranteed money. They got screwed. First of all, if you're not winning games on freaking coin tosses, then uh, you know this yeah, whole thing let, is different. I, you know what? I, I didn't necessarily have a problem with the NFL's um, overtime rules coming into this, but after all the outcry and after kind of seeing how this specific game ended, I'm I'm being swayed. 
Um, that is that is a it's terrible the stupidest way. Stupidest thing. Yeah, when when you're playing as good as as the Bills played to not get a chance at it, that's that's bad. So um, either I've come do around. it, I've come you know, around. back forth, back forth, or um, I think you should just do honestly, like do the like period, a ten, like they used yeah, to do. Do a ten yeah. minute overtime. Like now, you know, do you, is there is there a what's it called? Um, the if if a team scores, is it over, or you want to just do a period, no matter who's ahead at the end of it? Because the the old NFL rules used to be there was a period, yeah. but if somebody scored in that period, then that was over. I kind of like I the idea of just like a, a fifth quarter. So you're saying just give it, like give the it an NBA. extra quarter, like NBA? Most other it's, sports, a fi- right? it's a five Isn't minute that, overtime. No, is, in in hockey, it's uh, if sudden you score, death. Yeah. sudden death. Yeah. Um, Baseball, obviously, you know, I could buy that. I could buy that. Freaking, let's play. Let's go. Yeah. Or I at could the, buy that. at the very least, you have to give the other team a chance to respond. At the very least, right the 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 college football yeah. uh, version, yeah. But do they still do that thing GC where it's like you start at the thirty five or some nonsense like that? They do that. Start at the twenty five. Start at the twenty five. So it just goes twenty five, twenty five, twenty five. Yeah, whoever doesn't score like doesn't match the score. Like if you score a touchdown and a field goal, then the team that scored the touchdown wins. Okay, that, that'd be pretty. That's stupid. fun, right? It'd be pretty stupid if someone scored a touchdown, they respond with a field goal, right? <laughs> well, why, why would you do yeah, that? Exactly. Yeah, you're giving up. <laughs> we're gonna kick, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be uh, conservative here and uh, kick the field goal. Um, anyway, we're, we're anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting away from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah. keep Francis. needling me, and I will keep reminding you. Uh, Francis and Um It was his week. It was his fight. It was his weekend. And now um, he has all the the power. He has all the leverage. It's it's really in his hands. So um, good for him. Congratulations. Mm. Uh, a gamble that again, I think. I thought was stupid. He thought was stupid, um, but he still persevered and, and went through with it. Um, I, I, I'm, st- I'm still kind of shocked. I'm still kind of speechless. I am, yes, I'm in awe of that. I mean uh, everything. But he, he did it. Um, on the heels of he, he did this on the heels of on that night. Uh, Davis and Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. Yeah. Can't can't say enough. Honestly, um, I feel bad. Like I haven't given them it, a lot of attention today, but geez, Louise, you know the story. The story is Francis, but right. n- not only what a fight between the two of them because it was, but what a three fights. Like this three fight series, not a lot of trilogies can say that in all three fights you were on the edge of your seat and and they delivered. Every single one of these three fights so far has delivered. With all due respect to the other flyweights. I would watch this fight get run back for a fourth time, a fifth time, a sixth time, a seventh time. Um, I know that the queue has to move, but it's hard for me to to want to see anything other than Davis and Figueredo uh, and Brandon Moreno at this point. Uh, what a trilogy. I'm down for more. Um, now, do you want to see it right away? Because I saw some people, some people say, like, run it back. Sure. Run it back. No problem. Is that fair? Do we care? I care, yeah. I don't. I care about Personally, fair. I don't care about fairness. If I thought that fairness was universally applied across the sport, if I thought that it mattered to UFC matchmaking, it mattered to UFC's uh, bottom line and product, that there was a meritocracy and they were holding up somebody, then I would care. Uh, but I'm not convinced of that. I don't feel like um, fairness is, is part of the equation at this point. So um, selfishly, give me number four, give me number five, give me, give me number six. Uh, do, it, do it forever. I'll take I'll take this fight forever. Uh, um, I mean, I, look if if Kaikar France beats Askar Askarov, and by the way, if Askar Askarov beats Kaikar France, I think they deserve it. Alexandre Pantoja, these are two separate things. If you're asking me, does somebody else deserve a shot at the flyweight title? 
The answer is yes. Yes, of if course. you're asking me, I'm not going to Would I forego that uh, to see this fight again? Absolutely, the answer is yes as well. Imagine in Mexico. Imagine Figgy's in Brazil. Man. Imagine in Mexico. No, but I know. But Figgy was like, "I'll go to Mexico." Okay, like, so one, one thing on that, he he walked that back in the post fight press conference. Oh, did he? Yeah. What? Um, Why? He was asked about it by by our very own Jose Youngs. Okay. And he basically said, and and I'm not sure what he was getting at here. It, it bears clarification. But what he said was basically, if I go to Mexico with Henry Cejudo, I might never leave. And I'm not sure if that was like, like they're the just going to settle down there. They're going to oh. party too hard. I'm not sure what the 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 we would need clarity on that. I'm not sure what the intent was there. Uh, but he did walk it back and say, maybe let's do it in Brazil. He reconsidered. Um, so oh, it wasn't. Uh, okay. I was like, damn. Wait, someone probably should have told me that. Uh, you know, my fault. I, I wasn't watching uh, all the post fight stuff, but. Um, he he had second thoughts about it. All right. Um, someone probably told him, yo, man, what are you talking about? Go to Mexico. <laughs> Listen, that's kind of a badass. I mean, oh, I, I I, when I heard you, that, I was like, that's the greatest thing yeah, ever. I was saying this to you over text uh, earlier in the week. Figueredo swag, and um, I'm not a fan of the. the the stuff he's kind of doing now. I'm not a fan of the cringe uh, aspect of him. Figueredo has swag, man. I think they could just let that cook and just let him be, you know, Figgy Smalls and just and not necessarily lean into the same kind of playbook that Henry Cejudo and uh, and the others um, with Captain Eric have used. Um, and I and I'm all in on that. I just think he drips it, like just his personality, got a his demeanor going on. For sure, and look, it, it's hard to argue with the results, right? Like you can think what you what you want about um, about that. You can think what you want about the 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 tactics being used uh, as far as the media goes, but the tactics being used in the cage and the the results they speak for themselves, man. Like th- those are that is a successful team. Those are some successful fighters right there, and Figueroa recapturing the belt um, deserves a ton of uh, praise here. I sent Captain Eric a congratulatory text. I'm going to so, guess that one was unanswered. A WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. Um, it turned blue. Meaning it was seen. Yep. But no reply. Mm. I'm not shocked by that. Uh, but yes, he, des- he deserved that that message from you. He deserves uh, a lot of praise and a lot of credit for, for that. Um, Leg kicks, baby. As does Henry Cejudo. Um, you know, that new, that, that change of, t- or, or addition of teams um, for Figueredo paid dividends. And he looked really, really good. Um, I know, I know Moreno, uh, was, was good in that fight as well and, and was, uh, pretty close, um, on the scorecards. I thought 49, 46 might've been pushing it, but again, I'd have to rewatch. Uh, I thought it was clearly Figueredo's fight. And, and I think Moreno at this point has, has addressed that as well. I think early he thought he won, but I think he's since been on Instagram saying that he, he knows he lost that fight. Oh, uh, respect. Yeah. Great, great fight. What a pop, Absolute. huh? Dude. Moreno's a star, no? Crazy. Moreno is like that pop actually surprised. I mean, like I knew they loved him. The Arizona thing was cool. Yeah. Nate Diaz giving him the rub was great for him. <clears throat> that was a legit. I mean, well, like that was like a legit superstar pop. Does does that not counter what <clears throat> like the 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 other strategy? Like, is that is that the not the direct response to kind of what we're talking about or I'm talking about? I shouldn't loop you in here if you disagree. But what I'm talking about with Figueredo, like you can be who you are. If if you have that, if you have what Moreno has, if you're authentically yeah. you and you can just express that and play with Funko Pop dolls and Legos and laugh about the the, the try hardness in MMA, um, people will respond to that. And Moreno has it in, in spades. He is um, one of one. He is extremely genuine and uh, people respond to it. 
just he does not have to pretend to be something he's not. He also, to his credit, he continues to talk about, look, I've got losses. I've lost before. I will be back. And and um, his mentality that and he, he alluded to in an interview with Mike Heck earlier uh, this week or last week, um, taking cues from Michael Jordan. His mentality is hmm. is very strong. Great. His mentality did you guys make that one? Strong. I took that personally. Yes, or was, we, we did wow, make that. Meme. That was good work. Um, but uh, dude, rock solid up up top. Brandon Moreno. It, it, it is a, is. it is a bummer though. Like this is a thing that I often get asked about when I go on other shows. Like, oh man, the UFC has a hard time like making stars because you'll get someone who's red hot, and then they'll win a belt and then they'll lose. Right? We that, remember. Yeah, that that's the sport. That's, that's the what sport. makes this sport so exciting. Though. And I actually don't think it like MMA fans don't care. Like no one thinks less of Brandon Moreno because no. he lost that fight on Saturday. Now for the outside guy who's just tuning in once a year, he might be like, oh, this was the dude you told me about." Like, yeah, well, when you hear about Ronda Rousey's right murking everybody in f- yeah. fifteen seconds, that's what gets the the general fans interested. But no, nobody. If if you're looking at Brandon Moreno after that fight and saying like he is lesser. You didn't watch the fight. That, that's no. just plain and simple. Um, and, yeah, and, shout, and by the way, both those guys. what about the symbolism that like two years ago they were trying to end that division and those guys got as big of a pop? Like certainly Moreno got the as big, if not bigger yeah, than anyone, even even yeah. Francis and Cyril. Um, I mean, there's just – it's it's amazing. I'm happy. I'm happy they didn't get rid of it because now there's got – you know, we talk about Mohaev coming up, Kaikar France, yeah. the Saskarov fight. Um, there, it, it's a very viable division with viable contenders and a viable champ. And Figgy's come into his own. I the one part that bothered me about that whole fight: how do you how how does Figueredo win that fight and you don't give the mic to Valid? I mean, come <laughs> on, he was there. He's there. You see him chomping at the bit. It was a very boxing okay, post fight scene with all of them. They were all like wanted the camera time. Did you see that? Henry's in there. Captain Erickson. They all of them wanted the camera time. Nobody, nobody better than Valid. Yeah, you needed the mic the time. Um. I, I am forced. I'm fo- you have forced me to tell oh. you, champing at the bit. Okay, no, but I think it's actually pronounced. You told me it's spelled, but isn't it pronounced chomping? No, it's champing at the champing bit. Champing at the bit is the phrase. Um, listen, just put that one in the pocket. You know, I know, that, I, I know. You, you corrected it. me, but I thought it was actually pronounced that way. Sort of like Champ- nipping in the bud. The, right, and people say nipping in the butt. Yeah. Right. Um, no. Can I break some news here? Hit us, Frank. Let's do it. Breaking news. Um, this is big, and I feel comfortable in breaking it right now after verifying it personally. Okay. First of all, shout out to the great EK on oh, yes. Twitter. Edwards Kim. Edwards Kim, legend, living legend. Uh, he actually got the scoop first. Oh, my Lord. Served up the alley-oop. I dunked it home. He actually really did the serving up and the dunking, but then I went back and double dunked <laughs> it. Um, one of the great mysteries... Of the last decade, one of the great mysteries on this program is where have you gone pre-Beck? And when I thought of Valid, pre-Beck, it all comes together. Of course, a couple weeks ago, we had the great Al Foran on the show, and that brought back some memories, some conversations about pre-Beck. And I even said to you that I worried that pre-Beck, like, that's, I, I, I worried like the worst, right? Yes, that he'd mev- never be seen again, that we don't know what happened. I was in pretty good contact with the guy and then yeah. he just disappeared on me he actually lived near me all this stuff Prebeck is not only alive i can confirm he is well he is alive doing well. well i actually spoke to Prebeck, and and it actually it was because of al's appearance that's what ignited it 
Yeah. I guess EK went in there and, and he did some research and he found him and I spoke to him via, you know, text and uh, it warmed my heart. I didn't ask him for anything, not to come on the show, this and that, but I just told him, I'm like, yo, I get asked about you all the time. You're one of the great characters in the history of this show and I'm just genuinely happy that you are alive and well and uh, we miss you, bud. And that's it. And he explained why, you know, yeah, I'll leave that yeah. all, uh, you know, to, to, you know, to our conversation, but... I thought that that was really big news that a lot of OG fans, a lot of OG fans will remember Prebeck. The new fans won't. Um, I even saw someone, speaking of like the Kenny Florian thing, someone tweeted I saw here, um, that's like, you know, I I said one of the most important interviews in the history of the MAR, and then someone wrote back like, LOL, isn't that show only a year old? And I'm like, Mm, it's like, go to Kenny's Twitter. These guys... They're they're like arguing with Kenny Florian yeah. about Francis's jujitsu. Like you realize yeah. who you're talking to. I love, I love, I live for, and I don't have a, a, a current or recent example off the top of my head, but this I've seen this permutation of, of this exchange happen where somebody is arguing with somebody who literally has like a PhD or like oh, expertise in something, and they're like, nah, you, you know, you should do some more research on this. And then they can hit them with like, yeah, I did oh, my eight years of study on it, um, and, and this is my field of expertise. Um, this is akin to that. This is, this is you know, teaching MMA to Kenny Florian or teaching jujitsu to Kenny Florian, uh, when, you know, when you're a, a two-stripe white belt. Um, just, just a bat. You're going to have a bad go. One more um, example. Last week, I uh, retweeted Sayat the great manager out in Tiger yes. Muay Thai. He's like, um, Rafael, Rafael Faziv is there. Oh, Hamza Chamaev is there. And then someone <laughs> replies like, no, he replies Faziv is at uh, Sanford. So I hit up Danny Rubenstein, who's also the co-manager of uh, Faziv. And I'm like, where is Rafael Faziv at the moment? He's like, he's in Thailand, Tiger Muay Thai. I was like, this guy's wrong, right? Yeah, he's wrong. Just so, like everyone is an expert. Yeah. Everyone knows this dude. He's telling his own manager. He's telling his own yeah. manager who's literally in Thailand with him. Yeah. No, and he's seen actually the photos. in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> we've seen the photos since. Now he's, he's literally on fo- in photos in Thailand. Oh, um, incredible. Yeah, I love those. I, I live for those. Those make me so happy to see. Um, okay. We're, we're going we're gonna to finish up Rick, Rick's yep. picks here. Okay. Uh, revenue sharing. 50% of the UFC's NFT launch going to the fighters. I, I have to admit, I think they announced this in, in November, I believe. They did. Um, I had no idea, didn't know um, that this was happening, um, and was happy to see that. Um, it, it, you know, I'm not, I'm not predicting that it's a so sign of things to So explain to me this. But so actually, uh, if I could break the fourth wall, you did slack me to ask Francis about his necklace. Was that a joke yes. or not a joke? No. You really wanted me to ask Francis? We're talking about one of the most iconic interviews and moments in the history of the show. You want me to ask him about his NFT necklace? Listen, you started off with some... It's not not like you started off throwing 100 miles an hour here. You could have asked him about it What is so great about it? It's just cool. I would have liked to know more of the story of it. We saw it on Instagram. What what does that mean, you like this stuff? You like the NFT nonsense? It had like a little screen I'm gonna, built into it. Yo, wow, it's great. I'm so excited about this. I'm going to I'm going to say, listen, Does I it don't have Pokémon Pokémon cards attached to it too. God. Oh, that's a different thing. That's a different thing. That's physical. That's tangible. You can touch Magic those. cards? I again, physical, tangible, you can touch. What were the ones that you throw on the games. thing? Pogs. Pogs. Come. Um I am not personally somebody who invests a ton in NFTs. Although if I do, it's just perspective, right? Like I, I did um, partake in, and buy some of the UFC NFTs, uh, but it's perspective. I am not, um, 
I'm not a collector. I'm not somebody who is thinking that um, this is guaranteed to make a lot of money down the line. It could, it could not. I'm not, um, I have the money to spend on that. I am not um, thinking of it as a long-term investment and um, what do you have? leveraging myself. You, I bought uh, a few of the packs that they came out with. Oh, the, the UFC bought? NFTs. Yeah. Who'd you get? I got um, a lot of different people. None of the like rare Where do you um, buy it ones. from? There's a, there was a website called UFC Strike. They're sold out now. So to come on, really? It's irrelevant. You can't go. Yeah, there was. Can like I a, ask how much it was? Or is that... no, no, no. There was a hundred thousand total units, uh, packs, and um, they were fifty dollars a piece plus tax. Okay. Or a processing fee. I forget what the extra. And how much? How many was. you get per pack? You get three per pack, um, and you were capped out at five of them. So that that was the the, the five sum packs? total. Five packs total. And you bought five? I bought five. Um, how how again, long did it take for it to sell out? A day. It was sold out by the time I was done by end of day yesterday. So it sold out quick in a day. And um, and who'd you get? Anything of note? I got yeah, I got a few cool ones. I got um Robbie Lawler's knockout of Diaz. Uh um Nick, the most recent one. Oh I wow. got the Derek Lewis KO of I forget who it was, one of the Fight Nights Blades. Wait, so is this um, all recent stuff? Yeah, most of it is recent. There's ah, not a that's ton. Whack. Um, is it because so so does Robbie Lawler make fifty percent of that, you're saying? Yeah, so the fighters get 50% of the sales, yes. The that fighters is, who are featured. The fighters who are featured, and not every fighter is featured. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, they, you know, this is just launch one. There will be additional How um, many fighters featured? For this. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head because it wasn't like it wasn't like individual fighters per se. It was moments. It was like plays, like akin to NBA um, top shot. They have like this LeBron dunk. It's, it's, it's akin to that, right? So it's, it's an individual play. Um, I got Ian Gary. Mm. Um, his most, his, is it his like the actual UFC highlight? Appearance. It's it's the actual highlight. Uh, Casey asked me, does Nick Diaz get 50% too? I believe, and don't That's quote me on question. this, but please somebody look into this. I believe that both sides of a fight um, do do get um, some kind of compensation. But but please, do not quote me on this. Um, do the research. Look this up. I believe that's the case. I believe I saw that floating around. Um, but much like Casey asking me, like I had no idea about this until this week that that they were going to get 50% um, of, of the uh, proceeds. Uh, so that's awesome. I'm, mm. I, I'm, I am happy to see that. Again, do I think that this is a forebearer of all things to come that all of a sudden the, the tide is going to shift? Uh, no. Do I think people like Francis Ngannou could, could influence that? Certainly. Um, but I'm happy that this is at least happening and that there is a 50% share going to the fighters on this. Um, uh, by the way, according to our good friend Jedi Goodman, uh, there's another one opening up uh, Monday, next Monday. There you go. So yeah, there will be additional flights of these, obviously. Dapper um, Labs. Dapper Labs is, is the, the company doing it for them. Um, so yeah, that was Oh, it cool. dropped yesterday. Yesterday. And mm. it was done uh, within the day. Wow. By 200,000 total packs. Six. Hmm. I'm reading. I saw. I'm reading the uh, launching first as an open drop of 200,000 total packs. UFC Strike will start with the. Oh wait, yeah, here you go. We'll start with the first round of 100,000 fully loaded yep. packs, and then I guess the second one is going to be on the, Monday. Uh, must be the the second hundred thousand. Right. So yeah, um, fifty dollars. Cool. And then t- you know, to your question, like I again, I'm just doing this to get on the trend. I am not an expert. I am, uh, listen. Kenny Florian is going to talk about uh, crypto NFTs, that type of stuff. Um, and and have have knowledge and expertise, that is not that is my not my stake in the game. 
it's a, it's a, a it's a cool website. I loved when people were asking Dana about it at the press conference. Yeah. Dana, tell us about the <laughs> NFTs. You know what? It's to like, his what? credit, he punted to uh, let's talk about fights. No, I actually. He said, "I a, appreciate the softball or whatever." No, yeah, that could have been an alley oop for him to 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 go on and on about that partnership. But instead, he uh, said, let's, "Now, let's is it possible? It's just because he doesn't know about it. It is possible. <laughs> you you could. I don't know either. Someone would ask me about NFTs. I'd be like, "Yeah, let's talk about the fights." <laughs> <laughs> um, now, what about you? How many NFTs do you have? What's your collection look like? Yeah, it's it's a pretty vast collection. Um, at the moment, I have uh, three. Um, I have. Um, I have one Pikachu. I knew you were going to name I, Pokemon. I, I, I knew it I in actually, my heart my kids, and soul. My kids don't fall. Um, what's the one that I always, uh, Squirtle, 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 Squirtle. Squirtle. Squirtle, yeah. yeah. Right. I always make fun of my kids. I'm like. Um, no, but can we stop here for a second? What? Why are po- why why is why does your mind go to Pokemon right away? Pokemon is physical, right? The cards are like yeah, physical. Is, it, is that and NFT? Logan Paul got, uh, maybe they're Did you Pokemon see that NFTs? video where he know. got scammed? Yeah, I did. Um, now, I bet he made on the YouTube videos and everything else. I'm sure he recouped quite a bit of that money, and he G. probably G. will be able to get a get a um, a refund of some sort. I'm not listen. I'm I'm not expecting that Logan Paul is going to be hard up after this. Um, I think he'll probably no. make out okay on the equation. Um, great content though, fantastic content, especially uh, when they were were cutting it open. Um, as a former, you know, l- lifetime ago, I used to collect all kinds of basketball cards. I've got some, actually some oh, really I, good ones I, that I should I have one of the all-time great basketball card collections. Yeah. Same. I mean, this like, has been I've rated. Got, I've, I've got a great one that I'm sitting on that are not like graded and, and properly graded, kept. Graded. And I should probably, um, do that. Um, I be- actually, I believe my buddy Ryan works for PSA. So I should, I should try to get that done. I just don't um, get, I like the whole digital thing. Um, by the way, Jedi sent me the list of the, I guess the moments. Oh, I got the, the Chris drop. Barnett moment. That that one I'm happy about. By the way, just think of something intangible that has a lot of value, like a Super Bowl. Wow. Are you nuts? What is wrong with you, well, Frank? <laughs> Your wife is from Buffalo, for God's sakes. You should not be intense. So I grew up in Texas, where. Yeah, so we had Dallas. Yeah, we had the Mavericks, we had the Spurs, we had the Rockets, we had right. the Stars. Right. Maybe the Rangers never won a World Series, but yeah. Then we have UT. I'll tell you who didn't win a, world, uh, a Super Bowl: the Houston Oilers. You know what? They belong in Tennessee. Yeah, that's right. Jeez, I can't Jeez, believe that. And people were just starting to like Frank, so when he's yeah. not here next week, it's going to be rough. Why? Where's he going? <laughs> Oh, it was a joke about you firing him. Oh, Jesus, okay. Come on. Uh, I was happy for a sec. Uh, Surreal Gun, <laughs> Francis, Figueredo, <laughs> Usman, Volkanov. See, what I don't like about this, if I can just nitpick for a second. Sure. Um, I mean, it's all like, I mean, it's like Danny. It's all like, it's contemporary people. Yeah, well, I think I want and, freaking and I think GSP did, winning the title. Know, yeah, I think they did this with Top Shot as well. But again, I'm I'm not an expert on this, so don't quote me. But I believe it's like contemporary. Then you can cut, start opening up. Remember, because of the way the compensation works on this, they have to do a deal with the people. So you have to go to GSP. You have to go to XYZ yeah, person, and you have to make the deal to get the legends. So I would expect that at some point their mind is where your mind is, and the, and they're going to be doing those moments with with legends. Um, but I think this is the easiest way to start. Right? You've got your roster. You talk to them you cut the deal and you get it done even francis and ganu um i i legit when i saw the message which by the way i saw it afterwards i mean i was locked in i didn't i was looking at my slack uh you could talk in my ear no or you can you not no frank can someone talk in my ear and no one hears it yeah we can do that 
I mean, no one seems to take advantage of that. But uh, you could have said, hey, ask him. Um, I definitely wanted to have asked him. Yeah, I mean, you just gave was, me the, you like, read yeah. me the riot act about yeah, not asking like, him, and now you're like, hey, before you go, as cool, you uh, just it bared cool. your soul for us, talk to me about that NFT necklace. Hey, yeah, Ariel, because you came in, started with, so tell me, about, tell, like, you couldn't I think, have, I think you couldn't we kind of, I think we went to, from zero you know, to 100 it, real quick. N- n- there were, listen, if you asked him the first thing that, I think it would have been fine. Oh, what's that around your neck? Huh. Let's get into it. Uh, but no, I will not. I will not besmirch you on on the, on that interview. I, I have nothing to to say. No missed opportunity there. But it would have been nice. Would have um, been nice. But uh, yes, that was nailed. Well, well done and uh, sig- very significant in, in in the history of this show and and potentially of the sport. Let's see, let's see where this nets out. But now, there any, now now that's in Francis's hands. Are there any Nelk boys? NFTs? I, I like, believe yes. Okay, like look, maybe I'll get into let's that. be real. Let's be real about what's happening here. There will be NFTs for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, what the value of these things ends up being um, is up to us. Is up to everybody whether they value this and invest in this. Um, I don't think. Look, I don't think it's ridiculous. I just personally don't assign a ton of value to the digital space. Right, that will change as I think things become more digital and uh, the metaverse and and other things like that become a reality. Um, will I then shift and all of a sudden want to hang digital art in my digital house? Maybe. Um, at the moment, I'm more concerned about physical houses um, and real property and and real art and things mm. like that. But that could shift. By the way, I just thought of a tremendous idea. Hit me. MMA hour NFTs. Yeah, big moments, right? We can roll mean, them back. Francis here, Connor back in 2013, um, you know, Mayhem, Habib in studio. It's not, it's not. Rampage dancing. What It's the not hell? a terrible idea. Hit us it's up, UFC Strike. Idea. You want to get in on this? Well, Dapper Labs, right? Like, no, us, I want to do it with UFC Strike. I want to do it. UFC Strike is just the name of the, of the thing. I want Dapper to do Labs the MMA Hour Moments presented by UFC Strike. <laughs> Again. What a bad name. That's <laughs> eh, fine. It's fine. Um, but actually, I think it's a pretty cool idea. It's not terrible. Listen. It, I mean, of you course, you can go on work, YouTube right? and you just clip the thing yourself. I feel like you don't understand. <laughs> it's like it, it's, it's, it's a representation, right? You don't actually own – you don't actually own that moment, right? Because right. that moment happened in, in real time. It's like stocks, right? It's like mm-hmm. a stock market. You don't own that company, but you are invested in that company and – you you then um, have stakes, and the value is based on what other people are willing to pay for it, trade it, collect it, how much they value it. Um, so if there's a, a a a rabid MMA hour audience out there that's willing to drive the value up of those moments, yes, and or buy, purchase those moments, or trade those moments, or share those moments, let us moments, know. Um, then it could be big, could All be right. really big. Uh, last one, okay. Sorry, this is this is uh-huh. this is a long. So, one. I mean, we got one more up for last week. Go ahead. You know, and I'm someone's getting a phone call right now. Every, it's me. Oh. Every bite, every bite of that dinner. Um, Which dinner? That, the dinner that I'm paying for with the money that I want on the Chiefs. Every oh, bite of that fun. dinner. The best is part about be, last week was you walked in. I was like, "Oh, look who's here today!" And you're like, "Oh, how long are you going to keep this up?" The look who's here today. Yeah. And then literally 30 minutes later, you left. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to go into too much detail. No, but I know, but it's like you walked right into it. By the way, yeah, and was, I actually did feel bad at some point. Now with this whole Chiefs bit, I don't feel bad about it. Well, this is this is my clapback at you. Mm. So, um, last one. Uh, farewell to Alex Savis. Oh yeah, uh, who was a part of the MMA, and I meant to do this last week, but obviously didn't oh, yeah, have the man. opportunity. Who was a part of the MMA fighting social team? Um, accepted a new position. 
thank you and uh, wishing for the best uh, on your new journey. Amen. Um, Godspeed. Happy trails. Um, and that's it for Rick's picks this week. By the way, a lot Strong. of people, a lot of people, like, I mean, multiple people on this show, people that we work with, that we know. I mean, there was one point where I just put my phone like this and then I turned it around and I had 50 missed texts because mm-hmm. a lot of people were reaching okay. out and so, being like, hey, man. I actually, I, so, I went from, if I went from the bottom up, it went from, oh, my God, congrats, I'm so happy oh, for boy. you. And then it went uh, to, oh, my God, holy crap, I feel horrible. Let, Are you okay? Let's have a real Larry David question here. Wait, wait, but I didn't finish my statement. Oh, okay, go. I, I didn't get anything from you. Not a single like, okay, hey, well, man. This is this is what I want to discuss. Feel right? bad. So you okay? Let's, let's have a curb your enthusiasm uh, uh, discussion. You coming here. in tomorrow? Yes. Man, that it's going to be so every bite of that dinner. Like yeah, when I, yeah. um, okay. I thought I considered. I thought I thought to myself. This this was my thought process here. So obviously I know this is happening because I have money on the Chiefs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know this is happening. After I get I come down from my elation, yeah, I bet, I, um, bet. I say, okay, clearly Ariel's, you know, this is this is going to be rough for Ariel. Do I text? Was where I started, right? I go, mm-hmm. do I text? And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, yeah, like you probably want to say something. Appreciate the text, yeah. Then I thought, okay, let me see if Ariel's posted on Twitter because mm-hmm. that will tell me mm-hmm. if I look on Twitter. That will tell me how hard Ariel's taking this, right? Mm-hmm. If he's not on Twitter, if he hasn't posted anything, that means that this is this is a real rough one. Mm-hmm. Like this is one to to probably and and from that point, I looked on Twitter. At that time, you hadn't posted. I know you posted something later mm-hmm. that night. I thought to myself, okay, I'm gonna let this one lie. He probably has a lot of these texts already. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, do I want to be another person to add on this? Is it gonna make a difference? Um, and ultimately, what I netted out was no. I will. I will let this lie. Not mention it. No. It Why bad. bring it back up? Let let him stew in it. Wrong call. Now that's the wrong call. So I should have texted. You should have texted. I remember everyone who texted. Every single person. Actually, if I'm being honest, only one person in that room texted me. Well, I can't speak for what their thought process no, listen, was, but I'm just, I just, I'm laid just it saying out for you. Only one person truly cared enough to text me, and that was Joe. Who, well, by the way, our team beat his team last week. Listen, you, Joe, you, you, and the guy to your right were both celebrating your big winnings. Joe, Joe is a true mensch. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Um, I'll say Frank was I dancing know... on Buffalo's grave. <laughs> Joe won money on the Tyreek Hill touchdown, so he was happy about that. Oh, oh he's not forgiving. He's not forgiving. Let me say this: selling out, Joe. How dare you? I know everybody in this room to be good people. I yeah, stand. No, no, I, I stand by that. that. But I, it, I mean, look, I, I felt on an island. I felt like I was on an island. I was alone. I told. Listen, I told you. I told you my thought process. I told you what I was thinking here. Yeah, it's wrong. You were, you were, you were. I remember hurting. everyone who texted. Actually, I, one of the I'll best texts that, I got was Brian into, Stan. Into, How about Brian Stan? I haven't talked to Brian Stan in like three now, years. Now let me ask you this: You're saying the right gesture is to text, and I get that. Yeah, and, and I will admit if if that was the wrong call, which you're saying it was, I will I will accept that. Did those texts make you feel better? Kinda. I mean, it was like. Uh, I don't really want to reply to all of these couple of yeah. heart emojis. See, things. that was what I was thinking as well. But, but it was not. It was nice to be like, gesture man, is the, that, is the that, thing that counts, I feel then. for you, bud. Yeah. Even, even Anthony Smith, who was talking smack throughout the game, wearing his Chiefs jersey, even at the end was like, I feel bad. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. And he's a Chiefs fan. I tried to weigh all those options, but I, I made the wrong. I made the wrong choice. Here's the bottom line. Ultimately, when the Cavs don't make the play-in tournament in April, I mean, this is this is pathetic, Ariel. 
I'm not gonna this text you. <laughs> I mean, the Cavs are like a top seed in the East. This I'm is just sad. Text you. Whenever that sad. you know that time comes, sad. I'm just this not gonna sad. text. I was I mean, gonna text. I, I would have texted. I I swear to God. Go into the archives. God. Did I text you after they beat the Warriors? After after. Yeah, I, I no, I texted you after after they beat the Warriors and you said no Kevin uh after they beat the Nets and you no, said no, no, no Kevin. No, 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 I'm talking in 2016. I don't know. Yeah. I hope you know what? I I didn't at that point I definitely God did. himself That's could the have kind texted of me I and I wouldn't have even cared. Oh, it must I was, be Oh, it must be nice. It is nice. Yeah. I must tell you. you. You know, you've asked a lot of people how it feels. You never asked me, but it feels great. I definitely asked um, you. Let me <laughs> let me let me say something though. Uh I swear I almost tweeted uh, when when the Cavs uh, last decimated the Knicks, or or was it Julius Randle's terrible performance against Golden State? Maybe I forget. Whatever. No, the Pelicans. The Pelicans. Oh God, what a nothing you that could was. say about. I almost tweeted. There was a time earlier this year where Ariel Hawani told me that he would take Julius Randle over That's Evan right. Mobley. I almost tweeted that. Not only that, you're retweeting you. some fakakta quote from Adam Schefter of Andy. Re- like not only that, you're like you're like freaking doubling down on it. I saw that. <laughs> retweeting the freaking by the way who's your source okay adam where do you how do you know that he said this he sounds like a bullshit yeah okay he could have made that up oh how do you know that he said it to yeah yeah that's win one for the gipper that's very okay that's very fair get out of here yeah Uh, great okay by the way 13 seconds left the place is going nuts hey (laughs) be the reaper don't be the grim wait wait, wait, time out time out time out this is coming from the guy who was so impressed from what eric nixick said to francis yeah because i heard it myself i heard it with my own eyes but that proves that it can't be done that proves it can't be by the way by the way by the way that proves it can't be done Eric Nixick didn't say anything profound. He didn't come up with some. I thought it was pretty profound. No, no, no. What he said was, "I believe in you. We've been through a lot. Go out there and show." That's profound. He didn't say, "Hey, when the going gets reaper, be the grim." Oh fuck! When the going gets grim, come on, come on with that crap. Uh, Can we talk about Eric Nixick though? Just generally, I just love that guy. I just love great dude. He just seems like the coach you want in your corner. Oh my god, Um, solid as a rock. What what a what a moment! What a moment! Truly, literally um, and figuratively, he's a big guy. Yeah, he is. He's a big guy, and uh, as he told us uh, last week, he's been hit in the back by a baseball but bat yeah. and was unfazed. Um, so yeah, shout out to Eric Nixick. Um, yeah, I feel like I feel like we've we've covered a lot here. Yeah, we have. All right. Uh, thank, thank you, you very friend. much. God bless. Hey, I, I should shout out by the way the people who won on Saturday, other than Davis Figueroa and Francis Ngannou, yep. Michelle Pajeda, Saeed Nurmagomedov, Michael Morales, Victor Henry. Great story there. The uh, the pupil of one Josh Barnett, who uh, scratched and clawed his way to the UFC and took the uh, he took the scenic route, no doubt about that. And I tweeted out the video that uh, Esther and Casey did on him, the profile, which I think was like six and a half years ago, five and a half years ago. It's a great story. So uh, shout out to him. Jack Della Maddalena is a big time star who improved to eleven and two, had a big win over Pete Rodriguez. With a very impressive first round finish, Tony Gravely, Matt Frivola, Vanessa Demopoulos, and Jasmine Yasudavicius. I believe I nailed that. Um, Canada's own Jasmine, who uh, I found out from my good friend Michael Fidel that a friend of her said she'd never make it to the UFC. And if she ever made it to the UFC, she would get Jasmine's face tattooed on her body. Not only did she make it to the UFC on Saturday, she won her UFC debut against Kay Hansen. So how about that? All right. Uh, we are out of time. It's been a great day. It's been a great show. I'm emotionally spent. 
And the best part is we get to do it all over again on Wednesday. How about that? Alrighty, a few guests locked in, and I think you'll like them. And so we shall do it all over again before I head off to the Show Me State. Yeah, December uh, 2010, heavy artillery. Strike force. Ho, 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 who wants a KO for Christmas? That was a great call by Morrow. All right, what a weekend, 270 in the books. First pay-per-view of the year. I mean, holy smokes. If uh, if the year continues with this kind of drama, and let's be honest, there's some big fights coming up. Big pay-per-view main events coming up. Israel Adesonia against Robert Whitaker 2. We have that coming up in like, what, two weeks, three weeks? Jorge Colby. The two title fights in April. We found out Glover Teixeira and Yuri Prochaska in May, May 7th. Hopefully we get Justin Gaethje. I mean, we're we're already booked up to, to May at this point. June, maybe Usman Leon. They already announced the International Fight Week on uh, July 2nd, UFC, whatever that is, 276 or something like that. I mean, we got a big year coming up. So I hope you've buckled up. I hope you're ready to go. Dare I say, I hope you're revved and ready to go. And uh, I can't wait. Thank you very much to all of you. Great show. Great turnout. Thank you very much to Eric Nixick. Thank you very much to Tom Aspinall. Thank you very much to Kenny Florian. And, of course, thank you to the reigning, defending heavyweight champion, Francis Ngannou, for telling it like it is. And congrats to him uh, as well. Back on Wednesday, same time and place until I say peace. I'm out of here. Uh, I do want to let you know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 300 is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is giving new customers a shot to turn five buccarinos into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any UFC 300 bet. So uh, there's a lot of close fights. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira is a close one. Um, one that is of interest to me, Kayla Harrison, Holly Holm going the distance. Um, obviously, Zhang Wei Li is a big favorite. The biggest favorite on the card is actually Bo Nickel against Cody Brundage. That may not be a surprise to you. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things on this card. And the place to be for it all is DraftKings Sportsbook. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code Hour. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DMAR. The crown is yours. Gambling Pronco 100 Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resorts in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, cdkng.com slash mma.com, yes. Uh, for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.